insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this evening on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to Illegal Curve Hockey Presents round one coverage of the 2022 NHL Draft. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm a puddle of sweat, Drew Mindell. The humidity is about a thousand percent and the temperature is a balmy 35 degrees Celsius. It is a beautiful summer's day here in Frankfort, Kentucky. Gentlemen, good to see you both. Who's excited? Who's always a great night that first round of the of the NHL draft already some moves being made Mark Andre Fleury getting re-signed Alex DeBrinket traded to the Senators we bring it all to you over the course of the next 3 plus hours the Montreal Canadiens are on the clock and have not yet allegedly have not yet made the decision but I hope for their sake they probably have gotten pretty close to who deciding who they're going to select first overall yeah, obviously it's either going to be Shane Wright or Uri Slikowski, guys. But uh, yeah, it's always exciting. We do the draft show every year. I think people just want to know, though, Drew, are you actually doing the show in the woods? Or are you on like a deck or inside and that's just behind you? Because it looks like right now, Dave, Drew might be broadcasting for, like into the deep woods right now. I am on a the, the, the front deck of my in-laws here and behind me is the woods. They have a, 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 a large forest that sort of surrounds their house on, on all sides. Uh, oh, here's some special guests who are coming to say hi to everybody this morning, this afternoon. There's hi, my Aaron. daughter, Aaron. Sammy, come on over. You can say hi. There's my son, Sam. There, it's a family affair on this. Hi, Sam. Uh, what is this? It's a Thursday evening. Can you guys say hi? Can you wave? Hi. There you go. Good job, kiddos. Go on inside. Actually, turn on these lights if you can. Go ask some Nana or Papa where the lights are. I Anyways, think people uh, want to know who they think Montreal is going to take first overall, Drew. Who my kids think is going to take perfect job. Good job, Aaron. Thanks for turning that on. Uh, I, I'm not sure. They're, you know, they, they're leaning more towards uh, going a little bit off the board, maybe a Logan Cooley, but you know, they, they, they're big gamblers. You never know how they're going to how they're going to uh, shake things out in the first round. Well, I wasn't on the show obviously last week with you boys. I saw I saw the whole show. I watched it. Chris Peters has Logan Cooley number ones. So it wouldn't be that much of a stretch, but it looks like Logan Cooley, uh, the highest he's going to go maybe is, is third overall to, to Arizona. But you never know. Maybe he slips to number four to Seattle, and then all of a sudden they have Maddie Beniers, um, you know, and uh, right up the middle they have, uh, you know, the two of the best young centers in the game, right? So we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm leaning towards Shane Wright at number one. You still think it's going to be Shane Wright? That's interesting, Ezzy. It I don't have a lot like of confidence in that, Drew. Okay, well, it's not a Ginsburg guarantee, Dave, so we know that, that, that what it's worth in, in, in that case. But it is sort of a fascinating situation that, uh, you know, usually by now, on, you know, five minutes before the draft really starts, and I, I'm actually covered watching the ESPN feed here, and they're doing a moment of silence for Brian Marchment, an absolutely tragic start to uh, draft weekend in Montreal. The announcement uh, yesterday that, that Brian yeah, Marchment just news. suddenly passed away, former Winnipeg Jets 1.0 draft pick or player for the Jets, of course. So just an absolute tragedy to start the uh, the draft weekend there, Dave Emma. Yeah, it's, it's it's horrible news. Only I think he was 54 years old. So uh, 
not not an inauspicious way to begin unfortunately for the marchment family and uh our hearts go out to them and, and everything they're having to deal with it's it's just you know a terrible uh, 54 is just way too young so i mean that's that's a terrible situation feel bad for for the entire marchment family and obviously the sharks organization so yeah it's a it's a brutal it's a brutal start drew but i mean again there's there's a lot of uh you know, it's our segue off of that, but I mean, there's a lot yeah, of fun when we have, you know, when we talk about the draft and when we focus on the draft and, you know, we went for five straight years, we used to cover straight, you know, at the, at the actual events and, um, you know, doing it remotely. And I, I tweeted this from the account, it, you know, whether you're doing it remotely or you're in person and in person is good, but we, you know, you do, to be honest, you do a lot of schmoozing. You don't do that much work. There's not, not a lot of work. We like schmoozing no, I, though, Dave. I like the schmooze, but the reality is, you know, and I got to tell you, this is my favorite week, the favorite two days of the season generally, because it's just like nonstop. My brain is not stop, but we are just, and you know, it's just so galvanizing to just constantly be on your toes, getting everything up. But uh, like I said, there's, there's so much news, so much intrigue, and there's so much optimism, right? And I, I've been asking Jets fans, whether it's in our, in our chat right now, or whether it was on Twitter or the Illegal Curve Instagram, you know, who they should take who the Jets should take, uh, whether with the 14th pick, who the Jets should take with the 30th pick. We're hoping to have whomever they take on the show. Is Again, that'll be a new thing because, of course, all those players will be at the draft. It'll be a little different than last year when we had Chaz Lucius on, and he mm -hmm. was, of course, uh, celebrating with his family. So His phone was blowing up, Dave. His phone was blowing up, but he still took Remember the time. Remember that? He spend. had to keep swiping because he was getting yes. so many texts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the point is that there's a lot of optimism. A lot of people want to uh, – you know, get their, have their two cents. And, you know, the th nice thing is I'm wearing the Manitoba t-shirt and there's a lot of Manitobans that could, the Jets could be drafted. And I tweeted this and I want to know what people in the chat think because I think it's the truth. I, I said, I can't, I was reading an article, Mark Masters uh, from TSN Toronto was writing about uh, um, Owen Pickering. It might've been, Pick yeah, it was Owen Pickering. And he basically mm -hmm. said, you know, he grew up a Jets fan. And, and to me, I thought to myself, I can't believe the Jets have been back now long enough that, there's actually Jets, you know, young kids being drafted now who are, in fact, Jets fans. I thought that was kind of neat. And, you know, um, Denton Matejek said the exact same thing. So I think that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of quality, really quality Manitobans that could be selected by the Winnipeg Jets, whether it's the 14th pick or the 30th or, hey, maybe both. Who knows? But, I mean, there's a lot of fun. Whoa. And, again, we have a great time during the draft. Well, we Dave, also we mentioned, sorry, we Drew, just age. wanted to quickly say Owen Pickering and Denton Batechuk are cousins. I know you guys know that and a lot of Second other cousin. people know that, but yeah. But, you know, just it, wanted to get that in there. Yeah, the genetics are strong, obviously, uh, in, in that family as they're both expected to hear their name called tonight uh, in the first round of the 2022 NHL draft. And it is, you know, Dave, as you mentioned, you know, it, it's sort of bizarre that these are kids. I mean, they're, you know, they're kids, you know, relatively young guys who are, uh, you know, who, who, grown up with the Jets for the last 10 years. You know, they remember, mm -hmm. the, you know, they were seven, they were eight years old when the Jets, uh, you know, reappeared on the scene. And that's, it, it's such an essential draft for the Winnipeg Jets. They have the two first round selections. This is an opportunity for the team because this is a team that's frankly still in a little bit of upheaval with the roster. We know that the, you know, so many of the players that have been the core of this Winnipeg Jets team for the last number of years are up in two years time. Well, two years from now, the guys that the kids that they draft today should be or you know could very well be getting into their, you know, getting into the NHL action, becoming NHL regulars. So, you know, the next wave of Winnipeg Jets players, you mentioned Chaz Lucius, you mentioned Cole Perfetti. 
both of whom will not play at the World Juniors that are scheduled for some time this summer. Still sort of going to be very bizarre to have this summer edition of the World Junior Hockey Championships. But this next wave of, of young Jets players is is really coming through and it's coming to fruition. We know the talent's on the back end and now the talent up front is really what needs to start uh, uh, developing to get to be able to fix the next wave of players that are beginning to get a little bit older. Hard to believe we're talking about guys like Shifley is getting, you know, on the back nine of his career, but that's certainly where we're at after all uh, this many years. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, Chaz Lucius isn't going to factor in for the Jets next year, but Cole Perfetti will in, in a huge way. Right. So, the first round and the draft in general is always big for a team like the Jets. We've talked about that, right? The Jets are just never going to attract free agents like, you know, Vegas or Tampa Bay, Colorado. We don't have to go. Everybody knows the teams that that attract the big free agents. They're, it's not Winnipeg and Ottawa, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but we'll get into the Debrinkic trade a little later. Maybe when Huss pops on, he's going to pop on any minute here. But there's no doubt, Drew, because you have that bonus pick right, that you got in the Andrew Kopp trade. So the 14th overall pick was obviously, you know, for the Jets, they want to nail it. But you've got that 30th overall pick that you didn't think you were going to necessarily have. And because we know that the Jets haven't had as many draft picks, you know, starting with, I, I guess, 2018 through 2021, um, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. It's at, at 14, guys, it's hard to predict you know, who's going at second or third overall, but at yeah. 14th overall, I mean, it could be a defenseman. It could be a forward. It just really depends, you know, what, what Mark Hillier and the amateur scouting staff, the rankings look like. Right. So I know a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of Jets fans are hoping that maybe Connor Geeky goes at 14th, but you know, he could easily go in, in the top 10. It's a very wide open draft this year. seems like we say that every year guys, but it yeah. really is this year. Especially sort of after that that top three, that seems to be you know uh, the top three seems to be not not completely decided because certainly one of the defensemen could certainly step in there, uh, Yurichek or, or, or or you know can can Nemec. see his name yeah. Nemec, Simon Nemec. His name. Yeah. yeah, they could both you know see their name called earlier than than you'd expect you know. But for the longest time, this was the Shane Wright draft, and now it doesn't necessarily seem it's going to be a it's a sure thing that it's going to be. The Shane Wright draft uh, on my second screen here. I see that uh, Martin St. Louis is obviously addressing the crowd in Montreal and certainly, uh, you know, being, you know, well received as it's, you know, good timing for the loyal fans in Montreal uh, after a very down year that they get the excitement of getting the first overall pick uh, in their in their home in their home draft. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Uri Slavkovsky, like I think what he did, everybody saw what he did in the Olympics for Slovakia, right? Their first ever Olympic medal. The guy's got, you know, the size, the speed, the shot, everything like that. If he doesn't go number one, he'll most likely go number two if the Devils don't trade that pick, right? But sure. going back to what we said before and what Chris Peters uh, said on last weekend's show, or I guess, you know, it was yeah, last show. weekend's yeah. show. It was a few days ago now, but uh, almost a week. Um, if Logan Cooley goes number four to Seattle, guys, that's going to be an incredible steal, almost comparable to Kale McCarr. Because, you know, when you talk about upside, I mean, Logan Cooley with the U.S. National Development Program was, was unbelievable. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Um, but you're right, Drew. I mean, aside from, you know, we don't know what the order of the top three is going to be. We, have, mm -hmm. we know that most likely, you know, Cooley, Slavkovsky and Shane Wright are going to go in the top three. After that, it's, it's pretty wide open. Like a guy like Cutter Gauthier, you know, some scouts have him going 11th or 12th overall. And some scouts have him going in the, the top five. So it's, uh, it's always tough to predict. It's always a crapshoot, the draft. It certainly is going to be a crapshoot. You know, 
every year, this is where sort of the rumor mill gets to be at running at full fledged, full force, Dave. And the Winnipeg Jets were no different. You know, the, the, we know about the na- the names of some of the players that have been out there, predominantly uh, Blake Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his name is, is high above the, uh, the the trade target board, the trade bait board, whatever you want to call it. Are you expecting to see a move with Blake Wheeler happen this weekend? When I say this weekend, I mean, obviously today and then the rounds two through seven tomorrow. Nothing's happened as of yet. It's sort of been relatively quiet today. You had the, you had the, uh, the move of uh, 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 Brinkett leaving the Central Division. That Chicago team is going to be pretty terrible next year. And then uh, you obviously had the move Marc-Andre Fleury re-signing in Minnesota. So still not a ton of movement in the hot stove but it could certainly pick up over the course of this evening. Yeah. And, and Drew, it's, it's, it's as you're, it's a good, as good a guess as anyone else's right now, because I have absolutely no idea. We haven't heard anything other than, you know, that Blake Wheeler's name is out there, obviously high on that trade target board as uh, posted by Frank Saravalli without to bring it off to Ottawa. You know, there's only Wheeler went from three to two and then back down to three. It's possible now he might, you know, with the Brinkett off the list, he's going to move up a little higher. So it'll be fascinating. It really is going to be. And, you know, it, what is the return going to be for someone like Blake Wheeler? Where are you going to get him? Because, again, any team that's getting Blake Wheeler is going to have salary cap issues because you're not getting Blake Wheeler on a team that's rebuilding. You're getting Blake Wheeler on a team that you want to have a chance to challenge for a challenge, a championship, right? And you think he's a, going to be a complimentary piece. So, you know, the, the, the Jets are going to obviously have to retain some salary it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Blake Wheeler and, and obviously the whole situation, the way it's kind of come down and, and, and whatnot, I think is going to be just another added element here, Drew, that we're going to be able to watch with fascination. Uh, and hopefully, Hey, maybe like the Patrick Liney trade, it, it happens while the legal curve show is on air. We, we never complain about that kind of stuff, but regardless, I think it's going to make another, just going to add another storyline to one that's already so full with the Shifley Dubois the glut of defensemen, what you're going to do there, plus all the optimism with the draft. The Montreal Canadiens are on the clock, and that means we're pleased to welcome to the Illegal Curve draft show our good friend, you know him as Hustle, as Hustler, Andrew Patterson joins us on the program. Hustler, how you doing, brother? Fellas, what's going on? I- I'm great. You know what? Kind of an interesting day. I heard you just talking about the Debrinkat trade. That was I guess not surprising that he got dealt. I was a little surprised about what came back. Um, I think good on Pierre Dorian. I mean, uh, you know what? No listen, you're getting him for at least two years. It's not a lot different than the Dubois situation here. If it doesn't look like they can sign him, I- I'm not sure that they would be getting less for him if they traded him at the deadline or next summer at that point. So good on the Ottawa Senators for making a deal. We just heard Marc-Andre Fleury stand in the Central Division to your extension with the Minnesota Wild. Um, but I got to tell you, I am absolutely fascinated as to what's going to happen in the next couple minutes when the Habs go up to the podium. Guys, I've been paying pretty close attention to the betting lines on this for the last <laughs> day, but especially the last hour. I've been going on. I'm going to jump back on with Gabe Morenci a, a little bit later on once I'm finished with you fellas. And just while I was on with him, the line precipitately dropped for Shane Wright. Um, mm. down like below minus 200. He was minus 333. So I still sort of expect right to be the guy, but this is as wide open. And I think we've heard this before. Sheveldayoff was saying he expects there to be a few gasps tonight. Wouldn't it be something if those gasps were the first pick with the Habs hosting the draft at home? 
Hass, it Seven almost weeks. reminds you of, you know, we the last draft that I was at with you, the last draft that I was at, period, was at uh, 2017 in Chicago. It almost reminds you of Nolan Patrick and, and Nico, Nico Hishier, right? It was right up until the last second. We thought it was going to be Nolan Patrick, right? And then, you know, the last couple of days of the draft, it became clear it was going to be Hishier, but kind of reminds me of that draft five years ago. Well, it's a great comparison, Ez, because, um, you know, Patrick was the consensus number one pick for well over two years. I mean, we spoke with Craig Button and he said he might have been the number one pick, um, obviously not in the Matthews line a year, but would have been in the mix. They thought that highly of him. And hey, listen, you can never predict injuries. He's had a real star cross year so far. What's insane, though, looking back at that draft is that Kale McCarr went fourth. I mean, remember all the doom and gloom around the avalanche when they lost all three lottery balls and moved from one to four after one of the historically worst seasons in NHL history? That uh, worked okay for uh, worked out okay for the Avs. What a player they got at number four. Which just goes to show, should tell you that for all the the talk and all the experts, legit experts, as well as the experts on social media. I don't know if anyone really knows anything once you get to this point, but it certainly is fun to follow along with. Yeah, knowing things is overrated, Hustler. The Montreal Canadiens, the pick is in. They're making their way to the podium, so we'll find out momentarily uh, who the pick is. But, uh, you know, it just goes to show you, of course, that, you know, the expertise is, is, is can change. It's amazing how the expertise changes from October through to what is this July now and you know how how people's opinions change and how you know the performances change and maybe you know maybe it's not to the player's benefit to be the clear-cut number one because everyone's always poking holes in their clear-cut number one Bob McKenzie just tweeted your Slavkovsky so uh, I don't know if that means he's going number one but probably means he's going number one boys yeah, if, if if Bob is saying that, that usually means it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good assurance that it's going to be Slavkovsky going uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I don't know if it's a riskier pick. I don't know if it's an, if it's necessarily off the board. But if Shane Wright turns out to be the exceptional player, the exceptional you know status that he had, if he if that translates to be an exceptional NHL player, you know, you know, in Montreal for years to come, they're going to be saying, what if, what if, and what if. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the pressure of being the number one overall pick, especially for a couple of years, I think sort of really hangs on a number of these players. And uh, yeah, it there it is. There, there it is. is. Oh, my God. Yeah. It looks like going number one. Wow. Um, that that is that is something else. Did you, did, hang on. Did the people want to? Did you make money? It is, well, to be honest, I stayed away from it. I certainly wasn't laying anything on at minus 333 or 300, <laughs> although I was thinking about it once it got under 200. What I can tell you is my good friend Gabriel Morensky has numerous, like, the Shane Wright first overall Calgary Stampeders parlay and a bunch of like <laughs> ridiculous things. He will be losing his mind right now. For any folks, like later on tonight, uh, maybe go to the game time decisions and try and go back on the YouTube channel to when Gabe finds out that the Habs didn't take Shane Wright. That will be a meltdown for the ages. I can guarantee you that. Well, so what does this do for the New Jersey Devils? They're obviously picking second overall. They've been very open and rumored to, that they, you know, their pick is is up for grabs. They can, they want, they want to win now. They're in win now mode in New Jersey with Shane Wright still being there with some of the other highly touted prospects being there. I mean, I don't know you know, if it's a guarantee, happen. guys, that Shane Wright goes second. I don't I think really it is don't. either. But you know, if you're, you know, if there's a for sale sign on that spot in New Jersey, 
as there has been or rumored to have been for the last number of uh, weeks. You know, what does that mean? Is a team now going to be more aggressive? I mean, this is the NHL where teams are usually more cautious than they are aggressive. So, but, you know, is there, is there a team out there who really wants to uh, to make a bold move, well, to this, make a bold decision and, and get up to number two right now? This really could change things because I think that the uh, thought that New Jersey might move off the pick, um, you know, uh, we've talked so much about the number two pick moving, but I think that was always the case with assuming that Shane Wright was going number one. Um, you know, if there is a team, like even that has a, you know, a top 10 pick that feels like they could add some assets and move up to number two, possibly that happens. Or maybe a team makes it a call right now to the Jersey Devils table and see if they can uh, swing that number two pick overall. We've already seen one top 10 pick exchange hands so far today. It wouldn't surprise me if there was another one, but, um, uh, that is a, that is a wild, wild change from what had been the conventional wisdom for the last two plus years of Shane Reich being the shoe in number one overall selection. And of course, the Devils have Heischer and Hughes. I mean, they've had two number one overall picks yeah. take centers. They'd be the one team in that mix that probably has the least need for a guy like that. Oh. So, as to your point, I mean, could we be seeing Nemechek or Jerichek? I mean, one of the two defensemen off the board. That's kind of what I was leaning towards, Hus, right? And and I know you you guys have had Chris Peters on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and and you know you guys had Adam Kimmelman, and you guys have had Grant McCagan. Peters a bunch had of different is his number one player. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so like, I think I I, I I mean, look at there's a good chance Shane Wright goes number two here to the Devils because, as you said, Hus. I mean, we all, you know, well, we thought it was, you know, let's say 51% that the Habs were going to take Shane Wright. But I, I honestly think it could be a defenseman here or even Logan Cooley. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like if Seattle ends up getting now, you know, a chance at Logan Cooley at number four to go along with Matty Beneers, who is, you know, you're mentioning the betting odds. Like I imagine he's one of the favorites to win the Calder Trophy next year. He's a really good player, as you know, like. We'll see what happens here, but I mean, this just shows you how unpredictable not only the first round is, but the first two or three picks. Well, and, and, and to be honest, I mean, that sort of make it makes what I mean, certainly for Jet fans, and then they'll be hanging out with you guys all night. I mean, it's not just about the 14 pick, it's about number 30. And uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have been doing the same thing, comparing draft lot, uh, mock drafts, and rankings from all sorts of different services. And you sort of see some trends where particular players. Are, um, are are available um, and potentially move. But I, I have to tell you, it is the one thing that we've heard loud and clear from everyone is that every team's draft board could be significantly different. So players that, you know, a fan might hope might be available at 14. Hell, Denton Matejchuk's a perfect example. He's a guy we had, um, uh, we had um, uh, Kimmelman, Andrew, Adam Kimmelman on from NHL.com today. He's got him going at 13 before the Jets even select. Button has Matejchuk going to the Jets at 30th with their second pick of the first round. So, guys, this is as wide open. I think the Jets will get a strong player at 14. And knowing the way things have worked out for the Winnipeg Jets in the first round with the likes of Cole Perfetti and Kyle Connor, they'll have their list. And I wouldn't at all be surprised. In fact, I can almost guarantee when we hear from Kevin Sheveldayoff after the first round, there will be something to the tune of, we can't believe he was there. We just had, <laughs> we just, we just had to pick him. And uh, hey, it's worked out pretty well in the past. Hopefully it does tonight as well. 
they would say that if any if they drafted any of us though so it really doesn't matter <laughs> you, you can't put a lot of stock in that one there uh, mr hustler uh the new jersey devils are now on the clock two and a half minutes to go uh you guys are stuck with pierre mcguire on the sportsnet broadcast i'm watching the espn broadcast what an addition what an addition. <laughs> what everybody undoubtedly was clamoring Oh, are for you in the here. backwoods of Kentucky right now, Drew? <laughs> that's in- not a background house. That's real. I I'm in- just, it looks real. It's real and it's spectacular. It's the I'm Commonwealth in- of Kentucky, Hussey. It is the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I am in Frankfurt, Kentucky, uh, broadcasting this week. What flavor moonshiner are you enjoying with the draft this afternoon, this evening? I, I, I said I'm not going to drink until after the first, uh, the first of the Jets' two picks. I think that's a reasonable, like, you know, the last half of the first round is when I think I can crack a beer or two, something like that. Well, so, well you know, I'm going to keep it professional to start at the very least. Uh, so I'm just know, worried that Drew's been eating too much chicken. It was National Fried Chicken Day yesterday, and I, I saw I, what I, Drew was eating with his gravy and his biscuits. So For those who observe... Yes, for those who observe. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. For those who don't observe who don't observe kosher, but observe observe National Fried Chicken Day. That, that that's us in a nutshell. Uh, you know, the thing about Slavkovsky. I'm going to go back to that. Uh, you know, before we we just gloss over him, his size is just remarkable. I mean, this is a kid who's 18 years old, and he's six four, two twenty already. Can't teach I mean, size. You can't teach size, but just wait wait until he fills out a little bit more. And you're going to try and take the puck off of him. You know, once he gets onto a real professional, you know, weight training program. And, and, and you know, because every all these kids, when they're Because, Drew, we know a lot about weight training programs, right? Well, we know a lot about eating, <laughs> as we talked about for the uh, with the uh, – You guys know about putting on size. Chicken day. Yeah, we know about putting on size. But just think about how difficult it is to get the, that he's going to be able to get the puck off of him. So you can see the appeal from the Montreal Canadiens' perspective in just that he's going to be – he should be an absolute animal for the Canadians and a key building block uh, for the future. Well, and he was that, um, especially in the world championships. I mean, I think he really sort of emerged as far more than what people thought he was in the Olympics. Again, I'm not sure how much scouts were taken from the Olympics just because of the level of competition and the players that were there. But, I mean, he was an absolute problem for teams at the world championships. And as we all know, um, you know, there's legitimate competition in that tournament. And, uh, I mean, it rocketed, and that was literally the last time people saw him. So timing sometimes is everything, fellas. And, wow, did he make the most of that opportunity. And, uh, well, Montreal, I mean, obviously we had the headphones on. I'm not sure how that pick was received by Ooh. the Habs faithful. Um, yeah, I, I would have thought that. I mean, there were so many. There were so many Habs fans wearing right shirts and jerseys outside the stadium <laughs> before the event. Um, never a dull moment in uh, in Montreal, that's well, for sure. But uh, right, this I is going to be. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, is this draft going to end at ten at midnight? Because I mean, they've done one pick and we're half an hour into it. Like, what is going on over there? Yeah, but I mean, they had the twenty minutes. They had the moment of silence, obviously, for Marchment, and then Bob uh, McKenzie reporting that it's it's Nemec. Nemec is going. There you go. That's what Huss and I were just talking about, right? Top defenseman in the draft. Shane Wright is now available for Arizona at number three. But there's rumors that they might go with Logan Cooley at number three, which means Seattle could get right at number four, which would just be bonkers. Well, I just going back to what those betting number lines were. I mean, if you would bet, <laughs> if you would, if you would bet, um, if you would bet him to be outside of the top three, you could have got ten to one. And there's the potential. I was talking with Ruiki earlier today that he might be there as late as five if this happens the way that it is. And if that's the case, it was more than twenty-five to one. 
pretty incredible um, and stunning drop for Shane Wright for a guy that we've been told for two years is one of these generational players that will clearly be the number one pick overall. And now two NHL teams have apparently passed on him. As he try not to get too excited, but it's Marty Berdur who's making the announcement for the Devils. I know he's your number one. I know he's your BFF. So just try and keep it under control as, as the right. Devils make the announcement. Well, you know what? And we always say this, right? Like NHL teams don't draft based on position, but we know where the Devils are weak right now, right? So you have to kind of wonder if that factored in. Like, yeah, they, they got Dougie Hamilton and everything like that, but... I know as a Devils fan, like the, the Devils don't have a lot of, you know, A plus or even A or B plus D prospects, right? Like, um, you know, Ty Smith is a good young defenseman. But I mean, I, I think here, you know, everything that the scouts have said is that, you know, Simon Namich is, is either the best D prospect or the second best D prospect. And, you know, he moves the puck. He's got offensive skills. I mean, this is a really good player. But to Huss's point. You know, I don't think anybody expected Shane Wright to be available for Arizona at number three. And I, and similar to New Jersey, it's not even a guarantee that they take him at number three. I'd be shocked if he if he goes past number four and Philadelphia has a, a crack at him at number five. But uh, yeah, really shocking. The first couple of picks is, is not really what we expected. But that's what makes the draft so fun, right, boys? Yeah, yeah. No there's question. a lot of mocks that are blown up already. Two picks <laughs> in so far, I can tell you that, guys. Well, and when was the last time that uh, you had two players drafted, uh, you know, first and second from, you know, Czechia or che- uh, Czechia and, and, and then Slovakia back to back? I don't know if that's ever happened before either. So that's sort of a, a, a boon to uh, the hockey development programs in those countries, especially because uh, Czechia uh, had some uh, had fallen on some tough times. They weren't like the Czech Republic teams, uh, you know, back in 98 with uh, Hasek and, and some of the superstars that they had. They, the program had sort of uh, been on a downturn. So I guess things are. Uh, are maybe looking upwards there a bit. They've got the uh, they so they've got Nemich coming up and you know meeting everyone and then of course they've got the old reminds me of the Aaron Rodgers cam in the green room from when he was just had to stay there the whole time. They've got a split screen and a little box just on Shane Wright of how and you got a feel for a kid. I mean these kids are eighteen years old. He seemed to be the one that was most groomed for this moment. Um, but you know, whether it was what happened on the ice, you can't underestimate the power of interviews, um, when they actually get down and talk to these young men face to face. Um, but I think this just proves that what Chevel Dayoff and what so many people have said is legitimate, that many different teams had very different thoughts on not just the general prospects in the first round, but all the way up at the, uh, at the top of the, uh, at the top of the draft. So, um, there's a number of guys out there that had Cooley and Wright as their one, two. They're both available now for the Arizona Coyotes. And hey, for anyone that was playing NCAA or junior hockey, you'll be able to just keep on feeling that vibe if you go to the desert and play at that new rink. Which, by yes. the way, is it true? The Jets are the team that yeah. opens that building? Yeah. Oh, two, we- yeah, yeah. Two, week, two weeks into the season. And of course, I want to, I misspoke. They're both Slovakian. I apologize. Uh, that I, I misspoke there. So I want to get that on the record. They are both Slovakian. No, but- Great yeah, for Slovakian hockey, but yes, Hester, you're absolutely right. The Jets open that. Their schedule is like they start. I think they play something like the first four game. They they have a four game homestand, and then they're on the road for like 15 in a row. It's yeah, the most a, absurd. Uh, I know Arizona. How about Arizona? Yeah, I, I actually think they start on the road. Did you say they? I think they don't start at home. They start on the road. Sorry, they, they, sorry. They start on the road, then they play like four games at home. 
and mm-hmm. then they're at then they're on the road yeah. for like the rest of until December. I think they play something like four home games or like seven home games until the end of uh, the calendar year. Like they're on the yeah. road for the entire start of the season. Huss, you know what? It reminded me just you know we were talking about Shane Wright and how he was in the split screen. Wasn't that like Clint Costin? Didn't that happen to him a few years back? Where he was sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting, and then I think was it the Blues eventually da- drafted it. Like he was like the last guy in the room. Didn't they yeah. have to like hold over till the next day? It was just it was if you just felt terrible for this guy because he's sitting there, he's waiting, and he's just isolated. It's brutal. Well, they thought he wasn't going to get picked at all in the first round, and I think the Blues snagged him at 31, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that yeah. might have been the year after they won the Cup, and uh, and you know they they ended up getting him at that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's all part of the the show of the draft. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. really ignore it, but. Um, you know, sometimes I think we lose sight of the fact that these kids are kids. I mean, they're barely yeah. 18 years old in a lot of cases. And this is going to be the longest 20, 30 minutes of Shane Wright's life right now until he finally gets to walk up to that podium and grab a jersey. We'll see whether it's the Coyotes next. And, of course, the NHL draft is so unique in that sense because, you know, those draft picks, got, there are, you know, plenty of times, you know, per year where there are people and young players who might be fringe prospects who show up at the draft and often don't hear their name called over the seven rounds. I mean, we remember it in the, in the course of all of our drafts that we covered in person where you'd run into somebody or you'd know somebody and they'd be there with a prospect. And it's a guy who, you know, they think might go in the fifth round, but doesn't end up going. I mean, imagine sitting through two days of this, hoping to hear your name called in the sixth round or the seventh round and then not ever, you know, you got to slink home after that. I mean, that really puts a, uh, a bit of a damper on what could be a very exciting weekend for you. Yeah. Well, right. To us's point, it must feel like that long for Shane right, right now. It probably feels like it's been seven rounds, but can Arizona not, can they somehow not take Shane right here? Us like, obviously they can, but like, to me, if you're the coyotes, like uh, you got to take right. Don't you? I think it's a no-brainer uh, unless they have some sort of an option of some team to kind of move up and maybe grab their pick. Maybe they grab more. I'll be honest. I don't really know what Arizona's doing. I mean, other than <laughs> playing in a junior rink and being the laughing stock of the National Hockey League. So and, t- um, and taking on cap space. Yeah, well, exactly. Cap space. Maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe they'll take a couple big contracts in place of the third overall pick for Shane Wright, and then they can just know that they're up at the floor and they barely need to put players on the ice. I'm really not too sure about it, but uh, I don't know. They, I, I'm, I'm still amazed that Shane Wright is still sitting here right now, 20 minutes into sitting down with you guys, and uh, two picks have gone off the board. I'm sure he's equally amazed. It's not the way he envisioned it working out, you know. And this is a, you know, this is the reality of a of a draft situation. It's I think they might go Logan Cooley here, the Bob Father saying Logan Cooley. Well, if if Bob McKenzie is spoiling every draft pick, oh, is Bob McKenzie well. pulling Frank Saravalli? I was just the, about to say, like, what's going on right now? Like, it, the whole point is, 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 let people enjoy it. You don't need to ruin every pick. On Twitter, I don't understand that. No offense to Bob McKenzie. You know, you should focus on margaritas right now and not on ruining the draft for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jay, that means Seattle's getting Shane Wright, I guess. What a flex by the Bob father, eh? Like, he's retired. Yeah. He goes out. He's selling margaritas. Then he just shows up on draft night and mm-hmm. uh, basically tweets out every pick in advance. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is... Uh... Yeah, and and it's a bit of an and you know that it's a bit of an fu as well to the competition, uh, who are you know trying to keep people entertained and watching the draft. Uh, instead, you got you got the uh, the retired guy, uh, your semi-retired guy who's actually just going to sit there and spoil all the picks 
uh, for you instead. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, and, and I've heard people say this before, is if you don't want to know the picks, if you want to watch the broadcast, don't look at Twitter. And I totally understand that perspective as well. But, you know, in the NFL, you remember there was all those years where they would tip the picks and then they all made an agreement to no longer tip the picks so that they could keep the, the, bro- the interest in the broadcast. And, uh, you know, you wonder if the NHL, the NBA, some of the other, you know, Major League Baseball's draft doesn't really matter. But if the NBA and the NHL want to work with their broadcasting partners to try and get something similar underway, uh, you know, for future years. But uh, right now, certainly Bob McKenzie doesn't care about that. And he's going to announce as the Coyotes are up at the podium, going to announce, of course, Logan Cooley as their selection as the Shane Wright drop continues down to number four. You have to figure that's as low as it's going to go, right? Right. And, and you know, we were talking about the 2017 draft earlier, right? Like Nolan Patrick versus Nico Hishier. Now it's kind of getting into 2016 territory, Huss, when Yessi Pugliarvi fell to fourth, right? Because leading up to the draft, there was still some talk that the Jets might be considering Pugliarvi at second overall. Now Seattle has a chance to get Shane Wright, who was projected to go number one at fourth overall. So, yeah, I would be – I mean, we're already shocked, so I don't know if you can be, you know, shocked again – but uh, if Philly gets Shane Wright at number five, like that is, that's almost insanity. Well, then Philly, that would talk about if the Kraken don't take Shane Wright. I mean, especially with how much they put into their blue line at the expansion draft last year. Well, you know, and Shane Wright and and Maddie Beneers up the middle. That sounds pretty good to me, right? Like, so yeah, I would expect them to go to go with Wright here at number four, but. Obviously, we've been surprised by the first three picks, so uh, maybe oh, this is a trend here. But it's got to stop. They're back eventually. to the right. They're back to the right, Cam. Too, and this poor guy. The minute the picks made, they just have him sitting there with the dazed look on his face, clapping. I mean, it's almost. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens with Seattle coming up, and then I would imagine I still think that Philly gets Jiracek at number five, and I think we'll have the top five players go off the board just in a very different order than we had exactly. uh, we had originally thought. I would tend to agree with that. I'm concerned why everybody on the Coyotes that's on the stage, at least they all look like they were wearing the same suit and tie combination. I'll have to look at that when when Logan Cooley walks up to the podium. Contra it like, deal. It looked like, yeah, like, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that's clever. It looked like they were all wearing the same uh, the same suit and tie, which I don't know if that's necessarily a great look to have. You don't think you all need to be wearing the same thing. And Gutierrez, by the way, was up there uh, kind of uh, welcoming everybody. Xavier Gutierrez, the president and CEO of the Coyotes, and then uh, turned it over to Bill Armstrong for uh, for the selection. But uh, just imagine being Ron Francis right now, just sitting back going, wait a second, the, and, and, and who knows? Watch them go take your check or something. I mean, maybe, maybe Shane Wright really did. I mean, he was, I think, 10th in scoring in the OHL this year. He had like 99 yeah, All he did was put up 94 points, Huss. Well, you know what? That's great for a first rounder, but for first overall, I mean, it really doesn't compare to many of the other ones. And I think this sort of speaks to a team like the Winnipeg Jets that's getting, you know, on the clock at 14. Why I mean, are they knows? all wearing the same suit? Sorry, Huss. They're all wearing the same they, suit. They, <laughs> they are. It's like a uniform. We're going to have to ask the boys at EPH Apparel. <laughs> Why are they all except except for that guy who's wearing, I mean... It's like, what was going on there, guys? Yeah, yeah, Gutierrez has a slightly darker shade, but for the most part, you're right, Drew. It is the exact same suit. Team uniform. I mean, hey. 
they, you know, they need to, they, who knows? <laughs> I hope they didn't, I hope they, uh, whoever bought those, uh, whoever they got those suits from, I hope they, they made it cash on, a, a cash on delivery because otherwise they may not be getting paid from the Coyotes. No Ooh. doubt about it. Hey, let me, let me hit you guys with this just while we uh, wait to see what happens with Seattle and see another ISO cam of poor Shane Wright. Um, what do you guys think the chances that Blake Wheeler's a Winnipeg Jet at the end of this weekend? I, I, I don't think it happens tonight. I have a, can't imagine a first round pick being involved to me. I think tomorrow is a far more likely time for this deal to happen. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, are we being sucked in by Frank's trade bait board? I mean, this doesn't seem like an easy deal to make. And I guess the other big question is like, what does that deal look like? Is the Jets sending a sweetener or are they eating a significant part of the Blake Wheeler salary to get some sort of return back? Speaking of trade, it looks like they're everyone in the chat. Announced announced two trades, trades. two trades, two trades. Okay. Gary Bettman is running things here. <laughs> Habs have made a trade. I think you're going to want to hear this. Sounds like <laughs> it. Yes. What is it? Yes, we want to hear the trades, Bettman. Get on with it. Glad he's recovered from COVID. Obviously, he missed the Stanley Cup. Uh, it involves the Canadians. The Canadians move up to, to five. So, Romanov and the 98th pick to the Islanders for pick number 13. Okay. Here comes trade number two. Ooh, Kirby Doc. There we go. There was word, there was talk about Kirby Doc. Chicago the... is going to be the worst team in the league next year. <laughs> <laughs> is Patrick Kane really going to play there? No, I, I, you know, Huss, that's exactly what I said to Ezzy. Uh, we talked, we were talking about the Debrinkin move, and I said, "What are Ezzy, the Hawks like, doing?" I said before this, we got going on the air. I said, "There is no chance Patrick Kane is sticking around for this rebuild. He is Gonzo. He's got to get out of there. I mean, what are they holding on to him for? I mean, what, well, what, an, organ- you, what an organization! What a disaster of an organization! That here's is. the thing: they do need. I mean, like considering the guys that they've sent out, I mean, they're going to need to be at the salary cap floor. You've got Kane and Taves. And I will say this. I'm not sure that the value on the trade market for Patrick Kane isn't more at the deadline after they've mm-hmm. used up right. part of his, his salary for two thirds of the season and teams yeah. can handle his number on the books a lot easier. It wouldn't be surprised to see Pat just kind of hold his nose and play for the first four months of the season and then find another home later on in the second half closer to the deadline. Counterpoint, though, right now at this time of year, you can go over the cap. You, if you have an opportunity to acquire Patrick Kane, you find a way to get it done. You know, this week, this weekend, whatever it might be, just to get him on your team, and then you figure out all the other pieces afterwards. Because he's still Patrick Kane. Jonathan Taves is not the same Jonathan Taves no. that he was, but Patrick Kane is still an elite hockey player in this league. We've seen. We, I mean, it's we a shame that he's saddled to... with. Can we get back to the fact that Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinkett were both traded for first round picks? Like, this is crazy. Like, I realize they want to restock the the cupboard here, but like, uh, they got to have somebody else aside from Patrick Kane scoring goals for them next year. Like, this is this is crazy. Kirby Doc is 21 years old. I mean, it's pretty clear, I think, what they're trying to do, and that's be the worst hockey team in the National League and be up at the podium first up next year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, I think Bob, Bob already broke it. Has to go to the ISO cam. Go to the ISO cam. Oh. It looks like Shane Wright is going to Seattle. 
Oh, well, good for him. It'll be interesting. We'll see. He'll get up there and finally get his moment. That's a long half hour for Shane Wright. But, you know, honestly, for him, this might actually work out much mm-hmm. better for him. He'll have a chip yeah. on his shoulder. Everyone will remember how this worked out. And he's going to an expansion team, a team with lesser expectations. I mean, his life, I guarantee you, will be much better and more sane not being the number one overall pick of the Montreal Canadiens as opposed to being the fourth pick by the Seattle Kraken, maybe with something to prove once he gets to the show. What a huge win for Seattle. Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright up the middle. Wow. That's that's the next 15 to 20 years of your franchise right there. It should be. I mean, Ron Francis, who, I mean, I still think he screwed up the expansion draft pretty loud, pretty badly last oh, yeah. year, has fallen ass backwards into some success in getting veneers and then get, and following that up with Wright. I mean, that's uh, fortuitous. It'll make him look like a genius when I think there's a lot more evidence that his genius was not so uh, not so great. Uh, well, the Jizza is the genius, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> nice Wu Tang reference, as he. Come on. <laughs> You're from Shaolin. You grew up on Staten Island. Come on. He's got the liquid swords out for round one of the NHL draft on IC. Did either of you think that there was a chance in hell I was going to understand that reference? <laughs> How did you not know that as you would be a Wu Tang reference? I mean, yeah, come on. By default, it should be assumed. I'm pretty sure I've been suffering from heat stroke for the past five days. That is true. <laughs> Get out of the backwoods of Kentucky, Drew, and come home then. I'm coming home. I'll be home this weekend. Don't worry. But it's uh, it's certainly been uh, Anyways, a great has, trip down here. Has, to get back to your to the question you asked us, which was what we were actually talking yeah. about just before um, you came on with us, was the idea of Blake Wheeler and what is going to happen with the Jets captain. And, you know, look, it's going to be fascinating. It really is. Because there's been so many indications as to whether he is going to go. And, whether and, and, again, you have to find a fit for him. You have to find – he obviously had an opportunity to submit – a five-team, uh, you know, trade. Uh, trade it list. sounds like that list is a lot bigger than five right now, well, considering the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is, like, if, if if he thinks it's the right fit for himself and his family, he's going to accept the trade, I would imagine. And look, it 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 really will be defining. I was thinking about it, right? You've had Andrew Ladd, the only captain the Jets had known. Then you put Blake Wheeler in, and and regardless of every all the other stuff, I mean, Wheeler has had an impact in this community, has had an impact on this team, and. You know, like I said, it'll be a very interesting Jets team to cover next year. If no, <laughs> that is a good point by Kenny's water bottle. But it'll be a very interesting Jets team to cover next year if there is no Blake Wheeler as the captain. And before we before Husky chime in there, I think we need somebody to start Kenny's tomahawk steak uh, based on the uh, Instagram photo from Elliot Friedman last night. That needs to be a new a, a new commenter. Go check out Elliot Friedman's Instagram. I want to know who paid it. for that tomahawk steak. Yeah, I yeah, wanna, it I, wasn't Weaver. Let me tell you, I have experience being a draft with Weaver, as does Hus, as does as as does Drew. And let me, t- I was almost gonna it was like that Seinfeld where that girl had spelled had spilled the uh, sauce all over George's shirt, and he wanted to wear it as revenge years later and say, this is what you did. I was going to go to Weaver, us, because I, if you remember in Philadelphia, when we went for dinner, Wheeler, Weaver spilled wine all over a brand new shirt of mine at dinner, and I was going to wear that same shirt tonight to the draft. We're going to have we're gonna have Weaver on, and I was like, Weaver. That was the old dog dinner, Huss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, believe me. I remember it well. I remember it well. That that entire draft was so much fun. And that oh, evening that was, was uh, so different right now, having it on a Thursday. And now weird. I didn't even realize that the picks were going during the day tomorrow. I just sort of assumed that it would be again in the evening. Tomorrow. I found out that out later on. 
which obviously yeah. is good for the show. We'll have a little bit more to talk about by the afternoon. Like some of the picks will be off the board, but um, really it is. It's all about tonight. I'm glad you guys are doing this this evening because, um, you know, Jet fans want to have a spot to be able to pop in, you know, hear what everyone has to say and sort of follow it along. And um, that's one of the beautiful things about, uh, you know, where we're all doing our thing now. The sense of uh, including more people in the community on nights like this where uh, I got to tell you, it was like uh, for some of those, as like, you remember those shows, like <laughs> doing the especially the one in Chicago where we weren't in the building, where yeah. we were just in, yeah, we were in the hotel, yeah. in the hotel. Yeah, that was a lot different. And the thing is, we were, all the other TSN radio stations were with us, and then they left and went to the draft, and it was just me and you and and Toy, right? I don't want to throw him under the bus, but someone didn't read the fine print about where you could broadcast from. Let's put it that way. I'll tell you what, that is going to, that's that that draft story is going to be a chapter <laughs> in when we write the book of TSN 12. It was fine. I mean, we were closer to the bar, so right after the draft ended, yeah. Huss and I just went on and partied. It was lots of fun. Yeah. You mean when Ezzy took and, the, when Ezzy flew home in, from Duluth and was was overnight in the Duluth airport because he had to, he did his family. Didn't she have like a family until seven? Didn't she go to like Newark first, like Chicago, <laughs> Newark, Duluth. Philly, Duluth? Winnipeg? I was on the same flight as some of the Sopranos cast. That's that was me. Huss. Newark <laughs> to Minneapolis, part. Minnesota, Duluth. I actually slept on the floor of the Duluth airport. It was a very dark. Hang on. Time. Not to throw you under the bus, Huss, but where were you ha hacking butts in between draft, in between picks, and in between commercial breaks when you guys were doing the draft? That's in a great question. Probably right in the spot. Maybe. I mean, I'm not really too sure. I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I would have found a. Uh, I think you went to the bathroom. If I we were vaping. Vaping. There was, was vape nobody life. We were living that vape we life. Were the only guys. Like everybody else was at the draft, and we had to do this like full, like the entire first round. We're, we're on, and it says we can't get any guests. That was well, uh, it, well, it was good though that we had Pauly Edmonds cutting in, I think, every like you know, five to seven minutes. So we had Pauly on the draft floor, but yeah, it was so weird. Five considering... minutes per hour, that was all right. we were allowed because of the stupid rules that all of a sudden were flexed upon us after year after year after year of doing it on the draft floor, anyways. Great memories of uh, that time <laughs> in Chicago. Maybe we can all get our shit together, and next year we can where's the draft next year. Hasn't been announced. I don't think they've announced think it they've yet. Announced oh, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll get out there. Maybe it'll and do be in it. Kentucky, Huss. And maybe the fact, that, or, yeah, exactly. By the way, I'm sure there was a real buzz about the number one pick on the streets of uh, Kentucky today. <laughs> no question. Must have just been you know, you know, one conversation I, after another, right? Sloskovsky, who's it going to be? You're, you can't believe the number. I, I was actually just got back to Frankfurt this afternoon. I was in Lake Cumberland, Kentucky. I was out uh, in cottage country for a few days. You can't believe the number of people who stopped me to talk about uh, the, the first overall pick in the NHL draft. But that said... The PGA Tour is in town here. It's in Lexington this week, and so tomorrow I'm going to go see Aaron Cockrell. Uh, you know the oh the, the, the Barbasol, the Barbasol. He's playing in the Barbasol. So, so hold on, Huss is Drew going to be morning. on Winnipeg Sports Talk tomorrow? Yeah, you know what? Live, live from the course, seeing what's up with AC. That would be great. Obviously, tomorrow would be much about that. Yeah, but I was we'll actually really about pumped about that. Uh, second PGA Tour start from uh, – he had that great made the cut at the RBC Canadian Open. So, actually, that's going to be awesome. We'll fire up some pictures. Tweet us a pick or so, and we'll uh, fire you up. You can give us some – you will be, for the first time, a golf correspondent, Drew, <laughs> following our own AC on the PGA Tour. little can breaking news here. Our friend Anthony Sanfilippo Drew is saying Cutter Gauthier here. Cutter Gauthier apparently is going five to Philly. Cutter Gauthier. So, they're not, they're not taking the defenseman. 
Ooh, that means it's the over on Yurichek, over five and a half. Oh, that's uh see, I'm now looking back at some of the picks that we made on the lock shop and seeing that that's the uh, that's the, the the big question right now, until of course we get to 14 and uh and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh but boys, anyways, listen, this has been so much fun. I got another hit to do at up at seven. Um plenty of it, laughs. I'll jump in there maybe a little bit later on if you guys are still on. And no, we'll be on. Going on. But uh, we're, we're still up on later on night. Right there until the 30th pick. We'll see what happens. But um, really appreciate it. Keep up the wonderful work. And uh, we'll be popping in. Of course, people will be checking this out. And uh, we'll be talking all about it tomorrow at 1 on WST. Have a good one, fellas. Thank you, Huss. Take care, brother. There he goes. The man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Hustler Patterson, joining us here. Well, like, we've been doing this show for an hour, and there's five picks so far. Like, what is going on here? Well, that's what it's I was telling you before we went live here. I was saying the Jets pick is probably going to come, you know, between seven thirty and eight. Now, obviously, it's looking like it's going to be closer to eight. Yes, yeah, for yeah. some of us, it's an it's Eastern time, so it's even an hour later for some of us. So uh, I think yeah. this draft's going to wrap up right around midnight or so Eastern time, the way it's going, and you know, not uh, <laughs> not 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 quickly moving through things. But I guess it's the first time they're all back together, so they all need to, you know, everybody needs a little time at the microphone. They call up, you know, they call up the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers guy comes to the mic. He says, "Thank you so much." The people of Montreal have been also wonderful. Blah blah blah. Then he introduces somebody else, and then that person introduces somebody else, and eventually four hours from now they end up uh they end up say, uh, drafting somebody i will say though i have you know it, you know t- having talked about being at the drafts there really is nothing like that energy highs like you just mm-hmm. the buzz in the building the the fans excitement and and of course it all depends right like it all depends on the market when we were in philly hilarious the fans are hilarious new jersey i mean you know sell you know any team any eastern team that they don't like obviously the rangers you you know bet they're doing the roll call for the teams fans are yelling you suck like it's just it's a great environment. It's a lot of fun, and and there is like a a palpable buzz in the air. You do feel, you know, the excitement from the fans. You watch the machinations on the floor. Everybody's kind of like, you know, bump. Like it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. And again, like I said, yeah, I, I agree with us. I think maybe IC makes our return next year. We head, we head down. I mean, I gotta tell you, I'm not upset about not going because travel is such a nightmare that you can pay me right now. To be no offense to Drew. Could pay me to be on a plane, although international is a little bit better. International was simple. It was. It I was, was going to say sailing. international is a little bit better, but but national. Just uh, keep me away from Air Canada. I don't want to have anything to do with Air Canada or WestJet well, right now. But the point I'm making was, is, I have no issues with WestJet. I'm a WestJet guy. Anyways, anyway, let's put it this way: they all suck. The point is, as and I and Drew, maybe we'll do a little road trip, and if we have to, maybe to Minneapolis. Who knows? Get in the car, do a little drive down to Mini, hit the Mall of America. Who knows? It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be in the next, you know, next few years that the draft's going to be in Winnipeg. I mean, they're they're allegedly waiting for that hotel to be built that's going to be attached to uh, yeah. True North Square or whatever it is. Once that's done, it's going to be uh, the draft is going to be in Winnipeg. I don't think we're going to get an All Star. Well, well, Winnipeg's yeah. never had an NHL draft, right? We were supposed to. Uh, was that five? Was five? Yeah. yeah, you're right. So I agree, Drew. I don't know if it's going to be. 2023 but let's say you know one of 2024 2025 which would be awesome right because true north square is a very impressive um i don't know if you want to call it uh, a a series of properties or complex or compound or whatever i mean you've got residential commercial it's pretty awesome so yeah maybe winnipeg does get a draft and then we don't have to go very far we can take the transit bus and just go to the draft right we don't have to worry about booking a plane ticket 
There you go, as you way to think outside the box there. I'll tell you what, folks. We've been at it for almost an hour. Why don't we take a break while the Columbus Blue Jackets are on the clock with the sixth overall selection in the 2022 NHL draft. We'll come back. We'll recap some of the moves. We'll talk about the big trade that the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks and the New York Islanders just made. And, of course, the Jets are only about another eight picks away, which should happen sometime before the calendar year ends, hopefully. Stay with us. Nobody go anywhere. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, a special NHL draft round one edition of the program. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Five minutes after eight Eastern time, five minutes after seven, for those of you watching in the Central Time Zone, the Columbus Blue Jackets step up to the podium and they've selected... David Yerichek, the defenseman, goes off the board maybe a little bit later, maybe a pick or so later than we expected. A lot of people thought he was going to be a top five selection. He goes number six to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's recap. Slavkovsky goes first overall. The left winger, or the big winger, goes to the Montreal Canadiens, starting the drop of Shane Wright. Nemec goes to the New Jersey Devils at second overall. Logan Cooley to the Arizona Coyotes at third overall. Shane Wright, that's where it stops. Number four to the Seattle Kraken. Cutter Goche, number five to the Philadelphia Flyers. And then Juracek, number six just now to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So a very interesting, very entertaining start to the NHL draft, this 2022 edition, have to also touch on the trade. Here was the trades that went down earlier today. Never mind earlier today, about uh, in the last 10 or so minutes. Uh, Alexander Romanov of the Montreal Canadiens and the number 98 overall pick, which my math would tell me that that's what, a fourth round selection, if I'm not mistaken. Those two go to Montreal, uh, pardon me, go to the New York Islanders. The Montreal Canadiens acquire the 13th overall pick. And then they quickly flip that 13th overall pick to the Chicago Blackhawks, along with number 66 overall, which would be a third round selection. So a first and a third to Chicago in exchange for Kirby Dock. This is after the Blackhawks had traded, uh, had traded Alex Debrinkit to the Ottawa Senators earlier today. So some moves happening fast and furious in this first uh, hour or so of the 2022 NHL draft, gentlemen. Right, and Chicago's got now the first of their two first-round picks. They went from zero first-round picks to now having two, right? And it's going to be really interesting to see who they go. Like, some people are speculating they might go with Marco Casper, who's mm-hmm. Austrian, who I was hoping might be available for the Jets at, at 14, but I, I doubt he he gets out of the top 10. You've got the highest left player, according to Elite Prospects, who we've been referencing quite a bit. Frank Nazar, uh, Elite Prospects, had at number five. A lot of people had, you know, Nazar going later, um, you know, in the top 10 or, you know, 11th or, or 12th. But, you know, you wonder, could it be another defenseman, Pavel Mintukov, um, who I admit I don't know a lot about, but I have watched some highlights. And, boy, is he a slick, puck-moving defenseman. A lot of offensive ability. Some scouts have questioned his defensive ability, but... You know, it's going to be really interesting to see who Chicago goes with here, because as we talked about, right, like you didn't think you were going to be drafting anybody a couple days ago. And now you've got, you know, two of the next six picks, boys, uh, including the first pick um, right before the Jets uh, that the Islanders previously had. Right. So, um, you know, your guess is as good as mine who Chicago takes. But uh, I do expect Marco Casper to go, you know, in the next two or three picks here. He's a really good player, Um, you know, shades of 
Brendan Gallagher and Zach Hyman is what uh, elite prospects used as as comparables. Not obviously direct comparables, but Casper uh, is expected to go with uh, one of these next two or three picks. And you know, Nezzy, it's funny because Chicago, I'm uh, reading that Frank Cervalli is saying that Chicago is not planning on trading either of these to move up. They are just going to try and do some volume to, to restock their cupboard. And yeah, I agree. Casper is a name. A lot of Jets fans, like I said, I did an informal poll asking Jets fans who they would want to take. And, and the results, again, you know, no, no surprise. Connor Geeky, well, uh, quite a, he was, he was the, the lead favorite for that 14th spot. And Matejcik, he actually got quite a number of votes for that 14th spot as well. Frank Nazar, he's, you know, he wouldn't be the first time that Jets dipped into the U.S. pool uh, mm-hmm. to get someone like him. And uh, Marco Casper, like you were just talking about. Brad Lambert, he also is someone that a lot of Jets fans like. So, there's and you know Owen Pickering. Hope Jets fans are hoping that he might be available, but you never know. And there's look, there's Kevin Kuczynski. There's so many defensemen who are good. The problem for the Jets is they need right side defensemen. A lot of these guys are left shooting. So we'll see. You know what? What uh, I think is is Kuczynski a D partner with uh, Ty- Tyrell Bauer? I think he might be in Seattle. I don't know if he was playing with with Bauer, but I know Kurczynski was one of the most improved players in the entire WHL. Dave yeah. he was obviously really good for the Thunderbirds in the playoffs. So I don't, I don't I think six would uh, sorry seven would be a little high for Kurczynski, but he's yeah. definitely oh, yeah, expected sure. to go somewhere in the top fifteen. Yeah, you know, and I, I just think he's just an he's again. I just think there's a lot of the problem for the Jets is there's a lot of left side guys who you know are really good, and we talked when we had Craig Button on the show two weeks ago, right? He said, and he's not wrong, you know, you got to take the best player available, not what is your organizational need, especially with young defensemen, right? You're not going to take a young defenseman and say, well, he's going to make an impact for us next year because the likelihood is almost negligible. So the truth is that you're going to have a guy who's going to be in your system for a few years. The problem with the Jets, of course, is, you know, you've got a glut on the left side right now. That could change by tomorrow, but you've also got a lot of guys in the system, right? Billy Hainola, Dylan Sandberg, and Declan Chisholm. So you got that left side Pretty good right side. Simon Lundmark, uh, Leon Gavanke, Johnny Kosevich, both those guys. The last two, of course, won't be uh, on their um, ELCs anymore. They'll be will no longer be waiver exempt. So I would expect to see Kovacevich back up with the Jets and probably Gavanke. Hopefully, I would imagine they're going to hope he's going to slide down. And Tyrell Bauer, speaking of, he'll after signing his ELC in uh, in late May or early June, whatever he had to do before the deadline. He'll most likely be up with the. He's a right side guy. He'll play with the Moose as well. Uh, come next year. Yeah, it's. Let's go back to what we were asking Huss about a little bit ago about the Blake Wheeler question because that's sort of. I think know, Huss was asking us, but never, nevertheless. Fair enough. We know, you know what I meant. It's still bubbling, sort of beneath the surface. I mean, I, I don't expect Blake Wheeler to move tonight. You know, I, it would be very Winnipeg Jets to not end up moving him after having all this trade talk surrounding him. And if you don't move him, I'm just not sure how you can bring him back as the captain for next season. That's the big question for my for my well, how can you bring him you... bring him back, period, right? And and Chevy yeah. was asked about Wheeler today and he obviously didn't, you know, say we're gonna trade him, you know, tomorrow or today anything. or whatever. But he also didn't say we're not going to trade him. So I thought that that was sometimes, you know, it's more important what people don't say, Dave. Yeah. And you know, by the way, as he Korczynski just won seventh to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, okay. so I think that's higher than most people thought Korczynski well, was going to go. Well, and again, I mean, like if you look at um, you know Bob McKenzie's um, Bob McKenzie's rankings, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't believe Korczynski. I think Korczynski was 
Where was he? He was 11th. Yeah. I, and Bob I saw McKenzie's rankings are consolidated from other scouts. Yeah. So, I I mean, but again, it just shows Adam you Chicago's McCarty. scouting staff obviously really liked uh, Kurczynski. So, I mean, it, it's yeah. honestly uncanny how I seem to just jinx everything. But <laughs> there you go, Kurczynski. I mean, he had he was a point per game defenseman in the WHL. He's got lots of size. What is he six four, Dave? Uh, uh, left Thanks shot, too. right, and he's got great offensive uh, instincts. I think his defensive game, from what I've read, still has a work in progress. But I mean, most eighteen year olds have to get better. But yeah, a little bit of a surprise. But again, the first seven picks, guys, almost all of them have been a surprise. The only surprise, uh, pardon me, the only pick that wasn't a surprise was Seattle taking Shane Wright because you just can't <laughs> let you know the projected number one overall pick fall to number five to Philadelphia. So I mean, it, it has been a very you know um, very unpredictable, and we talked about it. It's been even more unpredictable than we thought. Well, and especially what the talk was that you sort of knew who the first five or the first six were going to be. I mean, you know, obviously it didn't play out in the order mm-hmm. that we thought, but you knew who the sort of the, that was that sort of elite group. I mean, I'm going to call it elite, although they say the top, the elite in this year wasn't as elite as previous years, but you sort of knew that the, who the top six were going to be. And then after this, so from here on out, it's very much a beauty is in the eye of the beholder sort of first round. So you're going to see some guys who, you know, some ranking services have top 10 could very well be in the late first round. And you have some guys who might be late first rounders who go in the mid first round. So it is now going to be sort of the wild and woolly part of the draft when it comes to this the, is the best uh, part of the draft the prospects. Yeah, yeah Detroit sort of- right right now, just, you know, I keep referencing, you know, Bob McKenzie's rankings and, you know, we had Craig Button on. We could, there's a, I mean, you know, we've been referencing elite prospects. The reason why I like Bob McKenzie's is because it is consolidated. His rankings are from nine, I believe it's nine, right guys? other uh, scouts, something like that, nine or 10 scouts. Um, Joaquin Kemmel um, is the next highest rated uh, player mm-hmm. on McKenzie's rankings. He was uh, at number seven. Um, he's Finnish, uh, right winger. Um, so we'll have to see here if Detroit takes him, but also uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki, he's another guy. And I think Matt Savoy, guys, is is a guy that you have to look out here at number eight. Like, um, you know, some people had him going even a little bit higher, but I would I mean, if he ended up falling to 14, I think the Jets would probably think strongly about taking him. But Savoy is a guy that can, I think, go with any one of these picks, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with everything you just said there. As I mean, it seems like it's going to be it's, – it, it's a bit of a crapshoot now in, in terms of who's going to take who and everything else. Sorry, I I had a video playing in the background there that I had to get rid of. Too much going on. It's always a bit no, of a chaotic I mean, uh, broadcast when we do these no, live draft shows. The most important thing is we're getting closer to the Jets pick. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Not the second one, the first one. But first no, I mean, look, what it comes down to, especially, it's kind of like when Steve Eisman selected what's um, um, Maurice Sider. And everybody was like, first of all, I love the fact that everyone panned it. Oh, terrible pick. Yeah, it's pretty. It looks like a terrible pick yeah. right now. Huh? You guys don't know so, more than Steve Eiserman. He's a Hall of Famer. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, the point is that when remember, but that upended the cap apple cart, right? Everyone was like, "Well, this is going to change the composition of the draft." And and what's interesting, especially now, like you said, as he, if you look at it, and I'm looking at one of the consolidated rankings, Savoy, Nazar, you know, all these guys who you're, and again, the Jets are going to have good options: Casper, Lambert, you know, Matejchuk. There well, are Frank, Frank of... Nazar, Dave had was Nazar's the guy know, that Chris, I'm looking that I'm keeping an well, eye Nazar, on. Nazar, I mean, you know, he's we talked about. He's only five ten. Who cares? I mean, Alex DeBrinkett is five seven, 
and he's a back-to-back, or not back-to-back, but two-time 40-goal scorer. So we know that size is overrated. Craig Button always says that every year when we have him on around draft time. So if Frank Nazar, a Nazar, pardon me, or uh, you know Connor Geeky, Matt Savoy, if he falls there, Marco Casper, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating, guys. Like any mm-hmm. one of those players that I just mentioned, could go number eight here to to Detroit, right? And they could also fall to, to number fourteen. It's just so wide open at this point in the draft. Well, uh, well yeah, and that that like sorry, Drew. Just I just want to say, and like I said, that to me is the point: is that you're looking if you're the Jets and you're thinking to yourself, again, you're not ex- anticipating this guy is going to come in next year and have some sort of impact. But the truth is, you're going to get a quality player. And and you know the one thing about the Jets, we generally don't question is their ability to draft these players. And you can say, do they retain them? And they do for the most part, but you know, you you have an opportunity to make a a big selection and and impact. You know, like we've talked about, and it'll be very interesting, right? Because the Jets have a uh, a need for forward prospects, so I think they could go a long way to restocking it. And wouldn't it be interesting if they draft a Connor Geeky, someone they're going to be able? To, I mean, there a lot of folks want them to select players from the WHL. I mean, they're from if they're Manitoban and from the WHL. That's an even. That's like an extra bonus. Jets but, are going to take the best player on on their list. Uh, you know that, Dave, right? Yeah, and Kevin Shelton said that yesterday, as he said, we're not going to look at the birth certificate of a player in in terms of where we're selecting. We're just picking based on. But I mean, you'd have to think that that would factor. If you have two fairly similar players, I mean, your ability to retain one if he is from this from our province versus someone who's from, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, that there's maybe less likelihood there. So, and again, look, we, we, I'm not going to say that's always the case. Kyle Connor, Connor Hellebuck, lots of guys from the States come to camp, to come to Winnipeg and sign here long-term. So it's not like it's impossible to do. I'm just suggesting that it may be a little bit easier with a guy from Manitoba. Marco Casper is the selection of the Detroit Red Wings at yeah. number eight. Told you. Overall. I mean, I, I mean, he was one of those guys. He, I just checked Drew. He was number uh, 10 on Bob McKenzie's consolidated rankings, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he went a couple spots earlier, but Casper's a guy, you know, we mentioned elite prospects just loves, you know, not, not only how much skill he has, but he's a guy that's tenacious on, on the forecheck and he goes to those dirty areas. So, I mean, Detroit's got a good player there. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, you know, they got the guy who knows how to, you know, he you know, played in uh, Sweden last year with the men, seven goals, four assists from in Austria, six games from Austria, played in Sweden with uh, at the professional level. So, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, and, you know, people sometimes look at those numbers when they're playing, when they're, you know, 17 years old and they're playing against the, the men in the Swedish Hockey League. And it's like, oh, what are those numbers? The numbers aren't anything right home about. Well, think about when you're 17 going up against, uh, you know, fully grown men. It doesn't necessarily work out to translate into huge huge point totals either but he was the captain of team austria at the world championships you know sometimes you know we saw it with nikolai Ehlers. you know when you get these players from what i'll call non-traditional hockey markets who are exceptionally talented and exceptionally skilled uh they can turn out to be some uh, very t- some you know high quality players and i'm sure the red wings are thrilled uh to add him to their roster 6'1 183 pounds originally from innsbruck in austria there uh, as a yeah, so you've got Buffalo coming up at number nine, and then you've got Anaheim uh, at 10, San Jose, Columbus, uh, uh, and then you've got Chicago uh, before Winnipeg. But two guys, I think, I mentioned Matt Savoy. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Savoy goes, you know, ninth or 10th here. Another guy to watch, and it's not just because he has the same birthday as me, uh, July 24th. Get get your presents ready for my 40th birthday, boys. Uh, Jonathan uh, Lekermacki. Lekermacki, yeah. pardon me. 
He's a guy that um, was number nine consolidated ranking, uh, number eight on Bob McKenzie's consolidated ranking. So he actually hasn't turned to 18 yet. He's a guy that uh, in the Swedish league, um, his numbers weren't great, but in the under 20 league, he was over a point a game per player. And maybe the most important is that the U18 tournament hit 21 points uh, in 12 games. Sweden won gold uh, at the U18. So Lekra Mackey is a guy that, again, I wouldn't be surprised if if Buffalo takes him uh, you know, at number nine. But he's another guy to watch. Like, is he going to fall? Is he going to be like a Chaz Lucius? Like, are the Jets going to have, you know, maybe Savoy or Lekra Mackey to choose from in addition to, you know, a guy like Connor Geeky, uh, you know, to choose from? Because I think Geeky is a great option for the Jets at number 14. I realize some people have, you know, concerns with his skating. Um, okay. But Geeky's a guy that, I mean, to me, I was telling Dave, kind of reminds me like with the hands and the shot, kind of reminds me of like a Rick Nash. Like, I realize it's, you know, not a direct comparison, but, you know, Geeky's That would be skating, a pretty good one. Well, Geeky Skinny might not be the best, but he's a pretty damn good uh, hockey player. He's, uh, you know, ranked as one of the top 15 guys in in the draft for a reason. So, but Geeky, yeah, but Savoy, Lekaramaki, I think all these guys are options for the Jets right now. If we've seen anything in this day and age in the NHL, it's skating is just so important. I mean, if you can't skate or if there's any questions about your skating, it's just so hard to keep up and to be in, you know, among the elite. Fair point by Justin there on the screen, on the screen saying skating is easy to fix. Well, I don't think and, it's uh, that he's a bad skater, Drew. I think no, it's just... Not it's, a bad, it's, no, it's, nobody it's, at this point is a bad skater. Right. I think it's just there's certain elements, you know, the, I mean, look, at I'm, I'm not going to pretend, profess to be a skating expert here. The highest <laughs> level of hockey I played was A1 hockey for Varsity View. So I'm not going to pretend like I was, you know, as as smooth a skate but, of a skater as Dave M was. But you were the first overall pick in, in the Jewish Hockey League. In the sure, Jewish I mean, I will, league. yeah, that that will be, you know, my claim to fame, Drew. But you know what I mean. I mean, it's because Geeky's a bigger guy. He's just yeah. got a, a bit of an awkward skating style. But hey, I'll, I'll say I'll say it again. If the Jets end up taking him at 14, or the Blackhawks end up end up taking him at 13, or even Buffalo at number nine, they're going to get a really damn good hockey player. Are, are, are they getting a, 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 an Adam Lowry, another Adam Lowry, though? I mean, I don't know that... You know, I don't that, think that, it's like Lowry. I, I heard that comparison, but Geeky's not a defensive forward. He's not a power forward. I mean, Geeky's an offensive player. I mean, we've all seen what he's done with the Winnipeg Ice, right? Like, he's going to be a huge part of the Ice team that's favored to win the Memorial Cup next year, right? With Savoy mm-hmm. and Carson Lambos and uh, Benson, who's eligible for the 2023 draft. Uh, Mikey Milne. I mean, we know who the the ice have. They're stacked. Um, so I, I don't think Lowry is a great comparable, Drew. But I, in terms of what he projects at the NHL level, I mean, I, I think the high end would be top six forward. But I mean, are we talking about a 60-point guy, a 70-point guy, a 50-point? I, I mean, I have no idea. But I just know from watching him and what he's done with the ice uh, in his entire career, he's going to be a really good player, even if he's not the best skater in the draft. It's a fair point. Uh, you know, Based on history, and the Jets have had certainly dipped in, Dave, to the U.S. National Team Development Program many times with a lot of great success. And we know how stacked that team was. You know, Craig Button spoke about it. We had uh, Chris Peters on on Saturday. He spoke about it. I do strongly wonder if the Jets are are, are, are maybe looking towards the U.S. National Team Development Program uh, as a source of one of, the, uh, of their next pick. Maybe even to get somebody at 14 and 30 from that program who have familiarity with one another. That wouldn't surprise me at all, as the Jets have certainly had, uh, had, the, had a keen eye on that program before. There, anyways, Matty Savoy just went uh, to the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, that's a good pick for Buffalo. Overall. That's exactly where we thought he'd go, right? Kind of in between yeah. 8 and 11, right? 
Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected him to drop uh, to number 14. So that's uh, good for Matty Savoy. Well, that was before the- Shane Wright went fourth overall, though, Drew. I mean, now <laughs> we're, we're we're getting into a little bit of crazy territory. It's getting a little nuts here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would have been, I think the Jets probably would have taken him if he was available, available at 14. But uh, Lekra Mackey is the guy that I'm also looking at as, uh, you know, a guy that should be probably taken in the next two or three picks. Or I, I would expect the Jets are going to strongly consider him. I, I would I would say you're probably right about that. It's like, going to be sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I was just going to say like it's it's amazing because I'm looking at the names right and and again, Geeky's there, Lambert's there, mm-hmm. uh, Na- Nazar's there. I mean, you Scott, and then the other very interestingly one to me is is um, like the Russian players, and and are they going to be selected? Are they going to fall? Are they going to fall so much that you can't not take them? Take a flyer, you know, if you're a team like Chicago, which has now two draft picks, you know, and a guy falls. So far, like a guy is uh, like Yurov is, yeah. is, is, you know, I've got one of the consolidated. Or Mintikov. Or, yeah, but Mintikov played for Saginaw. So maybe, you know, there's less concern there because he'll go back to the OHL. You know, maybe there's less of that concern versus the guy who's in the KHL route. You know, it's kind of like with what the um, Dimitri Kuzman, who the Jets have obviously played. Uh, actually, I think he played for Saginaw too. So might be a little bit less concerned with guys who are already over here. But I'm just saying, you never know, of course, and I think that factors in. But you know, if you have a, if you have a first pick, you know, you and you take the safe one, the best player available, maybe you're willing to take a flyer on a guy who, you know, may not be here for five five years, but is is just too good a talent to pass up. So I think that's just one of the factors, guys. That's you know, with guys who are ranked in the top ten. But regardless, you know, the expectation is the Jets still have some very good names uh, to pick, and and like I said. There, it's all over the board, right? I mean, Brad Lambert. I mean, Brad Lambert is just such a fascinating Yeah, we uh, talked player. about it with Chris on Saturday. Right, and that's what I mean. Like, you talk to these experts. You talk to Craig Button. You talk to, you know, Chris Peters. All of these guys, or we listen to, you know, uh, uh, Craig Robinson. Like, all of the experts talk, and you read all of their reports, and, and they talk about what these guys can do and put it in, putting it all together. I think it's fascinating. And again, like, you know, well, we he's, asked, not, he's I, not going to be selected by his, his uncle's team, right? Like we thought that at 13, that made so so much sense with Lane Lambert there. Right. right. But now Chicago's got that pick. Doesn't mean that Chicago's not going to take him. I, I got to jump in though here, guys. Like Joaquin Camel was ranked number three by Craig Button. Right. Number seven by, by Bob McKenzie on his ranking. So Joaquin Camel here, if Anaheim doesn't take him at 10, you got to think there's a good chance that San Jose takes him at 11. But he's another guy that, you know, his numbers weren't crazy playing with men. I mean, they're never going to be when you're an 18-year-old. Um, but what he did at the U18s and at the international level, uh, Kemmel, by most scouts, was considered a top 10 pick. So if he slips out of the top 10 and he's available for, like we said, you know, uh, Anaheim. Uh, is it Anaheim at 11 or are they on the clock now? Anaheim's at 10. Anaheim's on the yeah. clock. San Jose's yeah. got 11. And then uh, number 12 is Columbus. And then you've got Columbus. Chicago at 13. No, so somebody's going to get Kemmel. Yeah, so, sorry, the Habs, yeah. So somebody's no, no. going to get Campbell. Oh, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, yeah. From the Habs. It's tough to keep up here with all these moves. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I, Brad Lambert, I, you, you mentioned him, Dave. I think he's one of the most, certainly one of the most fascinating picks. You know, it's it, he's the proverbial, the proverbial high risk, high reward. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. wonder, you know, does a team, I mean, like the Jets or a team, you know, that's got sort of a, a late first round pick as their second, as their second option, do they maybe look to try and trade up? 
use, you know, move up from 30 if Lambert begins to fall into the mid 20s to see if there's maybe, you know, you want to go for that, that, that big home run shot. I mean, it doesn't cost you a ton. Remember, the Jets have that, uh, I guess they don't really, I mean, they, they have that second round pick also yep. from uh, that, that they elected to take from the Rangers this year as part of the, uh, as part of the cop deal. So, you know, they have a number of assets to play with. They could always try and trade down. I don't know if trading down, you know, they usually like trade down in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, you know, acquire some other late seventh round picks, things of that nature, take more, you know, more darts to throw at the dartboard to see if you hit on something. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's going to be a very interesting approach for the Jets and for a lot of these other teams that have those two first round selections to see well, what they decide to do with them. And Drew, just to jump back in, but I mean, talking about Lambert, I mean, we talked about it with Chris, right? His his rights were traded from Saskatoon to Seattle for next year. Mm-hmm. So won't that be interesting if, if you have a player, regardless of, of what, who a team he, he gets drafted by, but do they do they ask him to switch over from, you know, Europe and get him into North America playing in the WHL? So, I mean, like like so I said. Also AHL eligible. So that's also uh, something to consider. Yeah, that he is right, AHL he's European. Eligible. Yeah. It's right because he's European. So, I mean, it, it it will be very fascinating to see what happens with him. But, I mean, if Kemmel is still there, I mean, it's hard to see him not uh, being selected. I mean, if he continues to fall, you know, that significantly. And and like I said, these these teams have their lists, right? They're not like – they're not taking flyers. They're not making mm-hmm. decisions like, oh, hey, this guy just became available. Let's change our whole list. Your philosophy is, is you know, they're, they're doing what we're doing. They're striking guys' names off the list. And as their list comes down, I mean, again – you know, we'll see where these guys have them projected. But, you know, a team isn't – even if a guy has fallen significantly, if you have the player that you think is going to make your organization and your scouts and you guys have worked through it, it's hard to really deviate from that even if the pick has substantially fallen. Sorry to sorry to go completely off the board here, boys, Drew, and then I'll let you jump back in here. I don't know. Yeah. Did you guys see the video of when Shane Wright went up with Gary Bettman when he was selected by Seattle – and the death stare that he gave the Montreal Canadiens table. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. I'm not watching the broadcast live. I'm just following it on, on Twitter. There's a video of Shane Wright as he's shaking Gary Bettman's hand, and he looks over at the, the Canadiens table, and it's definitely a stare. Wow. I don't know if I call it the death stare, but pretty funny. I think he's basically saying, like, F you guys, I'm going to play for the Kraken. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna torture you over the course of my career. Is obviously his hope. Pavel, uh, Pavel Mintikov from Saginaw, obviously a uh, Russian heritage from Moscow, uh, is where he's originally from. Playing on the OHL, just went to the Anaheim Ducks yeah. at number ten overall. So the uh, first guy that came to my mind, and it's because he's a fellow Russian. When I was watching some highlights of, mm-hmm. of Mintikov, I'm not going to pretend like I know a ton about him, aside from the fact that you know he just went tenth overall. He kind of reminded me of Sergey Gonchar. Like he, he's got that bad. ability to, I think that's what he, the, the ceiling for him is a guy that kind of puts up 40 or 50 points at the NHL level. I mean, we'll wait and see if that happens, but uh, Mintyukov, I mean, again, it goes back to kind of what we said about Matt Savoy. He was expected to go somewhere kind of around eight to 12, eight to 13. So at 10 makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like the the kids getting drafted don't look quite as young as they normally look. You know, there's been years where they look like they're, you know, that you wouldn't think that they're, you know, anything to do with professional sports at this point. But they seem to be maybe a little bit taller, maybe just a little more mature looking so far this year. But that just could be uh, my uh, weird perception of everything that's going on. But there he goes, Mintikov at number 10, putting the San Jose Sharks uh, next on the board to see where they're going to draft the Jets pick, getting closer and closer yeah. as the minutes tick by here 
uh, you know, through the first round of the 2022 NHL draft. Andrew, just going back to, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to think I'm, I'm being annoying. Hopefully not, uh, you know, too many people. I know Drew definitely does on I a usually, weekly basis. I, but, I, uh, I, I blocked you. Uh, I blocked you by yeah. a text message earlier today yeah. already. The, so, the yeah. two highest ranked guys that are left from Bob McKenzie's rankings, Joaquin Kemmel, we talked about uh, Finnish forward and Jonathan Lekramaki, Swedish forward. So those guys were ranked um, number seven and number eight by Bob McKenzie. So there's a good chance here San Jose takes one of those guys at number 11. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a chance one of those guys might fall to the Jets. I mean, obviously, Connor Geeky is a guy that we think is a good option, Dave, for the Jets. I don't know what uh, Dave Drew's doing there. Maybe he's, uh, you know, going to go uh, go to the bathroom in the woods. I think he's hunting. Yeah, he might go, he might go hunting, he, you know, but uh, I think, you know, Kemmel and Lekramaki, I think you would agree, Dave, you know, it could be 2015 territory when the Jets, you know, got Kyle Connor a lot lower than a lot of people thought. Um, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, whether you get, you know, Connor Geeky or whether you even go a defenseman like a Denton Matejchuk or an Owen Pickering, there's going to be a lot of options. But I just wanted to, you know, remind our viewers and listeners um, oh. that those two guys, Kemmel and Lekaramaki, are the two highest guys, highest rated guys left. And, Sorry, and I, went, I, I went to say goodnight to my kids. All right. Well, that's good. I think apparently there's been a trade, Drew. We're getting that yes. uh, pick Ari- is being traded between from Arizona to San Jose for the three picks, including number 27. So uh, the Sharks will not be making the selection. As they'll be giving it to the Arizona Coyotes. So that'll so uh, the Sharks moving down. Uh, in the first round and picking up some extra draft capital. Is that, uh, that appears yeah. to be what the deal is so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's so going to be Logan little... Cooley's teammate? Oh, well, maybe it'll be uh, Frank Nazar. Could be. Could be. They've already got some chemistry there, so you never know. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, is, like, look. I'm curious to see the return on that trade because moving from, where are we now? We're at 11, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, yeah, we're at yeah. 11. So San Jose was supposed to pick at 11. They've traded so that to Arizona. If they're dropping down 16 spots for 27, 34, and 45. So they picked up – so they, they moved down 16 spots and picked up two second-round picks. Yeah, it's that's, that's, that's pretty decent. That's a good you return. Get, you know, that's a good that's return. a pretty decent return. I, you know, if you're Arizona – boy, you better make sure you, you're – I mean, you're well, the you Coyotes. Better get out of the park. You, I mean, you they have, obviously have – they I'm, I'm with Dave. I think Frank Nazar is an option here. Uh, to me, it, like if I obviously, you know, I'm, I'm. This is very amateur scouting right here. Um, it's got to be Joaquin Kemmel, Lekaramaki, or Frank Nazar, Dave. Just based on the fact yeah. that you know Kemmel was a guy that a lot of scouts thought could go sixth or seventh overall. But we'll, yeah. we'll wait and see. Maybe they go defenseman here. That's a lot of. I mean, you're the Coyotes. You have so many holes to fill. I know you have some extra picks and everything. I get that. A lot of picks, Drew. There's not enough players to fill those holes. <laughs> <laughs> to trade down, I mean, you. Yeah, I guess it depends on who they take here. That could, uh, oh. you know, it's an interesting, an interesting approach. I'm with Dave. It, I'm going Team Nazar here. I know all the Jets fans wanted Frank Nazar at number ten, or pardon yeah, me, number fourteen. There's a lot of people who wanted him. Uh, but I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Nazar and Cooley both played on the U.S. National Development Program, right? But we'll see what yeah. happens here. Yeah, that certainly that that does make a lot of sense. I mean, you you know you try and get a couple of those assets, guys who are familiar with one another. There, uh, we'll see who it ends up being. And haven't announced it just yet, so obviously that'll come momentarily here on our live broadcast, twenty twenty two NHL draft, the first round 
Uh, we're also, as should mention, as we usually do, we're hoping to hear from the Jets first round selections at 14 and hopefully 30 as well. We hope to have them join us here on the program on this uh, Thursday evening. It's going to be pitch and, uh, black behind you when that happens, Drew. Yeah, Drew there, I, I don't know if there's mosquitoes in there in, uh, in Kentucky, but let me tell you, you're, you're going to be. Uh, I'm hoping that bats just swarm Drew. That's what I'm hoping fire, happens around. It's, it's uh, fireflies. You know, there haven't been any mosquitoes, but fireflies are are, are, are are coming around me. And I really don't think, I mean, fireflies are, are nice. I'm not sure what they actually do. I'm not, I don't think they bite. So hopefully that's yeah, not yeah, the case. Add, add, a little, add a little flavor to our broadcast. Nothing wrong I'm with not that. an entomologist, Drew, but I don't think they bite. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Let me Let's know if a bear it. or something appears behind me and I can just, uh, I'll just, I'll just vacate the premises very quickly. That'd be the best. The best of those, if all of a sudden a bear comes over my shoulder, you think that'd be funny? Well, I, would, I mean, I would laugh. As you know, I would laugh. The <laughs> folks in the chat would probably laugh. And then we'd put it on YouTube and we get millions of hits. So, I mean, everyone would win, except for you. It's okay. Except for me. You know, a, bear a bear would Yeah, the bear would win. There, there's no question about that. Yeah, T-Cone probably's got it right for the record. It's not going to be a bear you have to worry about in Kentucky. It's the boars. I haven't seen any boars since I, I'm the... The most exotic animal. I think we saw a wild turkey came into the yard once when, over the number of years. And you're drinking there. wild turkey as well. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, could, could, that could be it. Maybe I was just hallucinating because I drank too much uh, wild turkey. It's hard to keep track of uh, of everything that's going on. You know, you gotta you gotta think if you're the Arizona Coyotes and you made this trade, you know who you want to pick. Oh yeah, yeah. you picked like, you. You moved waiting up for here, Arizona. Let's yeah, let's, like, let's go. We have four I mean, more like, picks for the, the Jets go. I mean, when the trade was made like 10 minutes ago already, like, come on, boys, let's let's pick up the pace here. We want to keep people entertained. People want a jet center, you know, focus right now. Not necessarily center, like selecting a center, but obviously with Connor Geeky available, that is potentially uh, there. To, hey, and I won't complain because we have lots of photos of Connor Geeky in the, the old Illegal Curve library, so that makes it rather easy for me. I don't have to do much uh, work in that regard. And there's no question that the only thing the Jets are worried about is what makes Dave M's life easier. There's no question that's the priority when it comes Guys, to uh, when it comes I to. I was uh, going to say our friend Mark Mark Seidel of North American Central Scouting is saying that the Coyotes were talking a lot about Frank Nazar and, and Connor Geeky, who you were just talking about. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if it's one of those two guys. But I mean, if either of those guys are available, I think at number fourteen, it, it's a good option for the Jets. Along with you know, we talked about Joaquin Camel, Jonathan Lekaramaki. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, maybe the Jets go a little bit high, you know, higher than expected and take Denton Matejchuk. I think you're getting into Denton Matejchuk territory as well. But uh, I think, you know, Frank Nazar makes a lot of sense here for the Coyotes. I still I can't get over why all the Coyotes, the, their entire front. Not, it's, 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 you know, it would be, it, it, it's more bizarre because it's not exactly the entire front office wearing the same suit. It's like eight tenths of all the guys so, who are on stage are wearing Craig, the same suit. Craig Morgan of uh, who covers the Coyotes, he thinks the Jet, the Coyotes, the Jets, Jets 1.0 are going to take Connor Geeky. So the uh, the you know, the Manitoba yes. will be off the board if if they just It is it is Connor Geeky. So Connor Geeky goes number eleven overall to the uh, to the Arizona nice. Coyotes uh, after they trade up. They they trade picks number twenty seven. 34 and 45. So that's a late first round pick and two second round picks. They trade up uh, with San Jose and they acquire the 11th overall pick and use it to take Connor Geeky. It's a good pick uh, for them. Of the, uh, of the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, I don't know that I necessarily would have traded up for him, but uh, obviously the Coyotes. I have a question. Uh, I, have, I have a question. Drew, is Geeky playing in a bigger arena at 
uh, in Winnipeg right now or in Arizona? Uh, it's actually it's not a joke. Happy. It's not funny. It's actually a good question. <laughs> Probably pretty close. I mean, he's, he, he'll feel right at home uh, playing there in that uh, in in that sense. You're you're absolutely. Well, right I'll tell you this that. much: the geeky's going to play for the the ice next year because that team is absolutely stacked. He's not going to be a guy that goes right into the NHL. Most of these guys aren't. I mean, there's going to be you know a few, maybe two or three, like Slavkovsky, maybe Shane Wright. We'll see what happens. Um, As your boy see, Kemmel, maybe, still on the board. Well, Joaquin Kemmel, Jonathan Lekaramaki. Mazar to me would be a, a slam dunk pick for the Jets at number 14, Dave. Just makes so yeah. much sense. Just, you know, two-way center, uh, played so well. I mean, he was over a point a game, right, with the U.S. National Development Program. Um, so, really you know, well Nazar makes a ton of sense. Like really well regarded. So, I mean, I, I know he's small. He's 5'10", but, you know, there's a lot of small guys. A lot of small players are, are six. I mean, look at Brian Little, right? Like, I mean, it, it's... If, if you think he's going to project to be a very good NHLer, you take him, regardless yeah. of size. We know that. No, I agree. I agree. And and again, like I said, that's it's the Jets need to fill that pool. So we'll see uh, that end of the pool, if you will, because they they do need they have a dearth of forward prospects. So I mean that is some an, an area of concern, and it's something they're going to want to do. Absolutely, the case. It's going to getting close. Does Columbus to go with go with Brad Lambert here, Drew? Like a lot of mock drafts because of the you know Finnish connection, obviously mm-hmm. with Yarmo Kekalainen, mm-hmm. Patrick Lyon, everything like that. Like you wonder. I mean, Brad Lambert might play for the Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm not sure, you know, if that's clear if Lambert's going to play in Finland or in the WHL. I know his rights were traded by Saskatoon, but you wonder here mm-hmm. at, with Columbus at with the 12th overall pick if they go with Lambert here. Why well, or Joaquin Kemmel though, is he? I mean, yeah. right? there's there's another finished opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is it, like I said, the Jets picking at this in this spot is it's fun because there really is still. I mean, if you look at this, right, Denton Matejchuk. I mean, what a, what a slam dunk he seems to be. And there's Frank Nazar. I mean, there's so many guys that you could select. Brad Lambert, you know, Joaquin Kemmel. The Jets are going to get a quality pick here. I mean, he's not going to be a quality pick who's going to have an impact on this roster next year. But I mean, it's hard to not see that this Jets team is going to have one player that fans. I and again, like I said, I'm going through it. All the guys that mo- well, I mean, Connor Geeky was the most often selected by folks, but uh, Nazar, Matejchuk, Lekromaki, like all these guys that that folks, you know, like I said, it's not an official poll. We're saying yes, it's scientific uh, in any way, shape, or form. We're not going on CNN with this poll, but the reality is. A lot of these guys are still available to be selected by the Winnipeg Jets. So, uh, you know, I think fans are going to be happy, provided, you know, the next next three picks don't take them all off the board. But I think there's going to be someone that the Jets are going to like. Or Jets fans. Just checking Twitter to see what's going on, yeah. seeing if there's anything yeah. interesting happening. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Just checking to see if there's any updates for what's going on online. Nothing yet. Getting close. Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, so let's – Drew, let's throw – Go ahead. Let's, I was just going to say, let's throw it to the chat. Let us know who, in the chat. Come on, people. This is all about having the, being part of that conversation. Who do you guys think want – who do you want to see of the players remaining? Who do you want to see the Jets take for that 14th pick? Let us know in the comments. We'll throw them up on the on the board. There you go, Dave M. Getting the interactive nature of the program up and running. Jets 
Columbus pick is in, which means the Blackhawks are soon to be on the clock following the Winnipeg. Then the Winnipeg Jets will be following them. So it's getting closer and closer to knowing who the Winnipeg Jets first round selection is going to be in this 2022 NHL draft. Nitty gritty time for the Winnipeg Jets as they get closer and closer. There's going to be some quality players there. A lot of guys who people didn't necessarily think were going to be there. We see the people who are putting them up on the board. Uh, Lakaramaki, certainly a guy. Camel certainly a guy who's going to be there potentially we know that geeky's gone we know that matt savoy is gone as well do the jets go to frank nazar that we've been talking about i don't expect it's going to be brad lampert brad lambert i think it is almost too that's a bit too high risk for the winnipeg jets at number 14 overall he's got all the talent in the world uh, based on all the reports from people but the question is can he put it all together is the drive there you know you know is the is the intestinal fortitude there that's what chris peters when he joined us on saturdays dave was really wondering that too many times he just would disappear from the the play be too much of a perimeter player and that's not where he's going to be able to succeed at the nhl level Blue yeah, Jack. I think Dave Dave's working on something. He might be on okay. mute there, but yeah, I, I, it's it's tough to say, Drew. Like Blue Jackets, they go they Denton Matechuk. You talk about a guy that uh, people wow. thought might be an option for the Winnipeg. That's Jets. back to back Manitobans, by the way. Going number twelve overall, the defenseman to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'd heard Matechuk. You know the range of uh, of of spots where you heard Matechuk went from. You know. Probably this is even maybe a little bit higher than people expected. You thought, you know, some people were hoping the Jets might be able to get him at 14. Some people were even hoping the Jets might be able to get him at 30. Well, it turns out they can't get him at either. Denton Matejchuk, of course, of the Moose Jaw Warriors, born in Winnipeg, uh, you know, is now going to go to Columbus at number 12 overall. Yeah, Matejchuk's from Dominion City, Drew. It's a, it's a smaller town. I work at Hockey Manitoba, right. so actually, I talked to Denton last week. His entire family um, is in Montreal. He's got a big family. Um, we've talked about it. He's got a, a, a brother who's an incredible pitcher, Maddox uh, Matechuk. Um, so just, you know, great. Back-to-back Manitobans. Matechuk, Chris Peters, you know, was really high on. And you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was number 24 on Bob McKenzie's rankings. Um, but, you know, we've got to give the good folks at Elite Prospects. Uh, we purchased their draft guide. They had him at eight. So, yeah, like Matechuk was supposed to go, you know, probably closer to, you know, 12 to 15 uh, for some people, but some people thought he might go earlier, and that's kind of exactly where he went at number twelve, right? So, I mean, he's just a great all-around defenseman, good kid. Um, I, I think he'll probably be on Team Canada's World Junior team at the twenty twenty-three World Juniors, not the one coming up this summer, uh, but the next one. And so, we're, so will Connor Geeky. And I think Owen Pickering is. Uh, they've all been invited to the camp, but uh, good for Matejchuk. I mean, not so great for Jets fans who are hoping that the Jets would get a, a Manitoban player. But you never know. I mean, Owen Pickering, it wouldn't be ridiculous to me if Owen Pickering went uh, 14th to the Jets um, because, he, uh, you know, we talked about it along with Kevin Kurczynski. Um, you know, he, this is a kid who, um, you know, he, he skyrocketed up draft rankings. Uh, you know, so Pickering could always go at 14. But you have to think that, you know, with Joaquin Kemmel, Jonathan Lekaramaki, and Frank Nazar is a guy we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, with one pick left, it's probably going to be one of those three guys. And you know what, if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you've got one of those three options, you're, you're feeling pretty. You're feeling really good about it because, again, and teams, uh, that's the beauty of the draft, right? Teams, we could say we we sit here, we look at all the different consolidated rankings, and they're based on those best players. But again, how a team looks at it from a need perspective, from a 
organizational perspective from whatever they've used to determine it changes things. That's why it's it's impossible to predict. And so that's why it's so interesting to me now with two picks to go before or one and then the Jets. You know the Jets, I, I mean, again, I'd be shocked if they picked as he, anybody other than one of those three. So, I mean, again, you're going to get a quality player. Nazar just seems to be the one that makes the most sense. I mean, it just he just... He just does. He fits with what the Jets tend to draft. So, you know, we'll see, obviously, in, in a few minutes what what, what that's going to look like. But, hey, it's 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 getting interesting here in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, and wherever you are watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with the three of us. Yeah, it's getting down to crunch time, and then there's going to be a bit of a, you know, a breather as the Jets will then pick again at number 30. It seems to be picking up speed a little bit as we move on with the first round here. Mercifully. Well, an hour ago uh, we said, you know, the Jets would probably pick closer to 8 o'clock, right? And that's exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. You're, right. You're right about that, Ezzy. And then, uh, yeah, things will get... We've been to uh, a few, like, few drafts. This isn't our first rodeo. It is not our first rodeo. You're right about that. Lots going on, of course. There's been trades already, trades galore, some trades earlier today. No trades involving the Winnipeg Jets yet. I thought you might see a, a you know a signing or something from the Jets. I thought maybe an Eric Comrie deal might come to fruition uh, earlier today. You know, in the lead up to the draft, it's probably going to come really, soon. You would think so, or maybe they're not going to get it done. I mean, the way some of these uh, these backup goaltenders have been, you know, signing for signing some contracts. You know, I think that the, you know, Eric Comrie is probably going to, you know, some of these guys who are, I would say, lesser backup goaltenders in my estimation. Uh, you know, Craig, what did Craig Anderson sign for in Buffalo? About 1.5. 1.5, I was going to say 1.6. So he gets 1.5. The ageless wonder, Drew, just like you. Exactly. I think he's actually one of the fewer, a few NHL players who still might be older than I am. So I always appreciate <laughs> that he's around there. Uh, Craig Anderson, um, uh, the guy in Columbus, the backup goaltender in Columbus, whose name uh, escapes me right now, as you can think about it and help me out. Uh, he signed for too much money, uh, in my estimation. I thought that was also going to be good for Eric Cobb. Elvis Smurz Lickens? No, 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 no. The backup goaltender uh, starts with a J. My brain's gone, gone completely blank. Well, I'll look it up. We'll come back to it. Figure it out. So we'll come back to it. But I thought you might see an Eric Comrie signing or something today if it was going to come to fruition. But yeah. uh, nothing along those lines. So many of the goaltenders, the goaltender, uh, you know, roulette is still very much being played because there's so many teams that are without a goaltender. Yeah, thank you, uh, Kaz, there in the chat. Eunice Corpusalo is the guy whose name I was thinking yeah. about for Columbus. Uh, yeah, Turd Ferguson also saying the same thing. I appreciate you guys helping me out as my brain goes black. Uh, well, and also you have you know the, the Avalanche acquired Alexander yeah, Gorgiev from New York, which means obviously Darcy Kemper is, mm-hmm. is not going to be coming back because, of course, they've got Pavel Francos there, right? So, I mean, yeah. is Kemper a guy that – it's tough to say Toronto, you know, might be in on Matt Murray, John Gibson. But for me, like Darcy what, Kemper if, would make a lot of sense for the Leafs. If the if Darcy Kemper makes a ton of sense for the Leafs, if they go yeah. and get Matt Murray, then you, what are you doing? I mean, what have you seen from Matt Murray the last number of years that, that tell you yeah, that he's, he's falling off? That he's going to be, that, I know he's been on a, some bad Ottawa teams, but even on those bad Ottawa teams, he was a bad goaltender. So there's absolutely no reason to think that, uh, you know, for a team like Toronto, and I mean, I, I'd enjoy it from the schadenfreude perspective, but for a team like Toronto that is constantly struggling to find goaltending as the answer, if they think that it's going to be Matt Murray, well, Lord help you, you ain't getting out of the first round with Matt Murray as your goaltender again. Chicago Blackhawks pick is in, which means the Winnipeg Jets are momentarily going to be on the clock. Uh, the Blackhawks uh, troop of, I don't know, uh, Justin's saying it's, it's Frank Nazar, so... Uh... Yeah, that's who they took. 
cap friendly saying the same Frank Nazar goes to the Chicago Blackhawks a lot of people thought that he was going to be the option for the Winnipeg Jets but here we are ladies and gentlemen it is uh 8:52 p.m eastern time 7:52 p.m central time the Winnipeg Jets are now on the clock for the 2022 for Joaquin is a guy that the Jets have to be strongly considering here I mean Jonathan Lekramaki Swedish forward as well mm-hmm. Uh, I don't look forward to trying to spell his name. Uh, as he... <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. There's, I, I know there's a couple of E's, a couple of I's, some K's in there. Um, but yeah, Joaquin Campbell, we talked about. He rated as high as six. He Kona wants Rutger. He says now's the time to take Rutger. Rutger's listed. Some I, I'm reading one consolidated uh, one uh, ranking has him around twentieth. So yeah. uh, if, Bob McKenzie's again, consensus rankings have him about 27th. So I think he might have been more of an option. Uh, his name is uh, is Rutger McGordy. McGordy, easy for me to say. Uh, yes. you know, so he's possibly maybe, I think, a late first round selection. Yeah, Rutger, I think, is going to go probably later in the first round or the, yeah. the second round. I mean, who, who knows? But I mean, we didn't think Maurice Snyder was going to. Sure. Kemmel right now is the guy. Uh, yeah. Kemmel and Lekaramaki, they're, they're, they're 7 8 in Bob McKenzie's rankings. So it's going to be, I, know, a guy, I mean, again, it's kind of like a Perfetti situation who a guy who was originally ranked quite high, you know, falling, falling down to you. And, and again, you know, Kemmel's 5'11". Mike Maraki is also 5'11". I mean, they might, you know, get a little more, a uh, few more inches. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad play to have someone, young, talented players who can score. I mean, the Jets, like I said, we've talked about it. They have a lot of D prospects, don't have a lot of forward prospects something they're going to need in the next couple of years so yeah right winger right shot uh smaller guy 510 59 dave for joaquin gemmel um and put up you know really good numbers uh in liga right so Mm -hmm. i think he had an injury as well i I was reading uh i think it was shoulder don't quote me but i think he had a shoulder injury so he missed up some games but yeah joaquin camel if and jonathan lecker mackie you'd have to think just because of the fact they were rated they were both considered top 10 picks by a lot of scouts, right? So um, yeah. we'll see what happens here. Brad Lambert is another option, but I, I'm going to go with Joaquin Kemmel. We'll see. Well, and I'm reading here Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has Kemmel ranked seventh overall in his rankings. So, mm-hmm. again, another guy that he's very high on. You know, he had an eight, he had eight points at the under-18s. He had six goals at the under-18s. So, you know, he uh, you know he was able to put up some, some numbers there in that uh, very important tournament as it pertains to, uh, you know, to those draft-eligible players. You know, he didn't play on a very good team. Uh, in in Liga right now, so it's uh, you know it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going, uh, if it is right now for the Winnipeg Jets. But Lakaramaki right there ninth on, on Scott Wheeler's rankings as well. Uh, you know playing that's what the, the Jets not- do though, right? Like look at Kyle Connor 2015, Cole Perfetti. I mean Cole Perfetti. Some scouts had him going, uh, you know, top five that year. Yeah, they got four or five that year. Tenth overall, Dave yeah. right, Perfetti was Tenth right, overall. and Chaz Lucius, another guy you know, that fell. So, I mean, the Jets have a long history of, uh, you know, picking guys that were ranked higher by scouts. So uh, we'll see what happens here. But I mean, if the Jets end up getting, you know, uh, a, a top 10 quality talent, should also mention um, Joaquin Kemmel is, is considered, just reading another scouting report, uh, it's tough to retain all this information. He's considered more of a shooter than a playmaker, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that, you know, good skater, just is skill. I think skill is really, you know, the name of the game. A lot of these guys, you could say that, but I think, you know, smaller skilled winger is the way I would kind of sum up Kemmel. And yeah. then 
I was just going to say, like, Bob, Bob McKenzie just came in and said, Joaquin Gemmel and uh, Jonathan Lekomaki falling way out of the top 10. Both good offensive goal-scoring forwards. Winnipeg with pick number 14 up next. So he didn't reveal who the Jets are going to pick, but he did say the, fall, the two players who have fallen out of the top 10. Now, why have they fallen out of the top 10? Is, did, did a bunch of teams see something that, you know, the, the, the public boards aren't, aren't seeing? Maybe. Maybe they didn't like their answers. Who knows? The chat 23 is points, though. Sorry, Dave. 23 points in 39 games for an 18-year-old in Liga, though. Uh, JYP yeah. was the team he played for. I don't know what that stands for. Um, but not, and they, and they weren't a very good team in Liga as well. Right. As that, so, so Kemmel, I mean, and you mentioned what he did at the U18s, right? So uh, maybe the injury or there's something, but I, I, it sounds like you know, this, this guy should be going. Um, Pick is in. Soon. Oh. So the Jets brass are going to be making their way to the table. Uh, very shortly, the, the pick is in according to the uh, ESPN broadcast that I have on my second screen here. Uh, so it'll be, we'll know momentarily. Is Finnepeg coming back? That's my question, guys. Well, is it Finnepeg or, or whatever the Swedish version there is as well? So we will find out momentarily here. Nobody's tweeting it just yet either. So, you know, we're obviously in a wait and see mode for the Winnipeg Jets to see. By the way, it got very dark there behind you in the backwoods of Kentucky, Drew. Well, you know, there's not a lot of light. It is an hour later than it is where you guys are. It was actually bizarre. As I was mentioning, I was out at the lake. Uh, We went to the lake for a couple uh, for a couple days and it's still in Kentucky. uh, But the lake where Lake Cumberland, where we were, is actually central time. And here where I am right now is eastern time. So even though we just went, I think, a couple hours south of us, for whatever reason, it switches time zones. Like Kentucky is one of those states that has two time zones. So we transferred back into the central time zone very briefly. And now we're back to the eastern time zone. So it's sort of hard for me to keep track of what day it is and what time it is. But in any event, I know the Winnipeg Jets are on the clock and I know that they're walking their way to the stage right now as they're getting ready are they to walking or they walking <laughs> that's very clever as that's a good pun well done there it can be clever uh, you know 10 percent of the time every yeah 10 percent is a pretty good uh is a pretty good ratio for you to be uh for you to be uh clever there uh camel is megan chaika she's also one of the draft analysts for espn camel is number one left on her board so that could very well be uh some interest, of course, you know, they're both, she's also high on LaCara Mackey as both of those players are options for the Winnipeg Jets momentarily as the team gets closer and closer to getting onto the, uh, onto the draft stage uh, as the Jets pick is about to be announced momentarily, almost as the clock exactly strikes 8 PM central time. Kevin day off approaching to the uh, mic right now. Announcing the selection for the Winnipeg Jets. Apparently he drafted. Are you ready for this? According to Rick Ritchie, an icy sandwich. <laughs> Always important for that you draft an icy sandwich nice and early in your uh, in your picks. Can't go wrong with that. Jets uh, expressing some Rutger. condolences on the loss of Mara uh, Brian Marchman. Murray just uh, broke it. Rutger drew. It is. Oh, the Jets are going a little oh. bit off the, the board there. He's going to be a very happy man. Yes, he is. I shouldn't have so, said anything, Dave. Rutger McGrory. Easy. There you go. You can get used to typing up that one there, Dave M. Rutger McGrory, right winger from the U.S. National Team Development Program, the Winnipeg Jets selection at 14th overall. 
lot of people had him later in the first round. So the Jets may be going a little bit off the board. He put up some good numbers. Big right winger, already 6'1", over 200 pounds. I believe he had 35 goals in 54 games played for the U.S. National Team Development Program. We talked about the Jets and their link and their their ties to that program. And you certainly see it with the selection as well. well and he's committed in- to the University of Michigan, right? So there you go. The, the Truba, Cop, Connor... Yeah pipeline right so um yeah wow that was that was surprising but again guys it goes back to what we said the jets amateur scouting staff has a very different list and also way more knowledge i should mention of these types of players so even though rutger mcgordy was considered a a late first rounder or ranked as a late first rounder the jets obviously really like him and i know from reading about him um you know i've been referencing elite prospects a lot um this is is a guy that's very versatile um, and he's obviously, you know, got some pretty good size, right? Like six one, um, checking two hundred and five pounds, right? So I mean, it's not the tallest player, but you know, six one, two hundred and five pounds. That's kind of your prototypical, you know, sized center or, or winger. Um, and again, another guy who maybe was overshadowed a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, you know, by guys like Logan Cooley at the U.S. National Development Program, but he still put up, you know, really good numbers. Um, just reading here, you know, he's got a good, good shot. Um, and and is, can set up plays as well. So, I mean, even though it, it was maybe a bit of a, a reach, the Jets obviously think they have uh, themselves a r- really good player here. Uh, 69 points in the 54 games played for the U.S. National Team Development Program from Lincoln, Nebraska, not necessarily a hotbed of hockey, uh, but uh, there is the Winnipeg Jets at 14th overall, Rutger McGroarty goes to the Winnipeg Jets. Here's what Scott Wheeler had to say. I'm going to read this from uh, his uh, write-up on, on the player. McGroarty's one of those kids who just looks like a pro hockey player. If he walked into an NHL dressing room tomorrow, he would stand stronger and broader than most in it. Then you add in the charisma, which makes him the natural choice for the captaincy at the program and the light and energy that oozes out of him. And you have to be careful not to put too much stock into the off-ice pieces of the puzzle that he already appears to have figured out. But I think he's a darn good hockey player too. And the pieces of the puzzle fit together nicely on the ice. He's a better skater. There are some kinks that he still needs to work out in his mechanics from a standstill because it doesn't look the prettiest through the first few steps, but there's some power when he gets going nonetheless. He's a better skater than he gets credit for, and his spatial awareness and effort level help him avoid losing short races. He's got raw skill that shows up in his great hands. His finishing touch around the net is there in spades with a hard one-touch shot that he leverages his strong frame to power through from a low kick. Is this a thesis, Drew? Like, how many words is this? A thousand? I'm just reading what I'm reading. I've got one paragraph to go, Essie. He has particularly mastered the net drive into a high rotation away from coverage that brings him back to around the net. And when he gets there, he's got the strength to shoot from bad postures slash off balance. He always puts his shots at the good locations, along the ice, low blocker, high short side. He's He's dexterous. I'm a big fan. The ice normally tilts in his favor out there. He just understands where to be out there and how to put himself in positions to create offense. And he's got an impressive statistical profile, the kind that typically projects into a college score and beyond. If he can get a little quicker from the jump, he's got all the other makings of a legitimate top nine forward who can play up and down a lineup with a variety 
of player types. That courtesy of Scott Wheeler of The Athletic talking about Rutger McGordy, the Winnipeg Jets' 2022 first-round selection, their first selection at number 14 overall. And the second ever, you'll like this, Drew, because you're in the great state of Kentucky right now. He is yes, only sir. the second ever Nebraskan. As you mentioned, Lincoln, Nebraska is not a, a hockey hotbed like uh, Minnesota or, or Michigan is. Um, can you guys name the other Nebraskan-born player who's drafted into the NHL? Uh, you know very well that we cannot. I will give you a hint. He plays. He currently plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jake Gensel. Ah, okay. Yeah, Pretty good company there. That's good. Hey, look, if he turns out to be if he turns out to be anything like Jake Gensel, the Jets will be very happy with his career development uh, over the next uh, little while. As he is, of course, as we said, committed to the University of Michigan. Uh, University of Michigan, we know, is a powerhouse typically in the NCAA. Played on a very, very talented U.S. national team development uh, program team that in the USHL, the team that the Jets and the program that the Jets have had a lot of success with over the years. Uh, sounds like a guy who's not afraid to go to the dirty areas, uh, you know, something the Jets were certainly been lacking over the last little while. Jets haven't been able to get there. They haven't been able to defend there. They hope that Rutger McGordy is going to change the story as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets and the dirty areas. Jets selecting him at number 14 overall here in the 2022 NHL draft. Folks, let us know what you think of the pick. The chat is open. Tell your friends, tell your family. We're just getting started here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, our special draft edition of the program. We're going to be with you all throughout the first round, which is uh, not yet halfway through. Uh, so it'll be a late night as we get going here. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks up getting their selection on the board momentarily as well. Just uh, watched, so- oh, sorry, Drew, I just watched a clip of, uh, I'll, I'll post it, or maybe Dave will post it on the IC account. Our good buddy Cam Robinson, we mentioned elite prospects earlier, used to have Cam on all the time on the TSN 1290 days knows just as much about prospects as anybody. He posted a video, Rutger McGrory this year for the U.S. National Development Team scored a shorthanded penalty shot, uh, which is obviously <laughs> very, very rare. Um, and the way he scores this goal, like you have to just, Dave, if you find it, it was posted back in, in March, but he just kind of casually goes in there um, and just shoots the puck right kind of uh, on the blocker side. So that kind of gives you a little bit, you know, Jets fans that don't know a lot about Rutger McGordy, I don't think a lot of Jets fans do because uh, we don't either. Um, but it kind of shows you. I mean, this is this is a this isn't you know just a rugged power forward. This is a guy that can put the puck in the net. He's got a lot of skill. And as you would expect, the uh, opinions are are coming from all ways, and lots of people who are happy about the selection, other people who are disappointed in the selection. Uh, that's usually how it works when you comes to opinions. Everyone's got one, uh, and I don't even need to. I won't tell you the the end of that statement because you know what it is well, as well. I mean, we're not going to find out, you know, what we have here for a long time, guys. Um, but I mean, I saw our good friend Rowdy, our, our Dutch Jets fan, and you just mentioned Scott Wheeler, Drew. He had him at 15. Mm -hmm. So again, I mean, this is all subjective. So even though the consolidated rankings of Bob McKenzie had him, I I believe it was at 24. uh, I mean, you know, we're not talking about something, you know, that crazy. Um, You know, some scouts had him higher as a top 15 pick. So, I mean, again, it doesn't really matter. The rankings don't matter at all uh, after Mm -hmm. the draft takes place. We know that. 
Sounds like a lot of leadership qualities for Rutger McGrory as well. He was the captain of the under 18 world championship entry for the United States. So it sounds like, the, you know, in addition to the Winnipeg Jets getting a, a talented player off the ice as well, a guy well, who's a real, uh, uh, you know, who's got that sort of future leader uh, buzz on him as well. well uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi going right after go. he just went at number 15 to the Vancouver Canucks, I should, I should add. Yeah, and, and two years in a row of players from the U.S. National Development Program, but also two straight years of unbelievable names. I mean, Chaz Lucius and Rutger McGrory right there. Yeah. I mean, I, those names, you know, take a backseat to nobody. Those certainly are some good names. There's always, uh, you know, you know how that always works. Some of the names that they come up with in, in, in hockey circles are, are, are pretty good, and this is uh, – just as per usual, another very good hockey name. The Jets hope they get a very good hockey player as well in Rutger McGrory there, Dave, Man- Dave Manuk, who's I'm sure doing some uh, work t- typing away for the website, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right, Dave? Dave's giving me the thumbs up on that front as well. So the Winnipeg Jets, we're hoping to hear from Rutger over the course of the uh, next, you know, however many hours this broadcast is going to go on for as it gets gradually darker behind me, of course. And, uh, you know, the Jets next on the clock at number 30. Uh, so another about 14 picks away if the Jets don't move up or if they don't trade out of that selection over the next uh, little bit. Time will tell what the Winnipeg Jets decide to do with that second first-round pick that they have in this year's draft, Ezzy. Sorry, Drew, I was trying to post something on, on social media here. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's going to be even more unpredictable than the first 14 or 15 picks have been uh, at number 30. You know, we talked about Owen Pickering earlier. You know, we expect him to go in the first round, which would be the third Manitoban after we had the back-to-back uh, Geeky and Matejchuk picks. Um, what was that at 11 and, and 12th overall, right? Um, mm-hmm. So he's another option. But, um, you know, Joaquin Kemmel, you would think, uh, you know, is going to go soon. I mean, it goes back to what Dave said before. I mean, what <laughs> if he was ranked 7th or 8th or whatever by a lot of scouts and he's still available at, you know, what are we at, 17 now, 16, 17? Something is obviously, you know, games from keep the point, but you'd think he'd go at this point. And another guy is um, Brad Lambert. You have to think that he's going to be taken, you know, pretty soon. But as we talked about, he's the wild card of the first round, so maybe he doesn't go till late first round, early second round. But those are a couple of guys, Lambert and Kemmel, I'd expect to go in the next two or three picks. Yeah, you, you know, those are the guys who are sort of high up on the board, uh, you know, as we get into the mid of the first round here. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, the Jets went to that U.S. national team development program. You thought, you know, a guy like Isaac Howard might be an option uh, after, you know, Frank Nazar went, went off the board earlier. But Isaac Howard, who was from that program as well, ranked higher than uh, Rector McGrory, certainly. But uh, the Jets decided to go that way instead, and we'll see how that plays out over the next course of the next uh, you know, 14 or so picks as the Winnipeg Jets decide what they're going to do uh, moving forward uh, as they still have one more first-round pick to go in this uh, 2022 NHL draft. He's, uh, you know, it sounds like Rector McGrory is a, a you know, popular guy in terms of uh, in terms of sort of getting under the skin of some of his opponents, he likes to chirp on the ice, according to our buddy Mark Masters, uh, who's uh, you know saying that uh, you always sort of know when McGrory's on the ice, given the, his presence, given his 
efforts along the boards and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see what the Jets are getting when he we first see him in Winnipeg and hopefully have him join us in the next little bit here on the program. You know, yeah, I, 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 I just – okay, got it. Sorry, guys. No, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, I know folks are, are losing their minds because there are guys who are, you know, consensus guys who are more highly ranked than, than him. But, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, like I said, probably like 45 minutes ago to an hour ago, you could go based on what your your list, most teams aren't going to deviate. Most teams already have in their mind the way it's going to go. And as you strike the names off, you don't jump a guy that you had because, you know, you obviously didn't rank high enough to put him on there. So Camel, you know, a lot of these guys, Jets just didn't have them sufficiently high enough to to put it ahead of Rutgers. So, I mean, like I said, this was a decision they made. A lot of people gasped when the Jets took Mark Scheifele with the pick they did, and that one seemed to work out. So, you know what, I, I just, you, especially when it comes to the college players, I know Max Geese is, is leaving the Jets organization, uh, one of their amateur scouts who covers college for them. He's very well regarded. Uh, so you have to have a little bit of faith, I think. Again, not blind faith, but... We don't know. I don't. I don't follow the college game to the same degree as these guys do. And you just have to believe that there's some sort of expectation, some sort of justification for them to have gone with a pick. That you're right. A lot of guys didn't ha- had him more in the 20s, the early 20s or late teens. But again, like I said, ultimately the Jets had him high enough on their list that they want to take him versus someone else. At 16 overall, the Buffalo Sabres select Noah Ostland from Sweden, the young centerman. Uh, So he's going to join a a Buffalo Sabres team that's obviously still looking to get back on track. They were they were better last year, but that's uh, still a long way to go there in Buffalo. But they add to their talent with Noah Osland uh, at number 16 overall. Jets still up in about another 14 picks. We're hoping to hear from Rutger McGrory as well this evening. Let's take a break. I think we can all use an opportunity to take a deep breath, maybe grab a drink. Don't go anywhere, folks. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We're going strong. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, a special Thursday night, round one of the NHL Draft edition of the program. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. 9.15 Eastern, 8.15 Central. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Special Thursday night edition, round one of the NHL Draft. After dark in Kentucky edition. Dark in Kentucky edition, no doubt about that. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you, bringing right first round coverage all throughout the night of the Winnipeg Jets selection next up at number 30. And because the draft wasn't quite long enough, the NHL just decided to name Julian Brisebois as general manager of the year. I know everyone was waiting with bated breath to see who was going to be the general manager of the year and hoping it's a very random time to announce that in the middle of the draft. I'd agree. So I don't know why they needed to do it right now, but uh, here they are. They announced it. Hopefully it doesn't take much time and hopefully it won't, uh, keep things uh, going for too much longer, but whatever it means that the Nashville Predators are on the clock, yet apparently their clock hasn't even started to tick down yet. So I guess our, it'll take a few extra minutes. But our boy later. Marco Al- Almeida, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly, Marco. He's a loyal uh, IC viewer listener. You can see the comment up there. I mean, Owen Nolan, he's been compared to. I, I mean, maybe it's because yeah. I'm a quarter Irish. Um, Owen Nolan's from Northern <laughs> Ireland, but obviously Canadian. Um if McGrory turns out to be anything like Owen Nolan, I think Jets fans are going to absolutely love him. But that's an interesting comparison, right? Kind of power forward. But as we talked about, I mean, this is a guy who scores goals and sets mm-hmm. up goals, right? Like he's not, he's, this isn't like a defensive forward or anything like that. 
This is this is an, an this is this guy's the real deal. Well, you know, and obviously he's not going to play for the Jets for a number of years. I mean, best case scenario would be, you know, uh, next year he's going to be with the University of Michigan. So maybe the year after that, uh, or maybe the Joe Sackick won general manager of the year. I don't even know who won general manager of the year. I think they were showing all the nominees. It should have. I was going to say it probably should have been Sackick. Yeah, it looks like they were showing nominees. I don't know why there's nominees for general manager of the year, but it looks like Joe Sackick won it. And now he gets to make a speech. So this is really taking longer than, than necessary, you know. Anyways, that's getting back to Rutger McGrory when he joins the Jets, you know, lineup. You know, this Jets team, the knock on them as of late, you know, especially since they went to the Western Finals, they've sort of been easy to play against. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, 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 there's not a ton there's of no grit. Jets you know, easy to play against. You know, you think about the number of times you'd watch the Jets last year, and we know last year was obviously a tremendous disappointment. But there are a number of times where the Jets would go a game, and it seemed like they never lay a body check. That the four check was. You know, not what I would describe as physical in any sense uh, of the word. You you wonder if that was sort of an organizational priority is to try and find somebody. And I'm not saying that they you know that they were you know pigeonholing themselves into a player like that, but that they were trying to find a player who might add a little bit of a grittier element while also having that skill set. You know, while also being able to you know as you said, as you be able to score, be able to put the puck in the net, not you know just go out there and be you know, sort of a fourth line grinder but a guy who's got the combination of both, you know, because the Jets certainly need to uh, need to get to be tougher to play against, certainly on defense uh, defensively in their own zone, no question. But you wonder if they want to add that sort of a bit of a sandpaper element into their game up front as well. And maybe that's why Rutger McGrory was so appealing to them based on, uh, you know, the Owen Nolan comparison, because you certainly knew, knew when you were uh, on the ice against Owen Nolan back in the day. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you're always looking for, it's like the stock market, if you want to use that, like people are always looking for trends and the trend of drafting players, American players, either that played for the U.S. national team or, you know, that are going to college in the U.S., whether it's University of Minnesota Duluth or in this case, University of Michigan, there's definitely a trend there. I mean, let's be honest, the Jets do like their American players, but they've also drafted players from Canada. They've drafted players from Denmark, from Russia, from Sweden, when you're talking about David Gustav, like so, it's not like you can say that the Jets only draft American players, but definitely, you know, first rounders. There's there's a trend there, but there's definitely not a trend here when it comes to the last couple of years. Like Cole Perfetti and Chaz Lucius, like these are guys that you know we're not sure if they play center at the NHL level, um, but these are skilled offensive-minded players. Whereas McGrory, even though he's got you know the offensive skills, he's kind of more of that two-way, as you said, power forward. Right. So I think there is something to be said there, Drew. You know, maybe they put a little bit more emphasis this year, the scouting staff. Um, You know, as Dave talked about, there's been a little bit of turnover there in the scouting staff. But just look at their history of drafting players, um, you know, not just American players, but just the draft in general. Have there been misses? Sure. I mean, if you want to say Christian Veselainen was a miss in 2017, go ahead. But what are we talking about? One one miss in, in, you know, 10, 11 years here? So let, let's just pump the brakes. Rutger McGordy is going to play for the University of Michigan. It might be a year. It might be a couple years. I wouldn't expect it to be more than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, who cares if he was ranked 25th or 26th or whatever? Uh, it happens every year. The rankings don't mean anything. All that matters now is the Jets took him at number 14, and we'll see how he develops. And he's reminder, 18 years old. I mean, when <laughs> yeah. you're you know, old farts like we are, I mean, these guys just seem to get younger and younger. But no, they're always 18, and he's going to take a couple of years here 
to develop in, in college hockey and then most likely play for the Moose. I mean, it's the Jets system, right? Like guys don't often step into the NHL unless your guy, your name is, you know, Patrick Laine. <laughs> Way to bring up some sore memories there, Mr. Ginsburg, but that's okay. Uh, sorry, Dave, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I just think it's great that, uh, you know, the Jets go somewhere they've never gone before, the University of Michigan. I mean, what a, what, is, what a crazy thing that they've done to to go with that, someone who's going to go back and forth, Dave, Minnesota, Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan. <laughs> but you know what? Look, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting pick. And I think we, you know, Drew, you hit it on the head. This team, it's funny when you hear people talk about the Jets because you realize <laughs> they don't, they don't pay attention to them very much. Yeah. They talk about them as if it's still that 2017, 18 team and that they're hard to play against. They're this, they're this, this, they're like, are you watching the same team? Have you actually watched these guys play? Cause that's not who this team is. And, and the reality is, as, as he just touched on, the truth is this guy isn't playing for the Winnipeg Jets next year. He's not going to be playing for the Jets for a few years at least. So, I mean, he's not coming in and solving that problem. That's going to be something that uh, Rick Bonus is going to have to deal with. And, you know, we even have – it's amazing. We've gone uh, uh, two and a half hours already on the show. We haven't really even talked about the Rick Bonus. Uh, That's what I was going to ask – that's what I was going to ask you guys, because we sort of have a bit of a pause here between the Jets' next selection coming up at number 30, mm-hmm. which will be a little while, and hopefully hearing from Rutger McGrory joining us on the program, uh, hopefully at some point in time. In I, don't think, I, don't, I don't even think he's done the media with, with the guys who are who are there yeah. right now, Drew. So, uh, oh, he's It'll just be meet, after that. He's just meeting with them right now. Yeah, so he'll be after that that we hopefully will have him on, and of course sure. we'll bring that to you live. But I was going to ask you guys about the Rick Bonus uh, introductory press conference because that sure. happened earlier this week. If that happened uh, Monday, if I'm not mistaken, you know, what were your sort of thoughts about that? What were your impressions of what he had to say to the media? I mean, you know, he, Rick Bonus knows how to knows how to handle the media, knows how to talk to the media. I thought he, I thought from my perspective, he hit all the right notes. What did mm-hmm. you guys think of about what he had to say, uh, you know, in terms of his messaging about joining the Jets and, of course, his messaging about fixing whatever is ailing the Winnipeg Jets as well? I thought he was honest. I mean, I was there on Monday at uh, in uh, Matt Frost Media Center listening to the media availability and then obviously doing the, the informal, which I was like, as he's right, it was it, both formal. I mean, <laughs> but it was just a little more of an informal uh, one was in the Matt Frost. The other was at the, you know, outside that, that area, standing beside the backdrop. But I, I agree with you. I think he said all the right things. I think he's not uh, – he's the guy that they brought in to steady the ship. And that's kind of the the overarching sentiment that we're hearing from, uh, you know, everybody now who's looking back on it with hindsight on this on this thing. And Friedman did a few thoughts with Merrick and essentially said that, you know, while it's not the sexiest of picks, the reality is that he's a veteran coach with ties to the area and – he was brought in because he could bring the room together, whatever that means. And he could get these guys all pulling in the same direction, get these guys playing defensive style hockey, which again, is not something the jets are. And that's everybody that's look, you can pin Mark Scheifele, but Kyle Connor needs to be a better defensive player, right? It's all well and good. If you can score 50 goals, if your team doesn't win, it doesn't matter. It's great. You know, you can win the lady bang, you can win, uh, you know, uh, any, the art Ross, you can win all of these things. If you're not winning this, you know, helping your team win a Stanley Cup, then it doesn't matter what you do individually. And so I think that's kind of the idea is can Rick Bonus come in here? And we saw some of the articles already talking about what can Rick Bonus do in terms of defensive structure. Brought in Scott Arneal, we know that, confirmed that Wade Flaherty's staying on. He said, and I was going to touch on this, Drew, when you made the point about Eric Comrie earlier, he had said when he was talking to Sarah on Monday that that, that we're working on getting Eric Comrie signed 
So that's, I mean, that's a good thing. That's again, that's the stability in net that I think the Jets need. So I think that's a, you know, those two work well, they work well with Wade Flaherty. So I think that makes a lot of sense uh, from a Jets perspective. And I just think he'll bring that calm, that veteran presence. And I, I like, as he talked about this, you, you can't point at his record and say, you know, I mean, what he did with Ottawa, we're not going to, we're not going to hold that against him. you. You have to look at what he's going to do with this group. And so again, like I said, if he can make them, a better, a structured team, play with structure, something we've all complained about the Jets didn't do a ton of, improve their penalty kill because we saw how bad the Jets' penalty kill has been, how atrocious it was, uh, how atrocious it was in the beginning of the season and how that probably cost them later on. And like I said, ultimately get them playing a different structure. So, I mean, look, you got to give the guy a shot. I mean, he's, he's the head coach. He signed a two-year deal with an option for a third so we'll team see. Op- team option. Team option. Team option for a third, sure. Yeah. But I mean, the reality is, he is. It's not a caretaker. He's not here for a year. You're going to give him a shot. So we'll see what he does. I mean, again, there's so many people who say, "Oh, it's terrible." It's the, it's the same thing with with Rutger. The guy hasn't even put on a Jets jersey, and and you got people already saying this guy's terrible, terrible pick. I mean, you have to let these guys come in and see what well, they can do. And then reflectively, you look back in two, three years, and you'll say, "Okay, this is what it looked like." But before, it's hard to do. Well, you're obviously not reading, you know, Scott Wheeler's Twitter, boys. If uh, if you think Rutger McGrody is a bad pick, uh, Scott Wheeler is, is our, you know, one of our, along with you know Craig Button, Chris Peters, we mentioned. We had uh, Wheeler on, you know, a few months back, um, but he said for the third year in a row, the Jets have drafted the kid I've most enjoyed talking to. Um, obviously, you know, referring to Perfetti and Lucius in the last couple of years, right? But McGrody was the captain of the U.S. National Development Program, and you know, we talked about Mark Masters talked to him recently had a good piece up on, on TSN.ca. Mm-hmm. Like, McGordy sounds like, and, you know, hopefully, as Drew mentioned, we're going to talk to him in the next, you know, 20 minutes or so, half an hour. But, you know, I mean, this this kid, I think Jets fans are going to fall in love with him very quickly. Um, and you, you just got to get past that. You, you can't fixate on, you know, where you had him ranked or where other scouts had him ranked. It doesn't matter at the point. He's a Jet. Um, and I, I really don't think it's that big of a reach when you consider Wheeler had him ranked at number 15. So, Ezzy, what did you think about Rick Bonus's introductory press conference? That was what I was. Dave was just talking sorry. I went. On. I went back to. Yeah, I yeah. went back to McGrady okay. there. I, I, you know, Dave mentioned he was in the Matt Frost Media Center. I wasn't. Um, look at. I, I mean, Barry Trotz was everybody's number one, and I think Jim Montgomery was probably most people's number two. Uh, Rick Tockett was a weird one for me. Uh, I didn't really think at any point, you know, that that was going to be. Just had a feeling that wasn't going to be the Jets' next head coach for a lot of reasons. Um, but when you talk about experience, we know there's experience and that's what this Jets team needs. And I think you got to look more recently, you know, what Rick Bonus has done in Dallas and Vancouver. And another thing, you know, I, I wanted to mention, I think, you know, we're all expecting Nolan Baumgartner. I actually thought that might be announced today. We're all expecting, you know, former Moose captain, um, Nolan Baumgartner to be one of the assistants. I mean, when you look at this coaching staff, guys, I mean, obviously there's a lot of Manitoba Moose connections here with Arneal and, and Jets connections. But I mean, this is an impressive coaching staff Chevy is putting together, right? Like uh, hang on, I gotta, stop, I, gotta, I gotta stop you right there. I mean, Nolan Baumgartner, his track record of success in Vancouver last year, prior to being fired along when Travis Green was dismissed, his track record of success for, with the Canucks defense and their penalty kill was nothing to write home about. The penalty kill was, if I'm not mistaken, you know, one of the worst in the NHL. It actually improved after he was dismissed. I mean, the Canucks defense, I mean, it's, and that's, you know, a funk, not his fault uh, necessarily, but, you know, he, you know, I think that defense was at best 
mediocre, but that largely had to do with the players that were brought in, which he has nothing to do with. But based on their penalty kill, I think I'd have a lot of concerns as to why he immediately, you know, needs to get hired by True North. And what, you know, I think fans have a right to say, look at his track record, uh, you know, particularly on the penalty kill and be concerned with that because his track record in Vancouver on the penalty kill what is of a concern to me. And I know that the ties to the organization, I get all that and I get the True North loves their guys and everything else. But to me, that is, I think, a big question mark and a big area of concern in, in bringing in Nolan Baumgartner as an assistant coach. And it does sound like that's going to get done. So you're right about that. But I think there's uh, some some fair questions to be asked about that decision, Ezzy. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just want to do a quick interjection, which has nothing to do with this, but it's, it's courtesy of uh, Frosty Winnipeg, who's giving us some insight on Rutger and his, his frame of mind and the kind of player he is. So he was asked by TSM, what was your best chirp last season? This is his response. His dad is the GM of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. So someone on the Lumberjacks was chirping him, and he was like, my dad never – and he's you now qualifying, saying his dad never actually said this, but he was my dad hates you. So <laughs> clearly he, he's a bit of a nest disturber. That's kind of funny. That's a, it's a good way of putting it. But uh, uh, he's definitely got, as Drew has talked about, and as he's talked about, a little bit of a personality, and that's probably mm-hmm. something Jets fans are going to enjoy. But sorry, go back to bonus. I just want to Muskegon Thanks, Lumberjacks are in, the, are in the United States Hockey League. For those who don't yeah. know that, um, yeah. But I mean, fair fair enough point. You know, Drew mentioned Nolan Baumgartner's track record with with the penalty kill. You know, that's that's a fair point. Um, I mean, this is just a guy that I, I think you know is a very smart hockey mind, and I think you know you, you can't always hold. You know, look, look at he's he's not he has not been an assistant coach for very long. But let's be honest, Drew, we don't know. We're not we're not in the coaching world to know, like, you know, how good of an assistant coach he is versus other candidates. We just don't know that. I mean, I think a lot of fans jump to conclusions and they they point to that. But this is a different team, different scenario. Right. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. At least I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt by saying that this is a different team with a different group of defensemen and everything like that. But I, I you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy like Baumgartner because of his connections and also just how, how well regarded, you know, he has been, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's, there, there's, you know, there's a team here. There's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of young players, like we're expecting, you know, Sandberg and Hainola, but you know, he was, um, you know, applauded for the way he worked with Quinn Hughes, for example. Right. I mean, Quinn Hughes is already an ultra talented defenseman. Right. Um, so I'm not saying Nolan Barmgartner turned Quinn Hughes into the defenseman he is. I'm just saying, I mean, I know he's a very he's a very well liked guy, a very well respected guy. Yeah, he certainly is. And look, I'm not saying it's necessarily not going to work out. It could very well work out. I'm just, you know, I want to just point out that you know his track record of success. And you can certainly say what you want to say about the Vancouver Canucks and the talent that they had on the on the back end, and certainly the talent that they had in terms of their uh, penalty killing forwards. Their, their penalty kill was was nothing to hang your hat on uh, last year. And it'll be interesting to see if Nolan Baumgartner can uh, resuscitate his reputation as it pertains to the defense and as it t- pertains to the PK if he does become uh, an assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets, Dave M. But, uh, you know, you like you said, you were there in the room. I thought Bonus was he, – he didn't try and pull the wool over anyone's eyes, which I thought was important. I thought that he spoke – passionately he spoke honestly he said look this Winnipeg Jets team he saw them up close and personal multiple times last year 
you know, as, as the head coach of the Dallas Stars and their Jets and the Stars obviously being in the same central division. He said this Jets team looked flawed. They looked like a team that had that that wasn't themselves, that something was amiss with the team. And it's incumbent on him as a head coach to find out what that something is. And, you know, based on that, you know, that's almost like the most honest comment we've heard from anyone that's not hasn't been a player in this organization, you know, related to this organization, Kevin Sheffield still using 10,000 words, you know, when, when, when 100 will do and not saying anything of any substance. So it was refreshing to hear Rick bonus acknowledge the challenge that is ahead of him, both, you know, tactically for this Winnipeg jets, as well as, you know, in the dressing room, as well as getting everybody on the same page, as well as moving this team out of the, you know, to, to use an old uh, word, uh, the, the malaise that has been permeating this organization for the last number of years. You know, and I think our buddy Mike McIntyre wrote about it. He's, you know, part head coach. He's part tactician. He's part psychologist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, moving forward with this Winnipeg Jets team this coming season. And I think it's it's going to be a fascinating uh, challenge for Rick Bonus. I think he's up to it. He's certainly been around the block in the NHL. He certainly knows everything there is to know about how to deal with players and how to deal with teams and how to deal with underachieving teams. But uh, at least I think he started off on the right foot on, on Monday there, Dave. Yeah. And I, and I would just say that, look, what he did with Ben and Sagan and transitioning them and reducing, you know, getting guys like Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz and, and, and and the cavalcade of other young guys to, to take more of a role in Dallas and, and manage egos. Right. And that's one of the things that, and now look, the the knock on him is he'll he'll be a one line coach and forget about the other three, and he'll run heavy on his on his big dogs. Well, where have we heard that before? Paul Maurice. One of the biggest knocks was not using four lines. So, like I said, there's a lot of uh, these guys have a lot of past. You can draw on it. But you can see if they can bring a structure, if they can do that. You know how like the, one of the things that bonus seems to do is really change his style of t- his team style of play based on the score. Right? If they're up, then they they close it off if they're not well then maybe it's a little more open but I think what you're right Drew I think ultimately what it comes down to is here's a guy who he didn't want to come out and say like blame Paul Maurice and 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 you know dump on Paul Maurice by the way December 6th for any Jets fans who want who saw the schedule get released yesterday Paul Maurice's first visit to Winnipeg December 6th Andrew Kopp's first Lender visit night. to Winnipeg it could be could be October 14th we don't know. That's if he's playing for the New York Rangers, who the Jets yeah. always seem to open their seasons against. But the reality is that I just going back to bonus. I think that there's 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 going to be a lot of, of responsibility, and I think I think Mike's right, and I think to be honest, I think he is kind of that right guy to be able to do that from what we've talked about. This team, if you're going to keep it the way it is, if you're going to run it back to a certain degree, regardless of whether you get rid of Blake Wheeler, if you're going to take this same comp this composition of this team then you needed a steady hand that was a veteran hand that was a guy that could command respect in the room. I mean, whether we agree with it or not, that's just the reality of the NHL. Folks could have wanted a young coach, a young hockey mind who's going to have, you know, a different way of thinking. But the reality is that's not necessarily easy to integrate with a group that has a, you know, Connor Hellebuck, I'm fine to stay if we're winning. Well, I mean, maybe that's not necessarily going to happen. We could see it, right? Like, I mean, look at, there's lots of examples of younger coaches, younger in the sense of NHL experience, coming in and doing phenomenally well. I'm just suggesting that it sounds like, it, like I said, from what Friedman was suggesting on Monday, the idea was he didn't want a rudderless ship here in Winnipeg. They wanted someone who was going to be command that respect, able to see him to do this in a Dallas 
room that had a lot of ego, bring people together, well-liked, well-respected. Tyler Sagan, you hear how glowingly he spoke about Rick Bonus. You hear, to be honest, you hear about a lot of people. I don't, I haven't heard too many people speak negatively about him. And again, it's not, it's the same thing with Rutger. You don't, you're not going to be happy with him. He's the nicest guy in the history of the world and scores one goal a season. That's not what you're looking for. This isn't the NHL of nice. I mean, this is the best hockey league in the world. So you need to be able to fulfill a role. I think that I'm just saying that even though you know what you have in bonus, it's a little early to start already poo-pooing. And then I agree, Drew. Ultimately, I think, I don't think he was there to snowball the media. I don't think that was the thing. Dave Lowry, again, I'm not panning him, but he was very close to the vest. Everything was like, you know, it was he, like he was pulling, just it was like, he was overmatched in the role. No, I, mean, I know, but I mean, but the reality was it was like pulling teeth a little bit to get any that like the most uh, basic of information out of him sometimes seemed like it was a lot of information. I, I felt like that with Rick Bonus, there wasn't, you know, to, to your point with Chevy, it didn't feel like there were a thousand words when a hundred would suffice. I felt like he gave you what he needed to give you. He was verbose enough. And I just felt like it was a, it was a good first step in his new relationship with Winnipeg. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's a that two-year plus the team option three-year contract, because that, of course, fits in with the current window, whatever this window is regarding the Winnipeg Jets with Shifley and with Hellebuck and, well, who knows what's going to happen with Blake Wheeler, of course. But it all sort of fits in, and you know that, you know, three years from now, you know, it might be sooner than that, but, you know, two, three years from now, this Winnipeg Jets team, if they don't, you know, change the trajectory, if they don't all of a sudden start going on that upward trajectory again, is going to be a completely new team, you know, starring many of the players we've seen selected over the last number of years. Obviously, Connor and Ehlers will still be key components there, but that's going to be, you know, Chad Lu- Chaz Lucius's team. It's going to be, uh, you know, um, uh, Cole Perfetti's team. It could be Rutger McRory's team at that point in time. You know, you're going to see that big transition happen. And I don't think Rick Bonus would be the right coach for that, for those players necessarily. But right now, as you're sort of trying to bridge the gap between the younger players and the veterans on the team, assuming those veterans are still going to be sticking around, it does seem like, like Rick Bonus will be able to do that. And, you know, what I sort of, you know, what I sort of like about Rick Bonus's teams, as he, is that they often play the situation. You know, if the situation is that they are pressing and that they need to get some offense, they play a more open style. That was the reputation he had in Dallas, at least. And then if they were had a lead, they really focused on locking things down and really mucking up the game and making it boring and making it ugly. Well, the Winnipeg Jets, if they can successfully do that, if they can make it boring and ugly, and if they can actually defend you know, God, God forbid, they have Connor Hellebuck, who's still one of the best goaltenders in the league and should be able to to hold on to leads that way. You know, it's just a matter of can he get the players to buy in? And I know that's what he's doing right now, you know, talking to all these players and getting on the phone and talking and, and getting them to understand his philosophy, uh, you know, as the you know training camp is only really two months away from now, is he? Yeah, I think a lot of coaches do that, though, Drew. I mean, I think that's being overstated a little bit in terms of, I mean, in-game, I mean, you have to make, you know, your adjustments and, and play depending on what is being presented to you. I'm not I'm not diminishing what you said there. But look, I, I think it ultimately comes down to something that, you know, has been said many times already. You needed an experienced NHL head coach, and you needed a coach that's going to hold these players accountable. And I know that some people have said, well, if Paul Maurice couldn't make 
the players accountable? Why is Rick Monus going to make the players accountable? Fair enough. I mean, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, I don't, I'm not a magician. I mean, Rick Bonus is a guy that I think if you look at his recent track record, he's had a lot of success, but it's not just looking at the recent track record. It's looking at a guy that can come in here and he can get this back on the right track. Now, I don't think the, I don't think the Jets are even close to being a Stanley Cup contender. I don't even know if the Jets are going to be a playoff team because we don't know what the Jets are going to look like next year, right? Like, is Blake Wheeler part of the Jets next year or is he going to be traded? Is Pierre-Luc Dubois going to be a member of the Jets or is he going to be traded? If the Jets trade Dubois, for example, and they don't get a bona fide top six center, um, look, at, you're going to lose Paul Stastny. You already traded away Andrew Kopp. I mean, like, there's going to be a lot of offense missing if you don't have, you know, Wheeler to go with Stastny and Kopp. Now, Cole Perfetti is going to factor in big time. Like, I expect him to be a top six winger for the Jets, might play some center, depending on, you know, what happens here. Um but like Rick Bonus is a guy that, you know, when you talk about, you know, Barry Trotz, I mean, to me, like he's probably the close, he was the closest option for the Jets aside from, from Trotz. When you just look at it from an experience and a personality and just the way he's regarded, Dave mentioned like Tyler Sagan was visibly upset when it, when it was, you know, announced that Rick Bonus wouldn't be back as, as the yeah. Stars head coach. Sagan's a really good hockey player. He might've fallen off a little bit over the last few years. But, you know, players like playing for Rick Bonus. He had a really good reputation when he was with Dallas and also as an assistant with Tampa Bay. And, you know, before that, he was an assistant with Vancouver. You know, Bonus has been around forever, right? Yeah, so, he's a hockey I mean, lifer. I, I like the hiring, but just because I like the hiring, I don't think you have to – like, liking the hiring doesn't mean the Jets, you know, are going to be, you know, second-place team in the Central Division next year. I mean, the Jets are a non-playoff team. that are We know they'll be higher than the Hawks because they – well, exactly. I mean, the Hawks are trading away their, uh, their entire team with Kirby Dock and Alex Dabrinkit being traded today, right? So I like the hiring. I like his personality. And in this case, I like the, the fact that, you know, he, not only did he coach the Jets 1.0, he played for the Jets 1.0. Um, and bonus admitted, you know, three other teams wanted to, him to be their assistant coach. So you can say the Jet, the NHL is an old boys club all you want. And it is, by the way. Um, and I would love to have seen Pascal Vincent, for example, be named the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. I don't make that decision. Chevy made that decision. So, you know, let's just see what happens here before we, you know, get the pitchforks out. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, obviously it's, 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 what have you, it's a, what have you done for me lately situation as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets and the team is in desperate need now more than ever of actually getting some good news. So that's why it's so important that, uh, you know, he, you know, I hear people saying that, you know, oh, I'm not going to, you know, the Jets play boring hockey. It's not going to be entertaining. People aren't going to buy tickets. Look, if the Jets start winning, people will buy tickets. You know, that's absolutely what it boils down to. You know, Barry Trotz would have sold some tickets. But aside from Barry Trotz, there was absolutely no head coach the Jets were going to hire. No, the players sell to- the tickets, guys. Like, people pay to watch Kyle Connor. People pay to watch Nick Ehlers. People pay to watch Josh Morrissey, Connor Hellebuck. Right? Like, people... Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach, you know, out there right now, even though he's not going to be coaching in the 22-23 season. Um, but, I mean, they, they got a really good coach in Rick Bonus. That's, that's what it comes down to. Who's going to hire, who's going to hold these players probably a little bit more accountable than Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry did. And it's a, and it's a fresh, it's an, I like how it's an entire new, fresh coaching staff. I think that's really important. 
Yeah, well, I mean, then it'll be interesting to see who else they round out the coaching staff with. We know that Scott O'Neill's officially been announced. There's the rumors about Nolan Baumgartner. There's obviously going to be another, uh, you know, Wade Flaherty's coming back as the goaltending coach. We know that, which you know, obviously uh, makes you think that, you know, they're going to run back the Eric Comrie, Connor Hellbuck duo. Because, well, if they don't, I really don't know where else the Jets are getting a backup goaltender from, you know, for the next season. Mikel Burden is not the solution to that uh, to that. Uh, question at this point in his career I expect him to still be earmarked with the Manitoba Moose for next season but it's just another part of the uh, the unanswered questions related to the Winnipeg Jets that have been lingering throughout this offseason that have been you know where are the Jets going to go what's next for the Winnipeg Jets and everything along those uh, uh, along those lines moving forward the Capitals the just Winnipeg took story Jets Drew team. at number at number 20 uh, the Washington Capitals took even Morishenko. We were talking about um, Russian players earlier, yeah. and obviously um, Washington probably has the one of the best uh, histories success with uh, Russian players. Obviously, talking about uh, Alex Ovechkin, but there's others. Um, so he went well, at given, and I would assume that if, uh, that given Ovechkin's close ties to Putin, the the, the Washington Capitals Russian uh, draft pick won't have any trouble uh, doing what he wants with the rest of his career because God forbid Putin and Ovechkin be tied at the hip and uh, and you know Ovechkin do the do the right thing as opposed to you know try and whitewash things for uh, uh, the terrible human being been going on over there in Russia, but that's a separate issue altogether. Some other uh, picks that have been selected. Uh, National Predators took Joachim Kemmel. Uh, we talked about him earlier. He fell a lot from where people thought he was going to go. Uh, the Dallas Stars took a defenseman, Leon Bischel, uh, originally from Switzerland. He played last year over in Sweden as well, so another young defenseman for the Dallas Stars uh, as they, you know, have some talent on the back end. And then another Liam, probably the first, I wonder if it's a, oh, sorry, that was a Lee-in and then a Lee-im go back-to-back with the Minnesota Wild, taking Liam Ogren, also uh, out of the Swedish Hockey League. He's from Stockholm. Uh, so the, you know, a little bit of a run on players, uh, you know, from overseas, from Europe at this point in the draft. And then, of course, the Russian player that was selected by the Washington Capitals that we just mentioned. Let's take a break. We're going to uh, hopefully get to hear from Rutger McGrory. The Winnipeg Jets are about nine picks away from their second first round pick here in the 2022 first round of the NHL draft. Things are happening. Don't go anywhere. It's uh, 10 minutes before 10 o'clock Eastern time, 10 minutes before 9 I don't think it could get any darker behind you, Drew. I'm sure it can. I mean, it's... Well, it's pretty pitch black. I'm not sure it can get any darker. If the lights go out, if the if my in-laws turn the lights out on me, then maybe it'll get a little bit darker behind me. But for now, things are going fine. We'll keep it going. Don't go anywhere. You're watching a special edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show special 2022 round one of the NHL draft edition on this Thursday night. Jim and Dell, Dave Manouk. Ezra Ginsburg with you should make note the Rush, uh, Washington Capitals selected Ivan Mirishnichenko. It's actually a good news story. I was a little bit uh, too glib and I apologize for that. Uh, highly touted prospect. He was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and he's beaten the Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it is a good news story. I uh, want to say congratulations to him for getting selected in the first round of the NHL draft. And I'm sure he's absolutely thrilled about being able to go play for the same team that employs Alex Ovechkin. Who I'm sure Owen Pickering just went 21st overall. 
You interrupted my good news story. I was I was going to get to Owen Pickering uh, momentarily, but uh, Mirosh Nachenko goes to Washington. Congratulations to him after he fought Hodgkin's lymphoma. lymphoma. And as as you just said, Owen Pickering, another one of the Manitobans and a cousin of of Matejchuk, who yeah. went earlier in the first round, he goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins team. So it's likely Owen Pickering at some point in time might be mentored by Chris Letang. Who agreed to re-up in Pittsburgh earlier this year? Or earlier what a nice this, contract this for Chris Letang, eh? On a six-year deal, six years for a guy who's already 35, 36 years of age. So a big long term for Chris Letang, six million bucks thereabouts per season uh, for him. And Owen Pickering now going to be able to go play eventually, hopefully, with Letang and of course with Sidney Crosby. And time will tell if it's also going to be Evgeny Malkin. Uh, as the Penguins are going through a little bit of a contract negotiation with uh, uh, their another one of their cornerstone players in Malkin. Number 22, the Anaheim Ducks are now on the clock. The Winnipeg Jets about eight picks away from uh, getting their second, pardon me, first round selection here in the 2022 NHL draft. She mentioned Owen Pickering. I mentioned earlier, some people don't know. I work at hockey with his sister, Avery Pickering, is a really good hockey player as well. She plays yeah. for Balmoral Hall. Um, she's a candidate to make our uh, U18 provincial team. So it's a it's a good hockey family there. We mentioned cousin of Denton Matejchuk. Also, his sister Avery Pickering is a top uh, female player in, in Manitoba. So St. Adolph, Dominion City, um, Strathclair, Manitoba, all across the province, province. Lots of proud family and friends. Yeah, I, absolutely. And uh, there was a great article in the Winnipeg Free Press. Our buddy Mike Swatsky wrote about them, about the Pickering family and their uh, and their hockey roots. So I encourage you to check that out. Uh, in fact, Mike Swatsky's done a great job covering all of the Manitoba prospects here at the uh, 2022 NHL draft. So I'm sure Dave M has all those articles linked on illegalcurve.com. But we do encourage you to check those out. Is that right, Dave M? I do. I do. I have all the uh, articles. And yeah, Mike's done a great job. Uh, actually, got to give Mark Masters again credit. He's done a lot of good uh, one-on-ones with a lot of these, of a lot of the Manitobans, a lot of the guys with the Manitoba flavor. So that's been a good thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, all these Manitobans coming off the board. So the dream of uh, Manitoba being uh, wearing Winnipeg Jets jerseys. And like I said, I think that's uh, okay. He's, we're good. We're getting closer to having uh, Rutger join us. So that's good news. I'm just hearing Jets. So we're, it sounds like we're going to get him very soon. So okay. uh, that'll be good. Make sure that uh, you're paying attention. If you've got questions, fire them up in the chat for Rutger. He's got, hopefully coming up fairly soon. There you go. Rutger McGrory going to join us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, our special draft show. And then before, after we hear from Rutger, it won't be very many minutes until we hear number 30 overall who the Winnipeg Jets select with their second first round pick, you know, some names that are still of interest. You wonder about a guy like Isaac Howard, also of the U S national team development program, uh, Brad Lambert over there in Finland. Those are guys who some players, some people have those guys very high on their lists that people thought they may have already been taken by now. Jimmy Snuggerud, another one of those guys from the U S national team development program. So you're right Yurov. now, what's that Dave? Yurov wasn't selected, was he? Danilo Yurov? Uh, no, he was not selected. I, so, I mean, as like, far as I know, as well. You're I right. Mean, another... There's a guy who's right. Who's I, I'm looking at one list. Had him as high yeah. as 11. You know, yeah. six foot, six foot one, right winger, but Russian. And so that's like I said, that's what we were talking about before the when the draft was getting underway. Names like that dropping down and and becoming available. So, uh, you know, Brad Lambert. There's an interesting one. 
Do you take a flyer on him? Do you stick with well, someone in the again in the U.S. program? Do you go for a WHLer? I don't know. There's a lot of lot of options. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how guys who you know their dads played in the NHL. Uh, now you get their kids getting drafted. So we can talk about that for a while now, of course. But it's it's very interesting. And again, like I said, it's it's it, 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 the draft has kind of followed. Like it's a, it, the flow has changed a bit, though, right? The feeling of it. There's not really that like trade element. So I and I I know that generally would be tomorrow more than today, but yeah, the, the feeling of the draft has kind of slowed down. It's become more uh, kind of followed the path that you'd expect as opposed to kind of going off 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 kilter. Yeah, you, another guy I wanted to throw in. Sorry, I was just going to say uh, Chris Peters mentioned him. Um, and a lot of people are higher on him. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's a little bit of debate. Uh, his consolidated ranking is like 40th. Um, Lane Hudson, U.S. National Development Program. Again, I mean, we don't know if the Jets are going to go back to the U.S. National Development Program. Um, mm-hmm. And it would be a bit of a reach. But also, Rutger McGordy was a bit of a reach, too. So Lane Hudson, smaller defenseman, right? Um, but a ton of skill. Um, you know, some scouts think he's, you know, top five skilled defenseman in the draft, right? So he's another guy um, to throw out there, but it's it's really tough to tell because there's still eight picks left, uh, right? Isaac Howard is a guy that could easily go, uh, you know, 22nd or, or 23rd, but you'd have to think Jets are considering him as well. But maybe they go, they're, you know, going to to, to a defense. That's why I mentioned a guy like Lane Hudson. And Eddie, just, to, just, to, just to quickly interject, Drew, yeah. when we had Chris Peters on the show on uh, on Saturday, one of the guys that he mentioned that he went on uh, a little bit long on about was, was about Lane Hudson. And he talked about, and it was funny because one of the people in the chat had said, ask about Hudson. And then uh, Drew, by the way, looks like he's afraid for his life that this, that bear may have shown up and, and he's looking over his shoulder. But, but the reality is that, uh, yeah, there was, Chris was, was gave quite an interesting answer about Lane Hudson and talked about him. We talked about whether he'd be someone who maybe is in the, that 30 spot for the Jets and whether, he'd be someone that they do well by selecting. So if he's still available, there's always a good chance. I was going to say at pick number 22, Nathan Gaucher, center out of Quebec, the ramparts of the Quebec, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, goes to the Anaheim Ducks. I believe that was part of the trade with Boston uh, that that the uh, the Bruins acquired Hampus Lindholm in that deal. So this is the second first-round selection of the Anaheim Ducks. Next up on the clock, St. Louis Blues at number 23. So the Winnipeg Jets getting closer to getting their second selection here in the first round uh, moving forward here on the 2022 NHL draft. <sighs> Quite the night so far. Things are getting back to being a little bit of normal, but there were certainly a number of interesting trades. The Chicago Blackhawks are clearly looking to tank this year. Uh, I saw this tweet from uh, Pierre Lebrun. I want to see if I can find it to read it verbatim about uh, Patrick Kane and his mindset as it pertains to the Chicago Blackhawks moving forward. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Pierre Lebrun reached out to Patrick Kane's agent, Patrick Song and his NHL future in Chicago in lieu, in, you know, in light of today's trades by the rebuilding Blackhawks. Quote, Brisson said they're not going to make any decisions or comments at this point, which is certainly not uh, a long way away from Patrick Kane saying he's happy to be in Chicago, given the moves the Blackhawks have made uh, earlier today, basically bottoming out their entire team in order to try and be the worst team this year to get back to getting some high picks for the years to come. 
uh, interesting to see what happens with Patrick Kane, as I think he's going to be the question of the really the next couple of weeks and so forth in the NHL to see what the Blackhawks decide to do with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just such a weird time for the Blackhawks. And and if I'll say this much, if Ottawa doesn't sign Alex to bring it long term, I don't necessarily like the trade as much, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think his qualifying offer is, is $9 million. So obviously Chicago's got into the first round in a big way, um, but you're trading away two of your best young players, right? In Kirby Doc mm-hmm. and Debrinket. So like, well, it's just... Isn't that it? Aren't Debrinket and Doc guys you build around? Exactly. And the thing is like, you know, you know, people are already saying, obviously they're trying to tank for Connor Bedard, but it's not a guarantee that you're going to get the first overall pick. Right. And it is a deep draft. So even if you get the second or third pick, like you've got guys like Adam Fentilli and uh, it's the Russian forwards named Matt Mitchkov. Right. So like, I mean, it, it is going to considered to be a deep draft. That's why you had a lot of NHL teams acquiring those 2023 draft picks prior to the deadline. Right. Um, you know, another guy I wanted to throw out there. I don't know if we've talked about him. He's a teammate of Denton Matejchuk's and Moose Jaw, Jagger Furkus. He's got one of the best names yeah. uh, in the draft. <laughs> can, the, well. can the Jets get a Rutger and a Jagger? Yeah, exactly, Drew. That would be funny. But Jagger Furkus is a guy, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had 80 points uh, for the Moose Jaw Warriors. And he's a guy that's really improved. He's not a, a huge guy. I think he's 5'11", uh, yeah. 6 feet. But we've talked about that before. I don't think, you know, the, if the Jets like how a player, you know, fits into their system and how he projects, I think they'll take him. But Jagger Furkus is a guy. I'm not saying that the Jets are going to take him at 30th overall. Um, but, you know, he he could be an option here. Um, what pick are we at now? 22 boys, 23, St. Louis, 23. right? The, blue, the Blues yeah. pick is in at number 23. Yeah, and St. Louis, Minnesota. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you hear Jagger Ferkus's name here. Yeah, I mean, lots of things still going to happen, you know, as, as we get closer towards the end of the first round. And you talked about trades and things of that nature, and it's usually the trades probably won't happen. Uh, you know, my guess is the trades probably won't happen, you know, at this point in time. But after the draft ends tonight... All these gentlemen, they don't go to bed, let me tell you. Uh, they, they'll get back together. They'll get back together and talk about options and things that were on the board that maybe didn't have anything to do necessarily with first-round selections. We've seen over the years that a lot of activity happens between the end of the first round and the start of the second round of the NHL draft. And I would not be surprised if this is uh, also very similar uh, as we uh, move forward here in the 2022 NHL draft. And let's welcome to the program live from Montreal, uh, Quebec, the Winnipeg Jets' newest draft pick, first round selection, number 14 overall, Rutger McGrory. Welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and congratulations on hearing your name called earlier tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. It's our pleasure to have you. I mean, I can see the big smile you have on your face. I saw the big smile that you had on the scoreboard there at the Bell Center. It must just be an absolute thrill. Just sort of walk us through the emotions of the night to hear your name selected over there at number 14 overall. Uh, For me, honestly, just uh, hearing my name called by such a historic franchise, just such a great franchise, it's uh, unbelievable. And then ever since that, I just completely blacked out and walking up on stage hugging my hugging my family hugging my grandpa my agent uh it was it was a really special time and uh yeah i'm I'm really excited to be uh a part of such a great franchise you know rutger you know we talked about this earlier but you know and we should mention drew's uh in the great state of of kentucky right now his wife is uh proudly from kentucky and you're from the great state of nebraska highest drafted player 
uh, from Nebraska, second ever Nebraskan drafted after uh, Jake Gensel. I mean, I'm sure you've been asked about this, you know, since you were drafted by the Jets, but just what does that mean to you? Um, you know, first player from Nebraska to play for the U.S. National Development Program. What does that mean? Like, how proud are you, uh, you know, to hold that honor? Uh, for me, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, just being uh, a kid from a non-traditional hockey market, uh, I, I hope someone sees this uh, that's, that lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, and just says, hey, like, he, he's from Nebraska. Like, why can't I do that? So uh, for me, just uh, being that kid from Nebraska, I just want to inspire a bunch of different kids and uh, just grow, grow the hockey market there. You know, Rucker, how familiar were you with Winnipeg? How much conversation did you have with the organization leading up to the draft? Uh, so for me, I, I had a, a, a meeting one-on-one uh, with them earlier in the year. Uh, just get to know each other. And then uh, at the Combine, we, we had a really good interview. And uh, it, it, we nothing but respect. And uh, I felt like we, we really connected. And it was a, a really good interview. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get started. Rutger, you know, we this has probably, probably already been asked this, but is there a player in particular whose game you model yourself after? You know, is there somebody who, you know, you watch them and you say, that's the style I need to play, that's the approach I need to play on a night-in, night-out basis? Yeah, uh, for me, I would say the Kachuk brothers. I would say Matthew more than Brady, but uh, uh, just uh, them being skilled power forwards uh, that compete, bring energy every single night. Uh, both of them got goal scorers touch. Uh, they make their, make their line mates around them better and uh, they play that physical game as well, and they can get into their opponent's head. Rutger, you obviously played with Chaz Lucius at the U.S. National Development uh, Program. We just wanted to ask you, like, is that was that going through your mind when you're drafted by the Jets, like that that one day you're going to get to play with Chaz? Yeah, I was actually just talking about that. Uh, I was asking if he knew Chaz, and uh, Chaz is a great human and a great family. I played with Cruz this year, and uh, nothing but respect for that family and. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to Chaz, and it'll be great. So, Rucker, what's it like when your dad's a coach? Pardon? What's it like when your dad's a coach? Oh, I mean, for me, for me, it was actually good. You you hear about those uh, like those families where uh, father son, the dad's a little too hard on them. But my dad and I, we have a really good relationship, good balance in our life, and uh, we love each other. And he, he he was crying on TV. I, I saw I saw him crying. Uh, so it was pretty funny. I'm gonna have to chirp him about that later. <laughs> so chirping you talk about that you mentioned you know the Kachuk brothers they're known for some of their uh, activities on the ice that might not necessarily have to do with the game how much do you enjoy sort of the 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 let's call it the 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 mental aspect of the game when you're trying to battle with an opponent beyond the physical side of things uh yeah for me I feel like uh any way that you can beat your opponent I mean you might as well take advantage of it if it's uh playing more physical uh, an extra chirp, whatever it is. Uh, I feel like I, uh, I'm. People do not enjoy playing against me, uh, and I'll, I'll definitely carry that on for the rest of my career. And a lot of Jets fans are going to love hearing that. We wanted to ask you why? Why University of Michigan? I mean, I, obviously it's a storied program, but for you personally, why did you pick University of Michigan? Uh, so for me, it was honestly a no-brainer. Uh, just the uh, the coaching staff, the uh, the the Yost Arena is unbelievable. Uh, the the class we have coming in with. Uh, I think we have we have 12 freshmen coming in, so uh, we'll have a really competitive young bunch, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Rucker, I was reading an article on TSN about you, and they were saying that you're working with Barb Underhill on your, on your skating. So how much have you noticed that improvement, and what made you kind of run to that decision and, and decide, hey, I need to work on that element of my game? Pardon? What did you say? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Just the idea of that you're working with Barb Underhill now on your skating and, and changing that sort of element of your game, adding a skating coach. Uh, yeah, so for me, uh, coming into this year, I knew 
Uh, skating was definitely something that I had to work on, and I feel like over the past year I've definitely improved it a lot. Uh, but it's something I'm going to continue to work on and really work hard on it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, Barb and I, we have a really good relationship, and she definitely sees potential in my skating here in the next few years, and uh, we, we love working together, great relationship, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, working on my skating and get better on it. Rutger, I mean, you mentioned your daddy's a coach. You know how important family is to getting you to this point in your career. Who else has really sort of molded you as a hockey player? Who else deserves credit for you know getting you to today where you got to hear your name announced uh, as the first round selection of the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, honestly, it's it's tough to uh, tough to say. I mean, there's so many people that have impacted my life in so many different ways from. Uh, just uh, Toronto Bulldogs giving me a chance at the brick when I was 10 years old to get me noticed to go to Honey Baked at 11 years old. And then uh, just University of Michigan, just my dad, all the coaches I've had throughout my career, Adam Nightingale, uh, Mike Hamilton, just uh, everyone. Sorry if I'm leaving someone out, but uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Nerado, I feel like uh, there's just there's so many different people that uh, deserve thanks and uh, have been a big part of my career. And uh, yeah, I, I'm extremely thankful for them. Rutger, we're going to let you go in a few seconds. We really appreciate you, you know, joining us. I wanted to, you know, because you got to go celebrate with your your friends and family, but just wanted to ask you, like, how nice is it to see? I mean, we knew there were going to be a lot of, you know, players from the U.S. national team selected, but how nice is it just just to see, you know, your teammates drafted and you know get finally get to know where they're going to play, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, in a couple of years. Ah, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, uh, I feel like that was definitely something that was good about our team is. Uh, we, we, we talked to each other and you got 23 other brothers and, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, we can help each other out through it. If someone's stressed out, talk to them, whatever it is. Uh, I feel like, uh, we, we really utilize that this year. And, uh, I, I loved every second of that team. Okay. So record, got to ask you, what do you know about Winnipeg? Uh, I know a little bit. One of my, one of my best buddies is from North Dakota and North Dakota is pretty close to Winnipeg. And uh, I forgot the name of the tournament, but I, I came to Winnipeg like three separate times for, uh, it was a summer tournament, the uh, Winnipeg, I, I totally forgot what it was, but uh, I, I've been to Winnipeg a few times. So. There you go. There you go. Rutger McGrory is the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets, selected 14th overall. Rutger, congratulations. Uh, this will be a great night. I'm sure you'll never forget it. Thanks so much for joining us this evening on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thank you. Go Jets. Congrats, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rutger. <laughs> Thanks, Rutger. There he goes. Rutger McGrory joining us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the draft program on this Thursday evening. Uh, Jets now five picks away. Sounds like there's been a trade uh, to announce between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sounds like it's a salary dump. Uh, let me see if I can get the details. Uh, the Peter Morazic, who, of course, was a terrible signing by the Toronto Maple Leafs, he goes to the Chicago Blackhawks uh, for a – is it for a first-round pick? The Blackhawks get a first-round pick uh, and Morazic for number 38 overall. So for the, it sounds like the Blackhawks get the Leafs' first-round pick. The Leafs get the Blackhawks' second-round pick. And Peter Morazic. What was Morazic's uh, cap hit, Drew? Like $3 million? I think it's more. Isn't it something like four, if I'm not mistaken? I'll look so, it up on Cap Friendly uh, momentarily. And it sounds like who's Cal Cassian's going to Arizona as well, if I'm not Zach mistaken? Zach Cassian, yeah. Zach from Edmonton? Is he going to, yeah. He's going to Arizona? Is there, the Oilers are looking to make some cap space as well? Sounds like there's well, some moves Well, Cassian happening. said he wanted to play in front of a real crowd, so that's why they traded him. <laughs> 
Okay, so Peter Morazic and the 25th overall pick to Chicago in exchange for Toronto's uh, second round pick at 38th overall. So uh, that's so basically to get uh, rid of Morazic's contract, they dropped in the draft by 13 picks. That's basically what it's. Yeah, the Blackhawks get an extra first round pick. Uh, so that's Peter, smart. Yeah. I got to give Chicago credit on that one. I mean, obviously, yeah. guys, Toronto is going to sign a goalie. Like, is it going to be Darcy Kemper? I hope for Leafs fans it is because of all the goalies out there, we talked about Matt Murray. I, I look at, I, I think Matt Murray's a, a good guy and everything like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, his body of work, sure, there have been some injuries and everything like that. But I mean, is Darcy Kemper, does Darcy Kemper not make so much sense for the Leafs? To me, he makes so much sense. I don't know that they can afford him, but it certainly makes a lot of sense. Well, this let's trade helps. Let's, let's talk let's, about. Let's yeah, talk, let's talk about, about Rutger. The, yeah, come on, let's, let's go. Talk about Rutger. You know, that, that just oh, came across the wire. So. I, know, I, know, I mean, the, the charisma really is oozing from that kid, Dave. Calm down. As it, Dave, I just have to make mention of it. You know, there's lots of things happening. Relax, cool your so This is this is a, we focus on the Winnipeg Jets here. People aren't here to hear about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Thanks to Gregor so, Bauer for for hooking that up, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was so, great. Rutger, obviously, you know, as you expect, very uh, happy, you know, well-spoken, you know, sort of uh, as advertised after the Winnipeg Jets uh, uh, took him. Look, I think the Jets, I think I, I mentioned he's it kind before. kind of player the Jets need. Yeah, he's the kind of player the Jets need. The Jets need to be more difficult to play against. Now, it obviously won't be this year, and it is unlikely to be next year as well. I mean, I suppose there's a possibility, of course, depending on what happens in his, uh, in his first season at the University of Michigan. But the Jets need to be harder to play against because they have been easy to play against for the last number of years, probably since Buffalo left. I mean, you know, when Buffalo was on the ice, you always knew when he was on the ice, every opponent knew when, uh, when, when, when Dustin Buffalo was on the ice. Now Rutger is probably going to, you know, obviously not be Dustin Buffalo because there's only one Dustin Buffalo, but he's obviously going to, you know, add a little bit of that tenaciousness, add a little bit of that sandpaper and, Mm -hmm. but, but sandpaper with a scoring touch, you know, you know, if Matthew Kachuk was just sandpaper and wasn't also a dynamic uh, goal scorer in this league, he wouldn't be as effective as he is. Now, Rutger right. is obviously, you know, he said it himself, the Kachuk brothers, more Matthew than Brady. That's his, that's who he styles his game after. And boy, do the Winnipeg Jets need a player like that. Well, and, you know, I don't know if you guys were thinking this when he said Matthew Kachuk, but obviously the the Keith Kachuk and the fact that mm-hmm. their mom is from Winnipeg, right? So it just seemed yeah. like that was such a great comparison um, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Kachuk brothers are two of the best players in the league. Um, so first off, that was just a, a good, like he's got a magnetic personality, right? Like that yeah. just comes across. And obviously, we, you know, we've never talked to him um, before, but you know, for everybody that was listening to that interview, I mean, you, you couldn't help, but, you know, fall in love with that player and be excited that the Jets got that kid, right? Like, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you talk about all the different players the Jets could have got, I mean, and there were no shortage of options with the 14th overall pick. We talked about it, right? Like a, a guy like Joaquin Kemmel, um was ranked number seven. I think he went 17 or 18, right? Yeah, um, 17. But yeah, I, I like that. I personally like that. You guys know that I like that. Obviously, it's not about what I want, but I think, you know, there is an appetite out there, um, you know, amongst Jets fans for that type of player, Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's at the end of the day, the, the people that buy the tickets and buy the types of jerseys. And we talked about it. McGordy was the captain of the U.S. National Development Program. Think mm-hmm. about how important that is. Right. Like this is this is some of the best American young American players in the world. 
uh, young players in the world, and he's the captain of that team. He doesn't necessarily have as much talent as a guy like Logan Cooley, but this is a guy who, you know, the team, the coaching staff, and the players picked to be their leader, right? So, again, obviously we're not saying he's going to be the future Jets captain. He was just drafted an hour ago. (laughs) Um, But we're saying that, you know, those intangibles do matter. I mean, it it is going to matter what he does on the ice, and, you know, but I, I think, you know, when you hear the players he's being compared to, a lot of these players are either power forwards or, or two-way players with a lot of character, right? So um, I really like the pick, and I like the pick a lot more after talking to him, just based on his uh, his character and his answers and the fact that he said, go Jets, go, at the end of the interview. We've never had that, uh, Drew, uh, based on all the other Jets draft prospects we've talked to. Um, so I think Jets fans are, are, are as, as the hours pass and as the days pass, and we're going to get another pick here shortly at number 30. I think Jets fans are, are going to start liking Rutger McGrody more and more. Right. There's no question. I think you make a good point. It does speak to his leadership skill that he's able to, that, you know, the U.S. national team, de, uh, you know, development program has so many first round picks on that roster. They got guys who are expected, you know, if they're not taken in the first round, they're going to be taken in the first two rounds, uh, you know, where, you know, he's got, you know, there's five, six, seven guys expected to be drafted out of that program. And the fact that he was named the captain, that means that he was obviously had the respect of so many young, talented players that he was able to win them over, that he was able to, uh, you know, be the voice that they need to have in the dressing room, I think speaks to a lot of those intangibles that we were talking about, speaks to what uh, the character of the player as well. Uh, you know, and uh, more than that, I mean, and you, who knows if he ever turns, if he's, you know, that captaincy and that leadership translates, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of into the Winnipeg Jets dressing room. I think it's more his on-ice performance and the the grittiness and skill set that he'll bring to the table that I think is most most appealing to the Winnipeg Jets fans, Dave. Yeah, no, I, I think there's no question about it. And look, uh, the fact is, and, and as he said it, and we've all said it, he's not playing for the Winnipeg Jets next year. So, I mean, he's six foot, I think he's six one, two 205 pounds. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's he's a big boy and, and adds that size. He can play, you know, his skate. And look, he's working on his skating. What are we talking about? What do you need to be able to do in this in this league? And Barb skating. Underhill is the person that you want to work with because she is the um, skating guru. Well, and again, like I said, like reading the reading the article from from Mark Master, he talked about why he decided to make that decision. And I've got it linked in the on the website on legalreserve.com. So you can go check that out there. But I mean, if his skating is going to improve and he's going to work on that element, and guys always work on different things, he's already got the, you know, the size could still grow. I mean, this is a player, right? This is a guy that you're going to want in your organization. And it seems like he fits. He's got that character that the Jets are going to like. You know, he's got a familiarity. Hey, Lincoln, Nebraska is just is just south of South Dakota. We're not looking, it's not very far away from from, from Winnipeg, Manitoba. So, you know, he's 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 got that that prairie mentality. He's got that everybody kind of everybody knocks on him mentality. So the point is, I think he's a, he he seems like you know again the chat can let us know what they think, but it seems like people like him. And again, this isn't about liking a guy. Most players are excited. Most guy young guys are excited. But this seems to be a, the type of player who's going to potentially have a big impact on the Jets in a few years. So uh, you know, it looks like a good pick. I mean, is it a reach? Who knows? We don't know. We'll find that out again. That's the beauty of these drafts. We look back at them. 2017, you're looking at it now. You're like, all right. You know, Christian Veslinen, bit of a reach. But Nikolai Ehlers, that wasn't a reach. Great pick, right? I mean, that's that's what you do. Kyle Connor, 2015, you know, right away. You know, the Boston Bruins let three picks go by. Kyle Connor slips to the Jets. 
looks like a fantastic pick at 17. So that's that's the mentality you have to have. It's it's too hard. I, I can't stand the, the 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 slapping. This team won the draft. This team won the draft. How? Who knows? Shane Wright was the consensus number one pick for how long? And then all of a sudden he went bye bye. So I mean, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to that you're already poo pooing what an organization's done. It, it's too quick to do that. Too quick to judge. Let's watch this play itself out, right? And then from there we'll see. Look, did anybody expect Chaz Lucas to be signing a pro deal? I didn't. None of us did, right? And and look, we talked about it with Chris Peters. I asked Chris Peters on Saturday, is Chaz Lucius going to play for the Mato Moose next year? Well, I didn't say it specifically like that, but I said, what do you think is going to happen? He seems to think, because his, his rights are owned in the WHL by Portland, I believe. So he seems to think... It is Chaz, Portland, Dave. Yeah. So he seems to think that Chaz is going to play with Portland. But we don't know yet. But the point is that there's always this, there's so much that can happen with these prospects. There's a lot to look forward to, a lot of excitement. That's all I'm saying. Drew, you're muted. Drew, you're muted. Fine. Find the guy. Sorry. Montreal Canadiens pick is in at number 26. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll give you the Habs pick. The Jets are four picks away for their second first round selection. Much more to come. Don't go anywhere. We're into the last few picks of the first round of the 2022 NHL draft. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Whoa, back on the illegal. Now, everyone else has gone to bed, so I can go back inside the house. And why aren't we back? I don't know. Your, your Wi Fi sounds a little off right now. Okay, well, can you hear me? If you can't hear me, you guys keep talking and I'll restart my computer. Drew, are you about to raid like, the fridge? I'm not going to raid the fridge right now, Mr. Ginsburg. No, I'm not. But everyone else has gone to bed inside, so I can go back inside as well. And uh, we already and, knew uh, that you had a good family, but you, have, you really do have a great family because uh, you know you've got the nice quiet kitchen there, the nice quiet house, and we can uh, finish off the rest of the round one coverage here. Exactly right, and I managed to not get eaten by any of the creepy sounds that were coming from emanating from the forest behind me as things were uh, getting a little bit uh, hairy outside. My money was on honey badger, Drew. Yeah. You know, you thought honey badger? You know, it's 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 possible. I just don't really want to experience experience what getting eaten by a honey badger would, would have to do to me at that point in time. Uh, so Zach Cassian to Arizona with number twenty nine, a future second and a future third for number thirty two. So it looks like the Coyotes get to move up a few spots. The Oilers drop down a few spots and give up a second and a third to get out from Zach Cassian's contract. So some of the teams are. Uh, trying to get out from the bad contracts that they signed, as we've seen from both the uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, San Jose is currently on the clock. I mean, Isaac Howard's still on the board. He's a guy that a lot of people had way higher in, in some of their rankings. You, you wonder if he's an option for the Winnipeg Jets as they get down to uh, number 30 at this point in time. You know, things are getting a little bit uh, interesting. You know, Brad Lambert, when does somebody select Brad Lambert? You know, do the Jets take a flyer on him, uh, you know, as they get close to number 30? So things are getting very interesting uh, for the Winnipeg Jets with their second first round selection coming up here on the 2022 NHL draft, guys. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you mentioned a few players that could be options here. I mean, when you talk about high risk, high reward, again, and we're just speculating here, but I mean, wouldn't Brad Lambert be a guy that that would be a nice as a, as a 30th overall pick? I mean, he could easily go, what do we have, two more selections, three more selections before the Jets here? 
I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if somebody takes mm-hmm. Lambert. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't necessarily know where he's ranked by the Jets if they're even considering him. But I think, you know, when you consider uh, that some scouts had him going, you know, second overall as recently as a year ago, um, you know, that would that would be considered a, a steal. I mean, Oliver Shillington, I remember, what did he go, Dave? I think he went with the last pick of the second round, something like that. Mm-hmm. What was that yeah, back in 2018? So. And look at Shillington. I mean, Shillington's turned into a really good defenseman for the Calgary Flames, right? So it kind of reminds you of that or, or Atu Ratu, who we thought was Atu Rati last year. Um, mm-hmm. He went, um, I don't remember where he mm-hmm. went in the second mm-hmm. round, but he was a guy kind of yeah. similar. Brad Lambert is that that guy this year, or you remember Joshua Ho saying, like these types of guys that are a little bit, uh, you know, I hate using that word, but it's kind of a wild card pick a little bit in the sense of, you know, you don't know if, you know, based on the way he's played the last year, he hasn't put up the type of numbers in yeah. Finland that you would like to see. So Lambert probably will go pretty soon. We have Drew here. I, think Drew I don't know. Drew's, out, Drew, Drew's, Drew's a little bit frozen, I think. I think I think the uh, the internet was better outside than it was in Drew. So I know now you're back with us, but uh, you're you're having some you're having some freezing difficulties there. So regardless of that, look, I, I, it's it's such an interesting situation because I mean Brad Lambert has fallen right from like as he said from a guy who was seen as a top five pick to now like look the three teams. Going in between all those teams out in Finland, we talked to Chris Peters about it on Saturday show and all the problems there. So, uh, I mean, it's just a very, very interesting situation there. And is my guy Jagger Furkus still available? Jagger Furkus is still available yeah, there. Yeah, I think Ferkus he could be an option for the Jets at thirty as well. Yeah, for sure. Isaac Howard, Jagger Furkus. You got uh, Yuri Coolich. I think is still available. The center, six foot from Czechia. So you got him. Tias Havlid. I think he's still available. So right shot defenseman is not big, 5'10". Lane Hudson, 5'8". You know, left shot defenseman. A lot of defensemen uh, available here at this point. So You mentioned Yuri Kulich, uh, Dave, um, from Czechia. Yeah. Uh, he scored nine goals at the U18s. So the U18s, is, as we've talked about, a lot of scouts maybe put a little bit more stock into it than others. But yeah. when you're putting up nine goals against some of the best, you know, 17-year-old players in, in the world – I mean, I think people are, are going to perk up. So, I mean, look, we named, what, four or five guys there. Um, yeah. look, so that's why when you get that 30th overall pick from the Rangers, you could end up getting a guy who's a future, you know, top six forward for you. Look, it, it, you know, getting that first round pick in exchange for Andrew Kopp there was basically became free money for the Absolutely. Winnipeg Jets. You know, because mm-hmm. when they made that deal, the, you wouldn't have thought the Rangers were necessarily going to advance to the. And I know the Rangers were a good team. Don't get me wrong. You didn't necessarily think the Rangers were going to advance to the Eastern Conference Final. I mean, the the they the, almost didn't the, advance to the second round, Drew. Well, that's what I'm saying. The conditions that were attached to that pick, you did not think they were necessarily going to be activated to the Jets' benefit. But lo and behold, here they are, and the Jets are obviously going to have a pick tomorrow as a result of that as well. Uh, in the second round, I should I should say, they're obviously going to have multiple picks tomorrow. So, I mean, this is, you know, if the Jets are able to, you know, hit a home run with this pick, and, you know, the Jets have been sort of, you know, hit or miss in those late first round selections and past. I mean, you know, some of the it's too soon for, for some of those guys. But you think about, you know, in their in their latter half of the first round, some of those guys necessarily haven't worked out to be uh, as great as you would have hoped or as solid. You know, we talked about Christian Veselainen, who's obviously going to play overseas next year. You know, Logan Stanley is, you know, looks like a third pairing 
depth defenseman, you know, that seems to be what his ceiling is going to be. I don't think he's ever going to materialize into that top four player like uh, so many people had hoped for when they certainly saw the combination of size John and skill. John is saying that he Lane Hudson's a game changer, Drew. So, I mean, well, he's not the first guy. So, Lane Hudson's another guy. We, we mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, five foot ten, I believe he's five ten, five eleven defenseman. Uh, is he left shot, Dave, or right shot? I forget. Um, he's a left shot, left shot. Left shot. So, but Hudson's a guy that I think, you know, he's kind of his consolidated ranking is uh, kind of closer to the About second 30. round. Yeah, 32. Right? Yeah, so end of the first round. So that would be kind of exactly. So, yeah, Lane Hudson, if you want to go defenseman, um, you know, we talked about Jagger Furcus. We talked about Brad Lambert. But you're right, Drew. I mean, Jack Roslovic is the obvious guy that was a hit. Right, but but sure. I mean, look at I mean, well, but he wasn't a hit for the Jets, really, though, as he. Well, yeah, that's a good point, but I mean, there's no doubt that you can't really, you can't say anything else aside from Christian. I hate using the word bust, but let's use the word disappointment. Christian Vesselainen sure. has been a disappointment considering the Jets took him um, in the first round, right? And then Logan Stanley, you, you could we could argue. I don't necessarily you know think he's a disappointment, but he definitely hasn't projected to more than a third pairing defenseman. Maybe mm-hmm. you know on a certain team he could play in their top four, and that's nothing against Logan Stanley. That's just kind of what he is. At uh, you know, I think he's twenty three years old now, right? So I mean, doesn't I? I wouldn't say Stanley's as much as a bust if you want to use that word as Veselinen. Um, But there's no doubt. I mean, they, there, there's the potential here, just like there's the potential in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, to get a player that you know one day is going to have a long NHL career. So we'll see where the Jets go here. We're going to find out really soon. And I you know what? Sorry, I was just gonna. No, I was just gonna say. Like, it, it's funny because a lot. Like, there's there's a mix, right? You got some folks who say don't draft Hudson. He's you know five foot eight uh, defenseman. You don't need another small defenseman. Other people, like uh, I, I didn't see who said it. You know, said it's a it's a, it's a home run. You know that you're gonna have a dynamic player who could be a steal uh, in that spot. And and you know Hudson is an interesting name because when I we asked the Jets fans to comment on. Who they would like to add that in that 30th spot uh, after Owen Pickering and Denton Matejak, you know, mm-hmm. who, who didn't think you were going to get down to 30. Pickering, maybe just because he was 23rd, 24th. But like Hudson was the third most often uh, person, you know, name thrown out there by Jets fans as someone they could see in the, in the system. Yeah, maybe you don't want someone, but again, hockey IQ, maybe this, maybe the body catches up. I mean, these guys are young, they still have room to grow. I mean, they're not necessarily at their full height and weight. And we saw, like, look what guys who are dynamic can do to an NHL team, right? And that's depending on how your your the structure of your organization, that's not necessarily a bad thing to have a guy who's exceptional and maybe just needs to add some size. Well, I mean, you can always you can always do that, right? And and size isn't everything. Don't you believe don't you ever uh, <laughs> question that, guys? Believe size isn't everything. Ask as EG. Absolutely. I'm only 5'9", and look at me. You, you're, you're a spitfire there, Mr. Ginsburg. You, nobody wants to mess with you in a dark alley at, 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 on, uh, on, <laughs> no, on any given night. No, but Dave makes a good night. point. I mean, this whole thing with size, like Tory Krug is not a big guy. I'll take Tory mm-hmm. Krug on my team any day of the week. Um, I'll take Alex DeBrinkett any day of the week. I mean, if you're a good hockey player and, and, and you know, you do the right things, small players can, can thrive, right? So, I mean, it just depends if, if the Jets like him with the 30th overall pick, but you got Turd Ferguson, um, you know, saying Lane Hudson will be a steal. So again, I mean, and, and again, I don't know if I just think being I, serious as he, but he says his whole family is, is five foot 11 or more. His brother well, after he turned 11. Now, I don't know if Turd's just having fun 
or if that's real. Well, but I mean, like yeah, said, exactly. That's something that's possible, right? The point is the Jets, you know, to say that the Jets already have so many small defensemen, that's not a reason to not take a player, right? Like you take a player. You if, take the most talented someone, player. Someone's going to take Lane Hudson, right? Like someone's going to draft him. It might be the Jets, but like that's not a reason not to take him. Um, you take him, you know, because he's a good hockey player. Not, you know, he's not going to, you can't do anything about the fact that he's only, you know, five foot eight, right? So I just think that, you know, it's ridiculous when people say you can't draft him because the Jets already have a bunch of small defensemen. Well, you take the most talented player and then you let the chips fall where they may because you don't know who the Jet defense is going to be three exactly. years from now. You don't well, know that, who the Jets By the time Lane one. Hudson's in the NHL, the Jets defense is going to look much different. I can guarantee right. you that. Yeah, exactly right. So I mean, you know, getting a giant now because you have small guys now isn't the you know isn't the case isn't the way to go. Um, but you know, obviously the Jets know that, and the Jets have their have their selections and they have their picks. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. They're a couple picks away. The Montreal Canadiens made their selection. The Buffalo Sabers are now uh, on the clock at number twenty eight, and then the Oilers at twenty nine. Uh, although I think that'll become the Coyotes pick once that trade is officially announced, if uh, mm-hmm. if I'm able to keep track of all the trades that have been happening in a little bit of an interesting night. Um, you know, what I was saying uh, before, though, is that, you know, after tonight and then before tomorrow's round two through seven, that's where you're going to see a lot of, I think, conversations happen. You remember it was PK when PK Subban was traded from Nashville to New Jersey. That happened before day two of the draft started because everybody's going to be uh, everybody's getting back together. You know, you sort of take a deep breath after the first round ends, the general managers take that deep breath and then they go and they probably rekindle trade conversations that were already started over the last 24, 48 hours and see if there starts to become some matches. So if that's an opportunity, because, you know, if the Jets don't trade Blake Wheeler this weekend, it sort of seems like, not that they're running out of time to do it, but it seems like if you don't do it this weekend, when are you doing it? You know, especially if you're trying to get, you know, a player back. I mean, you know, we've also heard Brendan Dillon's name out there lately as, as a guy who's on the trade block. Now, I don't think Brendan Dillon's going to return you uh, draft uh, sort of a, a player, a roster player necessarily. He's no. probably going to Ho- return hopefully you, you get a draft, second draft pick back. Well, that's, that's, that's what, what they gave up to get him, right? Yeah. right? Of course. So, I mean, that, I mean, I don't think that they w- would get that back from him. Yuri Kulich, uh, the centerman from uh, mm. uh, from uh, Chechia, is who the Buffalo Sabers just took at number twenty-eight. So we mentioned earlier he had off. nine goals at the U18, so he's a good player. Right. So there is you go. Brad Lambert going to fall out of the first round? Like this is this is shocking. Well, I mean, you know, the, the knock on him was, you know, he doesn't play the kind of game that he needs to play to succeed. So, yeah. you know, the, you know, you got all the talent and I mean, you know, and uh, you know, how risk averse are these general managers? Well, they often tend to be risk averse. I mean, you know, you see it and you've seen it so many times, you know, a guy like, you know, you know, the guys who have the bad raps on them for better or worse and whether those those raps are fair or not fair, they tend mm. to get you know, negativity attached to them and how many of these general managers want to put their own reputations on the line in order to, you know, stick their head out and get one of those guys. The flip side to that being, of course, if one of those guys ends up paying off, well, aren't you the general manager who looks like a genius, uh, you know, who looks like a genius for going out and getting that guy? I don't know if the Jets are necessarily that team that's usually been the risk takers in in that sense of uh, of it, you know, you know, when was the last time they sort of had an 
off the board pick in terms of a guy who's oh, or uh, in terms of a guy who just sort of comes out of nowhere. Um, sorry, I had to get rid of some of the some of the spam people there for a second. They were trying to take over. Um, you know that that becomes. You know, Kevin Shovel Dayoff generally isn't a guy who's risky with his selections. No, you know, and, and Rucker McGordy with anything. is not, just before anybody thinks that you know, Rucker, Rucker McGordy is not a risky pick. He might have been no, drafted no. maybe higher than, than some people thought, but he's not risky. Um, right. The thing with Brad Lambert, I think, to your point, Drew, people thought there would be more production because I believe that was his second pro year, right, Dave, in, in Finland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who don't know, his dad, like he's Canadian, but you know he's lived a little bit in Canada, but spent most of his life in Finland. I think because his dad um, played there or coached there, um, that's why obviously he's got the non-Finnish sounding name. But I think what it is is like you kind of said there, Drew, is he's got all the tools, the skills there. Mm-hmm. Like the guy's got great hands, great shot, great skater. But it's kind of like the question about his work ethic and everything like that. And I'm just, I'm just saying, um, you know, I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've read about him. I don't know. I haven't watched him play extensively. No. I've just seen clips and everything like that, but that's kind of the knock. It's like all the tools are in, in the toolbox, but he hasn't been able to put it all together. And there's there's just questions about what he projects to at the NHL level. But there are some scouts well, that are saying, okay, well, you know, but he's still good enough that he's going to make it to the NHL level. Um, but you just wonder, and that's probably why he hasn't been taken yet. He might not be taken in the second round. And I agree with Drew. I mean, the Jets might not be the team to take him, but somebody is going to probably like the upside and, and take that risk. Let me just read. This is what Scott Wheeler had to say. Still, Lambert is undeniably one of the most gifted players in this class. When he's feeling good, he's fearless with the puck, makes a ton of plays in control, and looks to dictate in possession. He also has both the hands and the skating to create, each, each of which grayed out at the top of the draft. He's got excellent control of his outside edges, which allow him to carve up coverage on cutbacks and carries. So he's got all the talent in the world. It's just a matter of can he put it all together? Yeah. You know, can he do what he needs to do to succeed at the NHL level? I can understand to some extent, if you're Brad Lambert, about, you know, maybe getting a little bored playing in Finland. You know, you're going to be drafted. Maybe. You know, and you know, maybe you just need the the motivation at the NHL level to put it all together and to display it all. And maybe that costs you and takes you from being a top ten talent because it seems like you have top ten talent. And maybe as a result, you're not a top ten pick. And instead, maybe you're a pick in the you know 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 range. So you know, maybe that hurts you. But at the same time, if you do find that motivation at the NHL level, well, you're getting, you know, some team is going to possibly get a player who's got, you know, top five talent, just a matter of does he have that motivation? You know, if if I'm a Jets fan, I don't mind taking the risk. I mean, I don't mind taking the risk. Especially when that pick is the the pick that you want to use, um, you know, have that risk attached to it Mm -hmm. because it was a quote unquote found money free pick. Sure. Right, so we'll we'll see what happens, but I mean, whether Lambert goes, you know, twenty ninth, thirtieth, thirty first, whatever, um, I, I think he's going to be one of the most interesting guys to follow because of the lineage and because the fact that you know everybody always likes the underdog story, right? And mm-hmm. another guy that kind of reminds me of Dave is um, uh, on on Nashville, who my Ellie Tolvanen. He was another guy. Yeah. Tolvanen was another guy that you know 
we thought was going to be for sure top 10 pick. If I'm not mistaken, he went 30th, 32nd, something like that. And he hasn't panned out. He's a, he's you know had flashes at the NHL level. Kind of reminds you of a guy like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so it, it's just it's it seems like each year there's one or two of those guys. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know we'll see we'll see where the Jets go here because your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I would probably you know if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say they don't go with Lambert here. But Jagger, Furcus, Lane, Hudson, uh, you know it's probably going to be a player I haven't mentioned. Isaac Howard. Isaac Howard. There's well, a lot of good players. Yeah, there's the Coyotes. Guy. In. So the Coyotes are are walking up to the stage. Okay, fine. The Jets, the Jets are about to be on the clock. But go ahead, there. Sure. No, I was going to say. So Ryan Chesley, right? There's a guy, you know, U.S. national team, right shot defenseman, six foot, 194 pounds. I mean, there's a guy. Again, I don't know a ton about him, but I'm saying, doesn't that sound, and it sound like an organizational need to fill that that right? But again, you know, it's it's hard to say because, you know, that's someone who's not going to play for your organization for two or three or four years in terms of maybe not even into the minors, let alone in, in the, with the Jets. Where is he but, committed to, Dave? Boston College? I can't remember. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember. But I'm just saying, like, you know, if you're, if you're looking at – Good thing I have the internet. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So so I just think, like, there, there's there's a possibility. He's a guy on one of the rankings I'm looking at. He's he's at the 28th spot. So Minnesota, Dave. Than, Minnesota. He's okay, a Minnesota well, boy, so he's going to play for University of Minnesota. Okay, well, which, I mean, which means he'll play for the Jets. I was going to say, if there's one thing that the Jets uh, haven't shown a uh, have shown a propensity of doing is, is selecting players from Minnesota to uh, not necessarily that they went to the University of Minnesota, but that they are Minnesota-born players. The Coyotes the have Boston. selected the Coyotes have selected Maverick Lamaru from Drummondville oh, of the QM. Six foot Jay seven. He's a six foot seven guy, six right? Six foot seven. He's a big boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. Well, you can't draft side. Yeah. You can't teach side, boys. So and it's I mean, not yeah, it's I C K. It's Maverick. So M A V E R I C. Yeah. So if you're if you got so look look on look on the list right now and, and the consolidated list I'm looking at. Brad Lambert, 14th. Isaac Howard, 22nd. Jagger Furcus, mm-hmm. 25th. Ryan Chesley, uh, 28th. Uh, Matthias Havlid, I don't think he was drafted. 30th. And Lane Hudson, 32nd. So there are five players who. The Jets could take on. I know folks are are praying. So let's hear what you guys want. Let's let's see the chat fired up. Come on, you got a couple of minutes. Jets pick is coming in. Let's. Doesn't go. matter who we, we think got. they're going to take. It matters who the fans want the Jets. That's what I'm saying. So I want to hear from the fans. And for as it pertained to Maverick Lamaru, he was 44th overall on Bob McKenzie's rankings, or on the consensus rankings that Bob McKenzie publishes. So you know a bit of a reach if you want from if you want to use that word from the perspective of the uh, of the Arizona Coyotes, maybe they want to take a bit of a flyer. He being their uh, their third first round pick in this year's draft, so maybe they felt as though they were in uh, had an opportunity to go. Uh, a little bit off the board and get a guy who's obviously got huge size foot six foot would you say six foot seven you know that's you can't teach size but then again the Winnipeg Jets might be a bit of a cautionary tale there and as it pertains to uh Logan Stanley who they obviously went for his size and he well he's you know he's an NHL player but he's you know sort of a fringe uh sixth seventh defenseman NHL player right now for the Jets so obviously the Jets now on the clock with the Coyotes having made their selection. So it'll be fascinating to see where the Winnipeg Jets go here. A lot of options uh, for a lot the of Jets folks want Hudson, A lot of folks want Howard, Hudson. I mean, mm-hmm. Luca. Reed Schaefer is another guy, guys. Two weeks yeah. ago we had Craig Button on. Reed Schaefer is a guy that skyrocketed um, up the rankings. And I think, you know, he's – his consolidated rankings, like he would be like projected to be like a third rounder 
or something like that. But uh, Reed Schaefer was a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, Looking up his point totals here, uh, he had 32 goals, 58 points, and also 21 points in the playoffs. But Reed Schaefer, I think the thing that people like the most about him, he's another one of those tenacious guys. Like, look at his penalty minutes, 88 penalty minutes for Seattle in the dub. So Reed Schaefer is another guy that Murat uh, just mentioned. So we'll see what happens here. But um, Isaac Howard makes a lot of sense too. 6'3", 215, Reed Schaefer. So, again, yeah. another guy that you notice yeah. who's when he's on the ice when uh, when when he's out there. I mean, uh, you know, are the Winnipeg Jets looking to, you know, add that? Is that, a, is that an organizational priority at this year's draft, adding some more of that grit, adding some more of that sort of forechecking ability? Um, because the Winnipeg Jets, as we've talked about, have been soft to play against the last number of years. They've been relatively easy to play against. They've been an off-the-rush sort of team. And I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon because you still got Kyle Connor, you still got Nikolai Ehlers. Those guys aren't going anywhere. You still have Mark Shifley. You know, they're not all of a sudden going to become grinders below the below the goal. But you need to complement, you know, off the rush with some guys who can, you know, go in, win and, a and score, battle and score and too. Score. Like Rutger, yeah. Rutger McGordy scores. Reed Schaefer scored thirty-two goals, and he's going to play in the WHL again next year, and he's probably going to score, mm-hmm. you know, even more. As a, as a 18 year old, right? So like, you know, they're not just drafting guys that can, you know, body check and, and agitate. I mean, they're getting guys like Matthew Kachuk light type of players, right? So um, we'll see here. It's going to be really interesting, but there's a lot of good options here at number 30. There certainly are a lot of good options for the Winnipeg Jets. They are on the clock. The clock is ticking down two minutes to go until the Jets make their selection, uh, you know, their final selection of the first round, barring something very unforeseen. But I'm After sure the Jets make their 30th overall pick, I'm just assuming you're going to go right to bed, like you're just going to pass out. Is that what's going to happen? Because it's 10 to 11 there in Kentucky, Drew. It is 10 to 11, and uh, I, I think I'll probably make it through the end of the broadcast. But, uh, yeah, exactly right. It's a bit of a late night here, but that's okay. I'm on vacation a little bit. It's been uh, a great time, as I always enjoy my time down here. In the Is it a state as here or is it a commonwealth? I can't remember what you what you like to, like, you like me to say. Hey, about no, I learned something. I learned something. I mean, I was I was watching the replay of the show because I was golfing Granite, um, yeah. and I learned that it's how a commonwealth your, how, along, along with Virginia, right? That's right. The Commonwealth of Kentucky, the Commonwealth of Virginia. How was your golf game last Saturday? Did you uh, manage to uh, you know get some birdies in the, uh, on Granite Hills there? No birdies. I, I actually parred two holes, and it was my first yeah. round in two years. I just love Granite. I mean, I'm not a good golfer. I'm like a 30 handicap. I just, that course, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful courses in Manitoba that I've yet to play, like Minnewasta, our good buddy Kenny Weeb. So always talks very highly of Minnewasta and Morden. So there's a lot of courses. I mean, Carmen is another course I want to play, but Granite Hills, uh, for me, is my favorite course in, in the province. So I just love playing that course. The but I, I still Jets. suck. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I enjoy If you've never had the pleasure of, of, of golfing with Ezzy, it's one of the most fascinating things in the world because Ezzy's got some back troubles traditionally, so he can't really take a real aggressive cut at the ball. But he's such a big, strong guy that even with his – Short, sort of geriatric looking. Swing. My short little T Rex arms and my little exactly. pot belly. I get it done. He, he still I still hit done. that you ball two hundred yards. I know you do. That's what I'm saying. You barely swing, and you still hit the ball two hundred yards. So it's very entertaining to watch you to watch the you you in motion. Jets pick is in. Uh, watching it here, is moment only moments away now, where uh, we will find out they are walking up on stage. The Winnipeg Jets crew is. 
going to make the announcement as to who is going to join uh, the Winnipeg Jets as their second selection. And it is Brad Lambert. The Winnipeg Jets do take the talent of Brad Lambert. He, we watched him drop throughout the course of the evening. One of the most talented players in the draft, but the question mark wow. about attitude and everything else. But Brad Lambert, as Mark Hillier just announced, is the selection for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, from my perspective, if you can take the most talented player, even if the talent comes with some question marks, take the talent. At this point, at 30 overall, it's a worthwhile risk because if it hits, boy, is it a jackpot you've just won. It's like winning the it's like winning the lottery right there. Absolutely. And I'm going to be really curious to see. We talked about it earlier. His WHL rights were traded by Saskatoon to Seattle. And I'm going mm-hmm. to be curious to, to find out if he's going to play uh, for Seattle. Seattle is obviously a powerhouse, right? They, they uh, – you know, almost went to the uh, Memorial Cup, lost to the Edmonton Oil Kings, right? Um, Kevin Kerchinski was drafted. Uh, he's going to be back with with Seattle. So, um, but regardless, you're right, Drew. I mean, it, it it does follow a trend for the Jets of getting players, you know, that were that were scheduled to go higher a little bit later, right? Like we've talked about it going back to, I don't know, Dave, if we, it goes past 2015, but definitely Kyle Connor, Craig Button thought should have been a top ten pick. And they got him at, uh, what was it, 17? It was so many years ago, I forget, but I think it was 17th overall. So, yeah, Brad Lambert at 30th overall, to me, just just on paper, um, you know, does look like a huge steal uh, for the Jets. And it's going to be, like I said, he's going to be one, one of the most intriguing prospects to watch out of this draft class, not just because he was drafted by the Jets, but just because of all the skill. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he stays in Finland or plays in the WHL. We'll probably find that out very quickly here when he talks to the media and hopefully we'll be able to get him on, uh, you know, tonight or, or Saturday, but uh, I like it because you didn't think you had a second first round pick. Why not, you know, take a little bit of a risk here. Obviously mm-hmm. the amateur scouting staff of the jets, they know what they're doing. Um, so, you know, you got to be excited if you're a jets fan. Yeah, I would agree with your assessment there as I mean, he, look, he, he, he knows more than anybody the knocks on him. You know, he knows the criticisms that have been attached to his game. They know he knows the criticisms that have been attached to his performance. Now it's on him to prove all those critics, to prove all the naysayers wrong. And they're not necessarily naysayers. They're saying, look, you know, we've watched you. We've, we know what the skill that you have. You haven't demonstrated it consistently enough. You know, is he a bit of an enigma? Would you say that, you know, could yeah. the word that you'd be used attached to him is I enigmatic? I think that's a good word to use, Drew. Yeah, an enigma. He plays an enigmatic game. But if you, you know, an enigma is also somebody who's got a lot of talent. It's just a matter of putting it all together. It's now incumbent on the Jets and the, you know, the, ad nauseum draft and develop side of their their operation to to get the development to where it needs to be they've drafted him he's got all the talent in the world he's got oodles of talent he's got top 10 talent can they develop him can they mold him can they shape his game can they change his attitude can they change his game in order to be that first round selection the guy who had all the talent that you know had him talked about among the best of the draft class obviously never came to fruition over the last couple of years and there's been warts exposed and the knock on him has been obvious. Now it's incumbent on the Jets organization to, to get him to where he needs to be, you know, uh, as an NHL player. I think, 
either of you or can chime in anytime you want now at this point in time. But I, you know, that that's, you know, I think it's a really interesting pick for the Winnipeg Jets here uh, at number 30 in the first round, you know, to talk about, you know, there were a lot of people who were talking about Brad Lambert for the Jets at that 14th overall selection. Yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah, they're, able to, they're, they're able to get him at number 30 now where you also get yeah. a guy that you obviously liked in Rutger McGordy, uh, you know, at, at, at number 14, you know, so far, you know, you, you know, it's, again, it's way too soon to say who's a winner or a loser. And it's nonsense to even do that at this point in the career. But I think for the most part, people should be, people will probably be pleased with what the Winnipeg Jets have done tonight in terms of adding new talent to their roster. Well, I mean, read what this is what Elite Prospect said about him. He flies up and down the ice with perfect skating posture, ample flexibility through his ankles, knees, and hips, and a stable upper body. His top hand is pushed out free from his torso, and he cradles the puck at the heel of his blade with quickness and precision that most players can't match. I mean, look, the reality is he wasn't – I mean, he's playing pro now, so, I mean, it's not. he may not be that far away. You have a lot of options with a player like this. And I think, you know, it. the truth is you want to get him in your system – what was the biggest knock with, with Christian Veselainen? The biggest knock with Christian Veselainen was that he didn't want to stay in North America and learn the jet system and learn from within the organization. And he went back overseas and it, it hampered him. And, and the reality is you never really knew what he was, right? He wasn't like a top end talent, but he wasn't a grinder. So he didn't really mm-hmm. have a place. He had a good shot. He didn't use it. So Brad Lambert, again, like I said, there's going to be some knocks. But this, this to me is like, I mean, Drew, you talked about it like felt like 12 hours ago. But think <laughs> about it. This is this is a, essentially a free pick for Andrew Kopp, a player you weren't keeping anyways. So imagine if, if Brad Lambert and Nezzy talked about it. Imagine if this guy ends up being a top six talent in your organization or top six you know player in your organization for years to come. And you got him for a player you weren't going to retain anyways. So, I mean. Apparently Lambert also uses a, a shorter stick. So I think it's, you know. It's fitting, Basharit, as 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 uh, you know, for those who know what Basharit means, um, that he was drafted by the Jets. Legal curve, short stick. Anyways, I might be reaching here, boys. We've been on for about four hours now, but just about four hours. Uh, no, Isaac Howard, Lambert, just went. Lambert is a guy that, like we talked about, Dave. To your point, um, you know, he's a guy. The concerns are when he doesn't have the puck, but he's offensively dynamic, right? You mentioned his skating and soft hands and everything like that, right? But I, I like the idea of like who's, that. Who's Dallas going thing on? What's going on right now? Yeah, I'm not sure what was going on there, Drew. But that's uh, yourself. No, that's, we're just sorry, glad yeah, that we have you. Like by the you know good graces of technology, we're able to have Drew inside and outside live from Kentucky. So whatever, if there's some random sounds coming from that kitchen, we'll just roll with it. There you go. Thank you for your uh, thank you for your consideration on that front, both gentlemen. Yes, next time the clock goes off, I'll tell you what the clock is going to go off. I think in another hour. I don't think we'll still be on at that point in time. I don't think we're going to reach the five hour mark of tonight's broadcast. But you never know. Stranger things have happened as we're getting into the nitty gritty uh, minutes of the uh, 2022 first round of the NHL draft. Isaac Howard, you mentioned him. He just went number 31 to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, right after the Jets selected Brad Lambert. So obviously, watch uh, Isaac Howard score. Three- 30 goals in, in two years from now, right? Everything that the lightning touches turns to gold. That's also the uh, the concern there. That's certainly the third first uh, thought that uh, popped into my mind there. Uh, Brad Lambert, you know, like I said, I, I think it's a worthwhile guess. It's a worthwhile risk at this point in time. You know, you take talent and talent should 
more often than not win out. You think about some of the ta- most talented players who were enigmatic in the course of their career. Well, when they were on, they were, you know, they were tremendous hockey players. And so the question is, can you get them to be on more often than not? I mean, I'm thinking who's an, an edig- who's a, who is an enigma and that we can sort of come to mind. Uh, Kovalev, Alexei Kovalev, would he, he would be an enigmatic hockey player. But when Gretzky he was on. said that Kovalev was the most talented player that he'd ever watched. Right. So, and when he was on, he was fantastic. You know, so there's going to be some nights. No, I'm not saying this is going to necessarily be Brad Lambert, of course, because that's too soon to say at this point. But there might be nights where he disappears. And so you sort of, if that's the case, then you sort of put up with those nights where he disappears for the nights where he can take over a game. And that's what talent accumulation is all about. It's about getting those guys who can take over a hockey game, but those guys who can take over and, and dominate when their mindset is right. right. Now, if you can get that mindset to be right more often than not, Dave, if you can find a way to tap into whatever you know makes him tick and make him be that, you know, that dominant player on, on, a, on a regular basis, well, then, like I said, at 30 overall, 30th overall in the first round, you know, that's how you, that's how you find, you know, superstars that's how you just absolutely fall you know part of my french ass backwards into success that way and if we've seen anything from the stanley cup finals that happened this year it's what's a premium on premiums on skating if you can't skate you can't win in this league and what's brad lambert great at he's great at skating and to me you know, is he a guy whose game might translate more to a smaller ice surface where he's almost forced to work in the dirtier areas where he's forced. And that's why, sorry, Drew, to, to cut you off. That's why mm-hmm. I want to really find out. Uh, hopefully we'll find out, you know, tonight. Um, but maybe we, he hasn't made the decision if he's going to play in the dub with, with Seattle. Because, you know, Seattle is a very, you know, well-rounded team that should compete again, you know, for a WHL championship. Um, so I think it would probably make a lot of sense, um, you know, for him to come over and play in the WHL. But we'll have to wait and see. I'm tr- I'm trying to see on, on Twitter if I can find anything. So far, nobody has mentioned that. But I mean, he's played the last two years in the Finnish Liga, um, you know. But you're right. Maybe you know he'll, he'll have more success on the smaller ice surface, playing on a on a winning team. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, sort of continuing my thought there. You know, when you play on the international ice surface, you know, you can sometimes just sort of by default fall out of the smaller spaces fall out of the dirty areas because there's so much space on the ice you can sort of think that you don't have to go to those areas well you know in in the nhl and the whl and the ahl you have to go to those areas it's just you can't be a perimeter player exclusively because there's just it's just not a recipe for success you have to the ice surface is smaller so you eventually have to find yourself into that slot and you have to find yourself you know trying to get closer to a goaltender. And I wonder if, you know, getting back to a North American ice surface might be of benefit to Brad Lambert after spending the last couple of years with middling results overseas playing on the international ice surface, Dave. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's a point well made. And, you know, you get here and it's a lot different than having to send, you know, the, the talent, you know, the development team, guys like Jimmy Roy and, and Mike Keane, you don't want to send them to Finland too many times. So this way you have a player who can be, and that's one of the things that Chris Peters talked to us about on, on uh, Saturday when we asked him about Brad Lambert, right? And when I asked him where he would be playing next year, and what, you know, how much influence. And his thought was he would be playing over in Europe. But he said, you know, a team is going to have an impact on that. A team is going to have some insight, some, some, of some voice as to where he ends up. And, you know, like I said, if the team feels that he, what you're suggesting, Drew, that he's not getting, he's not maximizing 
on his development over in Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, it's, people are saying he's looks unimpressed. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, he was probably expecting to go in the top 15 and he went 30th. So, I mean, if I'm him, it's, it's similar to Shane Wright. I'm more pissed off. I'm not pissed off. I was selected by Winnipeg. Maybe he is, I don't know, but I mean, I would, I would be more inclined to believe it's pretty embarrassing for a guy who was expected to be, like I said, a minimum a top 15. We talked about it last year. He was supposed to be a top five talent. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, and you know what? And again, look, there, there's, there's ways you can deal with this. You can, you can, you can be petulant and you can be upset and you can allow it to influence you, or you can use it as a driving force. And, and, and a player, I would just, quickly parallel to the Jets fans should be familiar with and Moose fans will be familiar with is Henry Nickenen. Henry Nickenen finish was a fourth round pick of the Jets in 2019. Henry Nickenen in his draft year was supposed to be, was considered a first round pick. It was like a no brain first round pick, but he had a lot of injuries he had to deal with. And as a result, he fell out of that and the Jets got him in the fourth round. And I remember talking to him at the, at the development camp that Winnipeg had in 2019. And you just got a sense of a guy who had some fire. He was pissed about it. Not pissed that he was selected by Winnipeg, but just upset with the fact that, you know, teams passed him over, which ironically, I guess the Jets did three times. But the point is that, you know, he was a guy who was driving. And, you know, what? I got to tell you, I watched him play with the Moose. I liked what I saw in, in, in Nickin. And I remember him describing himself and, you know, he, he talked about, you know, the kind of player he is and that defensive sort of forward and responsible. Like I, we, he saw, showed some flashes. And he didn't look out of place playing here in North America alongside Daniel Torgerson, the 2019 second rounder. But I'm just saying that I don't think it's a bad thing. If the guy looks unimpressed, that's fine. You want to use that that to kind of to rev up his engine to drive him and make him mad. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, it's not going to be sustainable. He can't be mad in three years' time and be like, I'm still mad. But the reality is <laughs> you want to you want to make people forget. you. Like, like I said. Have a chip on your shoulder. Game. Exactly. She, the look that Shane Wright gave the Montreal Canadiens. Did you see it when he was? I, I did. did you guys see honestly, it? that was a death yeah, stare. One of one of our one of our subscribers sent it to me, so I, I I saw it. That's what you want. I mean, you know what, Ezzy? I, I think you said it or Drew said it, and you're right. That probably is the best thing that ever going to happen to him. I mean, over and above the idea of like falling out of Montreal, where they're you know a little bit hard, hockey mad, and if he didn't live <laughs> up to it, they, he'd be killed. But I think that is going to drive him. In addition to wanting to have success on his own, I mean, you don't. In addition to the millions of dollars he makes, I think Shane Wright's yes. going to be okay. But I'm just saying that the point is that that is going to drive him. That is going to a guy who's already probably got a very high motor. That is going to rev it up even higher. And and you hope if you're a Jets fan that that someone like Brad Lambert, I'm going to be saying Lane Lambert a lot, I suspect, but Brad Lambert is going to use this as motivation. And look, he may not. I mean, there's guys like there's a lot, plenty of talented guys. I mean, let's think about Josh Hosang, right? Josh Hosang was a really talented player. Islanders didn't usually really use him well in their system. He's in the Leaf system. You know, it was kind of like, oh, well, is he ever going to get a, a chance? You know, he was regarded as a guy who has a lot of talent, couldn't put it necessarily all together. So you don't want a Josh Hosang situation here with Brad Lambert, but you again, you want somebody who's going to use this as a motivational tool for himself to improve to get better. And and I suspect again. The way the Jets use their development team, whether it's with the Moose or whether it's, like I said, Mike Keene, Jimmy Roy, sending them to to wherever these guys are, they really do maintain contact. I mean, we talked about it, right? We talked about it with a lot of these prospects who say, oh, yeah, I hear from him. I hear from him. I felt like he really cared about me. Chaz Lucius, 
right? Talked about it when he signed that pro deal. Talked about how often he was talking, hearing from Mike Keane. So that's the benefit for these guys being over here, I think, is that they'll hear from them probably on a more regular basis. They'll get to go see. I mean, think about it. If, if, if Brad Lambert's playing in Seattle, I mean, how much easier is it to go watch him play on the West Coast for these guys to just hop over there? Well, maybe not with the current travel situation, but I just think from a development perspective, the Jets are going to try. And, you know, one of the other suggestions, I mean, maybe the Jets will try and strong arm the ice to trading for his rights so they can watch him really closely. Obviously, that's whatever. But the point is, I, I don't think it's – I think it's a good thing for Winnipeg. I think it's a good thing for the Jets. And I think that it's a good thing for Brad Lambert because, you know, it, like I said, he'll be able to use this as motivation for years to come. There you go. Well said, Dave. M. the first round of the NHL draft concluded with the Edmonton Oilers selecting Reed Schaefer. So the last three guys that we sort of talked about like in pick. depth – uh, Brad Lambert obviously going to the Jets at number 30. Isaac Howard from the U.S. National Team Development Program going to the Tampa Bay Lightning at number 31. And then the Edmonton Oilers at number 32 taking Reed Schaefer from uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League to wrap up the 2022 first round of the NHL draft. More to come, of course, rounds two through seven tomorrow uh, starting, I believe, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So, of course, the big thing to keep an eye on for the Jets, they have that second-round selection that originally belonged to the St. Louis Blues that they acquired in the Andrew Kopp deal, so they'll keep an eye on that. And then you wonder about any more trades that might occur between now and tomorrow or during the draft tomorrow because there are still some uh, some players, obviously. You know, the names are out there. Blake Wheeler's out there. The names of uh, Brendan Dillon have been out there. Who knows where the Winnipeg Jets are going to go at this point now that they're through with the first round of the draft, Desi. Yeah, absolutely. And fun show, by the way. Over four hours here. Yeah. Um, you know, got through it. You know, we do it every year. It's always fun, but I I I, I got to crash, boys. I'm <laughs> I'm fading here. I, I mean, I you know we all have to. Well, you don't, Drew, because you're on a nice vacation there in Kentucky. But Dave and I have a lot of work to do tomorrow, so um, fun. But I want to go get some shut eye as well. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably there, Mr. Ginsburg. Uh, Brad Lambert, of course, we'll hope to hear from him possibly on the Saturday show that you guys are going to hold down the fort of uh, Dave and Ezzy. Uh, well, I'm traveling back to Winnipeg. I'll be back, of course. And then next week is free agency. It's, I mean, you, know, you take a deep breath and then boom, free agency is next Wednesday. That opens at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets obviously have more RFAs that they're concerned with than UFAs. But what happens with Eric Comrie? I don't think any of us are expecting Paul Stasny back as a member of the Winnipeg Jets especially after how last year ended. But uh, I would say, uh, you know, for the most part, that, of course, uh, free agency is always an interesting time. The Winnipeg Jets have some holes on their roster. Uh, you know, while they don't oftentimes make a big splash in free agency, and I wouldn't expect that they're going to make a big splash in free agency this year either. But, you know, they will all, they often, you know, will, you know, sign some players who might be on the fringes of things or maybe some guys who, uh, you know, might uh, turn out to be something that uh, unexpected for this Winnipeg Jets team. Uh, really interesting night, really fun night, as as he said, over four hours of coverage here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. Uh, they make this show a possibility. They make the Saturday show a possibility. They make the post-game show a possibility. Schedule just came out earlier, a couple days ago, of course, 
course. So we got that to talk about. Uh, our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway. Our friends at Betway have hooked us up with so much great merchandise and swag to give away during the upcoming season. You better be subscribed to our YouTube channel to get your hands on some of that great stuff. Bernstein's Deli, home of the Illegal Curve Sandwich, currently under renovation. They'll be back open and soon, uh, soon enough. Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagrams, Rollies Transfer, and Grid Park support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Dave M., what's up on the website right now? I know you're hard at work getting all the latest on the Winnipeg Jets, two selections, uh, uh, Rutger and, of course, Brad Lambert. What's, what do you have up on the website for people to check out? Well, I've just kind of got you the uh, an idea of where they were expected to go, give you some insights, some links, some articles about them. We're going to have the media interviews as soon as the Jets post them. I've been, of course, focused on the show, uh, trying to keep my focus here and, and minimize the externals. But And just so people are asking, uh, guys, we're not doing a show tomorrow. We'll be back on the air, obviously, on Saturday. But uh, the website will be flying. And obviously, mm-hmm. without, the, without the distraction of the show, I will be like, like just like this. It'll be overflowing out. with content, oozing content oozing content so illegalcurve.com will be your source to have all the latest jets news uh obviously as it pertains to the draft kevin shovel day up i think is probably going to speak at some point tonight so i'm going to have that up there's no no rest for the wicked i won't what time chevy going to be speaking at like 1 30 in the morning in montreal whatever i mean it is what it is but i mean the truth is i won't be going to bed too early tonight so we'll be uh we'll keep this momentum rolling so folks don't don't go anywhere make sure you go to illegalcurve.com tonight tomorrow all weekend long. Make sure you smash that like button, as Drew was saying. And the other thing is, you know, like I said, make sure you're subscribing. There's going to be a lot of benefits to be subscribing. And 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 not only do we want you to subscribe, if you can, love the live chat. Drop some ch- some comments in the on the video itself. That always that helps. Again, that little that little pesky algorithm. So we'll see you guys on Saturday. Everybody have a great rest of your night. Sorry, Drew. Thanks for watching. I got, I got excited because I'm hosting on Saturday, so I started to get uh, a little bit excited. That's okay. I appreciate it. I was going to just say Davey, I'm going to take over my job uh, for the rest of the time. I want to just leave off with the final comment that came out of uh, Brad Lambert, who's meeting with some of the assembled media uh, in Montreal. Quote, uh, this is courtesy of our buddy Mike McIntyre, his Twitter feed. Dave M will have all this audio on the website very shortly on illegalcurve.com. Quote, Brad Lambert says, I'm going to work my ass off to prove critics wrong. His WHL rights are owned by Seattle, and he will talk to the Jets about his next move after the tough year he had in there you go so it sounds like the possibility that he comes to north america to play uh in seattle and play with the thunderbirds uh certainly a tremendous organization but obviously uh, a very interesting a very motivated brad lambert a very interesting night altogether. the jets selecting rucker mcgrory at number 14 overall and then selecting brad lambert at number 30 overall big thanks to all of you for joining us we again we do this because you guys need it because you guys want it and you guys show up to support us whenever we ask you to do so so tremendous thanks great conversation in the chat tonight the back and forth uh, has been tremendous as always be sure to tell your friends tell your family the best place to be is the illegal curve youtube channel in addition legalcurve.com is your home for all the latest winnipeg jets news as well as manitoba moose and winnipeg ice news our website is or our twitter feed at illegal curve same with facebook and instagram We appreciate all the support and always do it for you. So be sure to smash the like button. That's what we ask 
from all of y'all, as I say here in Kentucky. Dave M is on the top right. Ezra Ginsburg's on the bottom middle after four hours and almost 10 minutes of live coverage of the 2022 NHL draft. We say good night and good luck. And thanks for joining us here on the Illegal Curve Special Edition 2022 NHL Draft Broadcast. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.